I don't care. I'm always down for a premium pack. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Episode 424. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It's a trap. Sword of Omens, come to my hand. I, Lion-O, command it. Hi, this is Larry Kenny, the voice of Lion-O on Thundercats, and you're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Thunder, Thunder, Thundercats, ho! Hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And we're the Leftovers. All right, here we go. We're back, Jake. We're back, we're back, we're back. Yeah, I'm so excited. Oh, okay, Jesse Spano. You know I'm going to say that every fucking time. Every fucking time one of you fuckers say I'm so excited, you're getting a Jesse Spano reference thrown right back at you. I'd be upset if not. You would you? Would you be upset, Jake? All righty. We are not alone, Jake. Well, yeah, we're back. Big fucking whoop-de-doo. I, there were some people that missed us, you know. I mean, there's some people that missed us, some people saying, oh, man, I... I don't know what to watch on TV. Come back, PCL. Hey. They want us to hold their fucking hands throughout everything, like little fucking toddlers and shit, walking them across the street, have to pick them up so they can drink from the water fountain, which we don't do anymore because of the pandemic. Who knows what the fuck a water fountain is? Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> they were pretty gross pre-pandemic, to be honest. I know. In a pinch, when you're thirsty, they were there. You know what I mean? Yeah, Jesus. Anyway, <laughs> fucking little toddlers. I don't know. I want to watch. No, I'm fucking with you. I'm, I'm glad that people value our advice, Jake, on what to watch. Yeah, it feels nice. I thought the bonus episode was a lot of fun, too, here in the uh, pre-show, post-show stuff. I thought people might get a kick out of that, you know? I mean, there was some fun shit we were talking about there. So I was like, yeah, let's throw it up, give them... Give them a little something. Give a little something, something, you know, just just the tip, you know, Jake. (laughs) (laughs) It was nice nice to bring the audience into all of our uh, Greg woes. Yeah, I know. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. Every fucking time, man. Without fail. Without fail. Anyway, we're not alone, Jake. We've got guests this week. We've got uh, Mr. Joe Stark from Starkcast coming back. Welcome, Joe. Hey, stoked to be here. <laughs> you're like, you're a broken record with that intro, man. <laughs> yeah, I think, I honestly feel like you just hit a button on your end. Like, like when I do the bu- bumpers over here, like you just hit a button, it just says, hey, stoked to be here. And then you're like, all right, here we go. Here's the real Joe for the rest of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> all right. New, pull the rug out from under you. Oh, I know. That'll fuck with us. <laughs> and then it'll be something I don't like, and I'll be like, go back to the original thing, Joe. Yeah, hit, hit the button. Yeah, hit the button. <laughs> I liked it better when you were stoked to be here. Um, anyway, we've also got Stephanie Chapman. Welcome back, Stephanie. 
Hello, thank you for having me. Let's get this party started. Is that lame? Oh my God. It was uh, let's rock and roll before. And now it's it like, was. it's like, let's get this party started. I was going to do the rock and roll, but I don't think it was catching on and I didn't want to force, I don't want to make fetch happen if it wasn't going to happen. You sounded like so. a, like a, like a 1990s like movie <laughs> where the kids are throwing a party and like, let's get it's this party, party started. Yeah. And then there's some guy, he's wearing a, he's wearing a lampshade on his head and there's a pizza spinning around on the record player. And, you know, and some guys are feeding, some guy giving a dog some beer. There's a monkey there for some reason. There's a, this movie doesn't sound half bad, if I'm being honest. There's a, there's a motorcycle in the pool. <laughs> there's a, there's a, uh, dead cheerleader on the roof. Anyway, I don't know. This is weird. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I don't know what's going on. Jake, uh, people are excited we're back now, aren't they? Yeah. Are they? Nah, I wouldn't be after, <laughs> after this. Anyway, uh, uh, I'm, no, happy to have you, Joe. Happy to have you, Stephanie. I, I didn't think that, uh, Jake might, uh, I, Jake might have not been here this week, so I was gonna have Joe on here to, to help, uh, with everything, but Jake decided to make it, so it's, it's a foursome. It's a foursome. Ooh. That was like Casey Kate. It's a foursome. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this one goes out to the foursome. Um, <laughs> pretty, pretty good, Bryce. <laughs> 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 uh, happy to have you guys here. All right. Anyway, let's move it. We got an iTunes review, Jake. Oh my god, I can't remember the last time we had an iTunes review. It's been a while, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, got an iTunes review. It's one star five! We don't give a fuck, cause we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach, and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada yada, blah blah, fuck you too. These are iTunes reviews. iTunes reviews. This one comes from, uh, it's a five star. Comes from Thorny Thor Thorn. Say that five times fast, Jake. I'm not. I'm not even going to try. Thorny Thor Thorn. Thorny Thor Thorn. Thorny Thor Thorn. Thorny Thor Thorn. Thorny Thor. I was going to do Casey Kasem doing it, but I can't do it. You were going strong for the first two, and then the whole thing just fucking fell off. I know. I put too much pressure on myself there. Anyway. Uh, iTunes review. It's titled uh, Bottom 5 Review. And it goes on to say, The earlier Brian claims the episode is terrible, the better the episode. It's really fun to listen to when things go off the rails and everyone starts ripping on each other like old friends. The movie and TV reviews are great as well and have gotten me back into loving movies. I look forward to hearing the week's news, possible movie spoilers, or any of Brian and Jake's antics. Keep up the great work and never change. Keep up the great work and never change. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm not, I can't do the case from now. Anyway, Jake, yeah. Yeah, from uh, Thorny Thor Thorn there. So what we do are antics, huh? That makes it sound like it's all like kind of planned. Antics. Antics are planned. You can't have unplanned antics, Jake, in your world? I, I mean, I think antics like imply a, a type, like a brand. Well, maybe that's our brand is we are the, the we are Antic people. 
antiquated. <laughs> I'm, t- I'm, go- I'm going to Google. Can you not plan antics? <laughs> it. I just got a message to leave the internet, Jake. <laughs> they have restricted my access to the internet. They're like, this is the dumbest thing, and they've suggested porn. <laughs> Why can't you be a normal human? Participate in it. <laughs> What's that? They've suggested porn to participate in, or to like just view. To to, to view. <laughs> they're like anybody who asks that question is not going to be asked to participate in porn so you might as well view other people doing what you're not able to do (laughs) no results found would you like to jerk off in front of a web camera (laughs) oh man anyway thank you thorny thor thorn for the five star review there appreciate that yeah, I don't think it was a bottom five review either. It wasn't great, but not bottom five. Yeah, Jake is still, Jake is still just can't wrap his head around Brian and Jake's antics right now. He's just, <laughs> ooh. <laughs> yeah, that was a little bit of a backhanded compliment. I, I don't think it was meant as a backhanded compliment. I think that's the way you took it, because you're a sensitive little bitch sometimes. I'm kidding. I'm, <laughs> Jake, you are not. I, in the, in, in the world of podcasting, I am the most sensitive little bitch. So. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. All right. What else we the got? The coolest part of that review, he said that you guys reignited, uh, their passion for watching movies. Yeah. That's something. There you go. Yeah, we did something, Jake. <laughs> Alright, show's over. <laughs> mm. Sorry, you caught me drinking my water there. Aqua. Anyway, thank you for the iTunes review. It's the only one we've gotten in a while, so thank you. <laughs> thank you. Remember when we used to get them every week, Jake? Remember when it was a weekly oh, yeah, thing? Multiple, multiple iTunes. We'd have to cut some. I know, it was like. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do these three next week. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and now it's just like one every three months. So thank you, everyone. Um, Anyway, uh, I I recorded uh, an episode of uh, Picard cast uh, with uh, Rebecca and Brooke, and uh, that should be going up hopefully this week. Uh, We talked about episode three of Star Trek Strange New Worlds, new Anson Mount, Captain Pike series that they got there on Paramount Plus. So if you have Paramount Plus and you're watching that and you want to know more about Strange New Worlds, listen to Par- uh, listen to Picardcast. I am on episode three. Anyway. Oh, Jake, we've got winners for the Lost City Digital Codes. Oh, yeah, this is a good one. Yeah. Uh, you didn't like Lost City, so shut up. I didn't, I didn't dislike it. Who said I didn't like it? I, I I got I kind of got that feeling that you didn't like it when we talked about it in in a in a, in a Facebook Messenger. Yeah, I, I just thought the third act was a little bit on the not very funny side, but I thought the first two acts were really good. Yeah, I thought I, Channing Tatum was hilarious. I thought Chan, I thought Brad Pitt was great too. He was great. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, I mean it, it's like a six. Oh, I enjoyed it quite a bit. I would give it a seven. I would give it a seven, sir. Okay. I like how we've gone to the numbers rating system. 
and away from our rating system altogether. <laughs> a six is, is a t- middle of the road taste. <laughs> I'd give it three and a half stars. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> what the fuck is going on here? I'm going to use a new system, everything. I'll give it three eggplant emojis and a unicorn. <laughs> what is going on? Uh, yeah, so we've got winners that we've got to go over for the Lost City. First winner for the Lost City Digital Codes, and I'll hopefully be able to get these out to you tomorrow. First winner is going to be Nicholas Santones. Nicholas Santones, you are the first winner for the Lost City Digital Code. Jake, I believe it comes with over 50 minutes of the <laughs> of behind the scenes. The, the Casey guy. I'm not even doing Casey. I'm just doing it. Just doing somebody here. Uh, second winners. I think it's 50 minutes of like behind the scenes footage or something like that, or directors, whatever. You know what I mean? 50 minutes of, of 50 minutes of Brad Pitt chewing into a microphone. Oh man, he's fantastic in there. I can't wait for Bullet Train. Oh, it looks hilarious. Bullet Train looks great, man. Looks so good. Have you guys seen the trailer for Bullet Train? Yeah, it looks really fun. I have not. Uh, Stephanie, what do you do with your life? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing over there? You just got your head to, you got your head in a bowl of pretzels and you don't, you don't come up to fucking watch the Bullet Train. You ought to watch the Bullet Train, uh, trailer. It's, it looks really good. It's, uh, it's got, uh, Brad Pitt's in it, Brian Tyree Henry, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Looks really good. I'll give it a go. Give it a go. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give it a go. Here we go. <laughs> All right, next winner. This guy's gonna give a go to Lost City World when he gets with his digital code. It's John Clark. Did you like my smooth delivery there, Jake? <laughs> Very good. <laughs> that was that was smooth as shit. That's why I'm the host of this bitch. That's why, that's why you come here every week. All right, John Clark. Third winner. Stephen Redgrave. All right. Stephen. Yeah, friend of the show, uh, host of Dissecting This Fiction podcast, Mr. Stephen Redgrave. You win a digital copy of The Lost City. Jake, he's going to be watching those 50 minutes, I'm telling you. Oh, I know he will. It's going to be all over him. What do we got here for our fourth winner? Robert Pangburn. Oh, man. Doctor called. You got Pangburn. <laughs> Not again. Not again. Fuck. Put a rubber on. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Last winner is going to be Mr. Adam Cornette. Adam Cornette, you win a digital code for the lost <laughs> what happened there? I don't know. It's, it's, it, there's like this. Is it? Does it just sound like I don't care anymore, Jake? Is, am I there? Am I just on that last one? Yeah. I'm, <laughs> I'm just falling apart here. I'm just. I'm like. I'm thinking to myself, like, what can I do? Just what can I get away with now? Can I just? <laughs> And people will still listen to this bullshit every week. Maybe I just, 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 just uh, you know, my the the inflection of my voice will change rapidly, and I'll just I'll sound like an idiot. Maybe but, ah, people still listen. So here, fuck it. So there's our five fucking winners. Joe, I didn't have you write them down. I, don't even know. I did it anyway. You did it. Oh God, I love you. 
I'll be for you, bro. I'll text him to you. <laughs> oh my god! You know, you, you look at those. You see, just where there's two steps, two steps in the sand, two feet. Pre- that's Joe carrying me, Jake. <laughs> you see that? That's Joe. That's all Joe. He's carrying my ass, man. Anyway, let's. Uh, what do we got here? Oh, I got an email here. All right, let's jump into good pop, bad pop, guys. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> No, it comes from uh, Mr. Andrew Kane, and he says, Hey, Brian, first off, good for you taking next week off. Rob Forrest and I were talking about how no one would blame you for shifting to an every-other-week format. You do so much between the episodes, the Patreon bonuses, social media, watching all the shit to review in your actual job and the workouts. Uh, because uh, We're amazed you're not more burned out. Everyone in the Leftover Army is grateful for everything you provide, and I'm sure there's not a single one of us who'd be offended if you decided to take more me time. I got to see Dr. Strange on Mother's Day, and now I'm listening to your initial reaction episode. And episode 423, picking up on something you said to Jake, I saw the movie at an AMC, and before the movie was there, before the movie was, before the movie there was an extended look at the new Top Gun movie... So in a way, I did get to see Tom Cruise at my Doctor Strange showing. Uh, thanks for everything you do, and enjoy your week off. And that comes from Andrew Kane. In Kane and the Membrane is what we call him over here on PCL. <laughs> no, thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. Really appreciate the email. Jake, I like it when we get appreciation emails. That's nice. Yeah, that was a very nice email. I, I didn't think about the connection of uh, still seeing Tom Cruise in the Doctor Strange movie because of that extended preview. That's that's, that's a good one. That is true. That is true. I like, yeah, I appreciate the appreciation emails. It goes a long way. I really like hearing from people that uh, that get that enjoy the show. That's good stuff. Um, let's see here. Are you guys ready to jump in? I don't know. I'm talking like that. You guys are right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I really feel like any moment, like a team full of like doctors and white lab coats are just going to come in here and inject me with something and drag me off to some kind of like fucking mental institution. I really do. Like this is the, this is the episode where, you know, someone's keeping an eye on me. I really need some help, Jake. <laughs> I, I don't see it. I think I think you're good. Everybody's talking over one another. I'm going into Sam Elliott mode now. Um, <laughs> Joe, what were you saying, man? I couldn't hear you. I said the people coming out of the giant butterfly net. <laughs> oh, Joe, why did I ask? Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, just fucking around. Guys, let's jump into uh, this week's Good Pop, Bad Pop. For more leftover reviews with Good Pop, Bad Pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous weekend or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things, and if this is your first time listening, we'd like you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. Can't really rate the first thing I'm going to just talk about here very briefly. But, uh, yeah, the uh, teaser trailer for Prey came out. The uh, Predator movie. Did anybody get a chance to watch this? I did not oh. see it. Yeah. Same. 
Nobody watched it. No, I didn't even realize it was out. It posted all over social media. I posted it on Facebook. I posted it on Twitter. <laughs> not, not a single person here watched it. I mean, okay, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I, I know. You, you you still haven't seen Bullet Train. Like, why am I even asking you? You haven't seen the train. <laughs> I mean, Joe, you didn't watch it? I know. I, I must have missed it somehow. It, <laughs> Because I'm actually kind of stoked for it. The the premise for it's kind of cool. It's a forty. It's like a forty second teaser. Really not a lot to see. You just see uh, what's her name, Amber Mid Thunder from uh, you know we remember her from Legion. She was in that Liam Neeson tr- Ice Trucker movie or whatever. And uh, we see her kind of uh, just running through like uh, like a forest and then out of a forest into a clearing. And uh, she gets stopped by another one of her like. Her Native American uh, people, like in the, in her tribe, and uh, they kind of crouch down. Next thing you know, we see the three the triangular laser dots on that dude's head, and then the trailer ends. So not a lot there, but you know, uh, this one's directed, of course, we know by uh, Ten Cloverfield Lane, and and uh, he's also directed some episodes of The Boys. Dan Trachtenberg, I like him, but man, this, it's dropping on Hulu in August, I think. And uh, I don't know. I'm worried about this one, man. I'm really worried about this one. We'll see how it goes. I'll watch it when it comes out, but it's not a theatrical release, and I don't know. It's just weird that they would just drop this right on Hulu. It's, it's just odd to me. Yeah, I mean, I wonder if that's a lack of confidence in, in what they have, that it's just going straight to Hulu, or I don't know, maybe it's good, and Hulu paid the big buck for it. But, uh, yeah, I don't blame you for being worried. It's yet another predator go-around, so well, it's a, it's hard a, to say. It's a, uh, yeah, I'm sure. I, well, I mean, it is 20th Century Studios, which is, and Hulu, which is owned by Disney, and now Hulu's owned by Disney. So, I mean... I don't know. It's it's it makes you wonder. Did they not have confidence in this, or are they doing it to compete with the Netflixes? You know, because Netflix bought Knives Out and stuff like that. So are they doing it to compete with streaming? What, what I don't like. What if it is a great movie? Like, what if it is a fantastic fucking movie? Like, um, you know, I loved the Tomorrow War. I thought it was great, man. And after you know seeing that, I was kind of like, man, I w- really wish I would have been able to see that. In the theater, albeit I did get to see it on a on a projector. I watched it over at my sister's place and got to see it on a projector, which was really nice. But I was like, man, I really would have liked to seen that in a theater, you know, in Dolby Atmos or something like that. And like, same goes with this. I feel like, you know, especially if Knives Out doesn't get a theatrical release, that's very. I think that warrants a fucking theatrical release. And a predator movie going straight to a streaming service you know i mean some of the, some people are just going to be watching this on their 40 inch tv at home and it's like <laughs> yeah some people watch this fucking shit on their phone yeah it's true <laughs> it's true oh man i don't know we'll see we'll see we'll see how it goes i hope it's good i love dran trachtenberg i think the dude's fucking incredible director you should get a lot more work and sally doesn't i it, i i would love i hope this i hope it's good but uh, we'll, we'll we'll all be cheated, Jake, if if it's really good and we need, we don't get to see it in the theater because it's a fucking Predator movie. Anyway, what I've been watching, I, I want to catch everybody up on some of the things that I've been watching. 
finishing up. I finished Outer Range, um, the uh, Josh Brolin series on Amazon Prime. Absolutely loved it. Hope we get a second season. I haven't checked to see if there's an announcement for a season two. But it was a, it was an absolute Tupperware. If you're not watching Outer Range, you 100% should be. It is in fucking cr- Joe, are you watching Outer Range? I, I need to get caught up on it. Hearing you say that you loved it, it yeah. makes it... It raised it up my list quite a bit. Holy shit, man. Wait until you get to the end. Like, uh, um, uh, an amazing reveal. An amazing reveal. And, um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to say anymore. I'm not going to say anymore. Um, finished winning time on uh, HBO Max and absolute Tupperware for me. If you're a Lakers fan and you're like, you know what? The Lakers didn't support this. I'm not going to watch it. Dude. I'm not going to fault you. If they, if they came out with a Chicago Bulls series that was fucking slamming on the Bulls, I would not watch it. But you know what? <laughs> Thank God I'm not like a huge Lakers fan. Uh, and I loved it. I thought it was great. I um, The guy who's playing Magic Johnson, I think his name, what's his name? Quincy Jones. Um, he's fantastic. I thought uh, John C. Riley was amazing as Jerry Buss. I loved, loved winning time. Absolute Tupperware. Um... Oh, the offer on Paramount Plus. Anybody else watching this, keeping up with this? The offer. I've watched yeah. one more episode since, but I, I need to binge the rest of it. Yeah, I'm. I think I'm through like four or five episodes now. Oh my god, it's not all completed yet. I don't think uh, it is fantastic. Stephanie, you're not watching it. No. What's the premise? Um, it's the basically it's it's a, it's a dramatization of the making of The Godfather. What it took to make that movie. Um, you know, producers like Al Ruddy and you know, Francis Ford Coppola and getting everybody together and basically like the studio Paramount fighting against Coppola and his uh, insistence on casting um, Al Pacino. They're like, ah, this guy's not a star. This guy's not a star. He'll never be a star, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, it's it, it, it it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. It's it's just an incredible fucking series. And I will say that the standout in the series, in my opinion, is 100% Miles Teller. Like, this guy is oh. just killing it in this series. I haven't seen him be this good in something in quite a while. And um, he, is, he is fucking killing it in this series. By far... Um, I, I'm not saying like everybody else is, is doing a bad job compared to him. I just think that he is just elevated <clears throat> this series so much. I think Dan Fogler is great as Coppola, but um, man, Miles Teller is so good. Who's he portraying in it? Al Ruddy, the producer. He, he original the guy. He uh, got his start um, uh, as one of the creators of uh, Hogan's Heroes, and then moved on to to make movies. Uh, and, um, you know, we started putting together the, the Godfather at a time where Paramount was basically like going under, like they had, you know, they, they weren't making, they, they were basically getting ready to like sell the studio if this, if the Godfather didn't fucking do well. So, oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, this show is fucking incredible. It's, it's one of my favorite things that I've watched all year. Of course, I'm watching the circle. Um, I'm enjoying the circle. Uh, Jake, I did watch the second and third episode of, uh, Vanessa Bear's I Love That For You, and I, I'm, I'm enjoying it. 
I'm enjoying it. I'm going to continue with that show. It's only 30 minutes. It's not a huge investment every, I think it drops on like Thursday or something like that. It's not a huge investment. I'm enjoying it enough. I Can I just say, yeah. Simon, I've also been watching that. I think it's really good. Yeah. You do. Yeah. <laughs> Stephanie, well, you do watch things. <laughs> <laughs> no, I like it. I like, I was like, after the first episode, I was just like, oh my God, I don't know if I can follow a character that's like lying about, you know, her having her cancer come back. And, um, I don't know. I guess I was just intrigued by the fact that like it's based or inspired by a true story. So I was like, I can, I'll watch it. I'll see where this goes. And I am enjoying it. I like it. Oh, and then um, I did uh, finish the Halo uh, season finale. So they came out with nine episodes, and I finished the Halo season finale. I know a lot of people um, have been hitting me up on Twitter and Facebook, and, and I'm seeing a lot of people talking about Halo. A lot of people um, that play the game hate it, and a lot of people are enjoying the series. It's it's super divisive. It's crazy. I. I will say this about season one. I, I did enjoy it, but I do think that it has its problems. It 100% was a pandemic production, so it has problems there. They went through two showrunners on this one um, in the first season. And you can definitely tell that, you know, there was a change in direction. So I think that it kind of like, you know, some of the things that were important at the beginning of the season weren't so important by the end of the season. You can kind of see that um, happening. I think they're going to – I think they might – I think they're going to totally change direction next season. I, uh, Michael Cannon on Twitter, he, I, I posted about the character of Kai and how much I love that character. I think she's great. And he liked Kai too. And he's like, you know, you know, I'm not really invested in, in the Quan Ha story. And I 100% agree. Like, I, the Quan Ha story can kind of just go away, in my opinion. I just did not care. It felt like it was like a big thing at the beginning of the season. And then by the end of the season, we didn't even get Quan Ha in the finale. And, you know, I, I would like to focus more on the Spartans. I would like to see more action. I would like to see more. I love the character development, but I want to see more action. And I'd like to see more Spartan battles with the Covenant. And I mean, some of that fucking, uh, of the, some of the effects right there at the end in the finale looked like they were straight out of the video game, which was, I mean, for the video game aesthetic, it looked cool, but this, the effects just did not look good translated into the, into, into the finale. But I did love the finale. I did love the finale. I thought it was great. And I think it left the series in a great place and they got a new showrunner for next season. So I'm hoping that they can steer this ship and, and, um, give us a better second season. Cause I think there's a lot of promising stuff in the first season of Halo. Um, and uh Bukim Woodbine, I think it was a fucking I love seeing him, but he was like stuck with that Quan Ha story and I would like to see him more with Master Chief and with the Spartans and stuff like that. I think that'd be more interesting to see his character interact with Master Chief. And I loved Cortana. I think Cortana and Master Chief um were fantastic together. I love their chemistry. Um I love how it really started you know, rocky with them. And then you kind of saw that relationship grow between them throughout the season. Um, I'm going to give it a high taste overall. I, I really enjoyed Halo and, um, looking forward to, to, to next season. They just, I mean, it was a $90 million budget on this one. They spent 10 million per episode. I would like to see them bump that up a little bit and get some of the, get some more polished effects and maybe some more action battles. I want to see more of the covenant. I want to see more of Spartans battling in the covenant. I want to see less of him, in 
you know, with the with the helmet off and more of him like with the helmet on and the suit on doing some more action. I mean, that's what we all came there for. I love seeing Pablo Schreiber. I love the actor, but I want to see some more fucking Master Chief just kicking some ass. So, um, yeah. Anyway, moving on from Halo. Um, Jake, do we want to talk about our thoughts about Moon Knight? Oh, my God. Um, we can. They're not going to be great. Let's start with Joe, because, Joe, you loved it. You loved it. I did. Yeah, I, I had a really good time with it. It felt very reminiscent of the the Jeff Lemire run in the comic, and um, I the 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 one negative I have to say on it is I'm gonna hang it completely on Kevin Feige for coming out and saying pumping this up and making it feel like it was gonna be this extraordinary amount of violence when that didn't happen at all. Every time we were about to get extraordinary violent, it did the cutaway thing and then just had him standing there in the aftermath. Uh, so. I, I, I'm curious why he would go out of his way to make it seem like we're going to get something that's going to be like, you know, this like next Netflix daredevil level of violence and brutality when it wasn't even fucking close to that. But but otherwise, you know, it, it felt close enough to the character in the comics for me that, that I was happy with it. Yeah, and and definitely some of the CGI need to be touched up. I think you can say that about pretty much all the Disney plus um, MCU shows at this point. Let me be com- like completely transparent about my feelings on, on you know, like it following the Lemire run. Yeah, it does. How many issues did I read of the Lemire run before I dropped off? Four. <laughs> so yeah, it followed it followed the Lemire run, but I was I did not like it. I didn't like the Lemire run. I dropped off the Lemire run. So, um, yeah, Jake, do you want to talk about it at all? Yeah, I mean, I thought it was the worst of all the finales for any of the MCU Disney Plus shows. Um, you know, I Tupperware the first episode. I kind of loved the way they used the, the, the blackouts to move the story forward. And then by the last episode, it felt like they were using the blackouts to save fucking money. Like, I, I just, I really wanted more from that finale. It, it felt really rushed and, um, like just the stuff, like the post credit scene, it felt like what we should have done this halfway through the series instead of, the very last thing we see and we may not even see any more of this show. Like, I don't know. I, this show completely derailed for me. Every episode, it got worse than the last. They give us two fights at the end. One with, uh, him fighting Haro on that pyramid. And then we get the giant Kaiju fight between Kanchu and, um, Amit. And I couldn't care less about either one of them. I mean, yeah, I agree. I agree. It was, oh God, it was, uh, I did, it's, it's in, in my opinion, this should have been a movie. Um, I don't, I, Jake, I'm really worried about origin stories for, I'm worried about origin stories for new characters when it comes to Disney plus shows. I think the movies have done them like, and I guess this is our only, I guess this is our really only introduction to a new character in a series so far because everybody else that we've had a series about am i correct in saying this that we've seen them in movies before yeah title characters i mean i guess like there's instances where like we've met characters for the first time within these shows like echo is an example of that but it wasn't her show right right yeah yeah but we i mean we were familiar with clint barton we'd seen him in multiple movies yeah so i mean we really you know we're just following his story a little bit more and they're fleshing him out but 
Wow, man. I, I know that people loved this. I know there's a lot of people that loved it, but it is my least favorite of all the Disney Plus series that have come out from, from Marvel so far. Um, huge letdown for me. And J- uh, Joe, I agree with you about the violence. It was weak as shit. I'll tell you what I watched this week. I had some time and I sat down and I, I watched Logan. And, um, I was just, I was just like, oh my God, Jake, uh, Jake, I mean, there is, there are, there are scenes of Wolverine fucking just taking his claws and ramming them right through somebody's fucking face. And you see the claws come out the other end of their face, you know, you're just like, holy shit, this is violent as fuck, full rage that uh, um, Daphne Keene, that girl that plays X-23, is just going ham on motherfuckers, dude. It was just just ripping people up. I, I was just like, this is so fucking violent. James Mangold has given us a beautiful story here, this awesome swan song for Wolverine. And I'm thinking, like, is this movie the swan song for violent Wolverine movies? And... Oh, very, it very well could be. I don't, I, I don't, I love what Kevin Feige has done with, with the PG 13 movies that we've gotten from Marvel. I love what he's done, but I do think that there are R rated characters in the, in the Marvel universe that they need to take advantage of an R rating with. Daredevil being number one. We'll talk about that series announcement later, but I'm worried about the Daredevil series now. I'm thinking it's going to be fucking just watered down Daredevil. And, you know, I'm worried about the Daredevil. I'm worried about, I'm worried about Logan coming back into the MCU. I'm worried about, I'm worried about Wolverine. Will we ever get another R-rated Wolverine movie? And I, I think Moon Knight is very telling. I think Moon Knight is very telling. If you've got Feige saying that this is gonna be like, you know, you know, like, we're not gonna pull any punches and this is gonna be violent. And, I, sure, yeah, there were violent things that happened, but we saw the aftermath of them happening. We didn't see them happening. He would black out. We never saw it. Yeah, it was super annoying. And I was thinking about the Moon Knight stuff, too, when you were expressing your worry about Daredevil and Logan. It's like they can't even say anything that'll alleviate your worry, right? After the Moon Knight debacle, if, like, Feige's like, oh, don't worry, Daredevil season four is going to be just as, you know, intense and, and violent, if not more than the last three seasons. At this point, you're inclined to say, yeah, you're, you're full of fucking shit. He's going to be like, don't worry. Daredevil is going to be just as violent as what you got in the Moon Knight series. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie, did you watch any of Moon Knight? I have not seen it yet now. Okay. I mean, watch it, make, you know, come to your own conclusion. I mean, if you want to be up on everything Marvel right now, you can watch it and come to your own conclusion. But, you know, there are people that loved it. There are people that absolutely loved it. And then I, I, Jake, are we more on the fringe side of things that we just did not like it? I don't know. I'm having a hard time feeling the pulse of this one. I, I feel like now that it's over, it's not really been much of a talking point. Like I haven't seen people. I, same. Same. I think it's like, I think people watched it and it's, and it's Marvel. So they enjoyed it for it being in the Marvel, Marvel universe. But I don't, I don't see people talking about this one or creating memes for this one. Like, like there are memes, but I do see, I don't see it like I did with like WandaVision. I don't see it like I did with the excitement that came from the Loki series or even, even, you know, Captain, 
uh, Captain America and the, and and uh, and, and uh, the the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series. So I, I'm calling him Captain America because that's Spoilers. who he is now. So, <laughs> if you don't know, they announced the movie. If you don't fucking know that, you're, you're stupid. <laughs> It's a shame, though, because, like, I do really – I get really excited when we do these Marvel projects that aren't necessarily, like, at first connected to the big picture. And I do want more of that. I, I, I do think it's refreshing to see a show where I don't feel like I had to have seen 20-plus other things to understand what's going on. And then I get that, and it's Moon Knight. And <laughs> so it's like, hmm, is that really what I want? Maybe I, I do want. I, I, I was driving around after the Moon Knight finale, and I, I had that exact – that conversation with myself in the car as I'm driving around. I was like, man, before this, that's what I wanted. And now after this experiment, I don't want that anymore. I want it all <laughs> to be connected because this, in my in my opinion, and for the people that are listening that loved Moon Knight, you're not going to be agreeing with anything I'm saying. You're just saying, hey, give me more of what I loved. And I 100% respect that. And that is totally cool. But there are people that, that watched it that didn't enjoy it. And I happen to fall into that camp and and so now after watching this and this experiment and like you know keeping it completely separate from the mcu which i mean i'll be honest with you a lot of what the eternals did was very separate i mean we there are things that are very mcu in that but it tried to keep it separate and that in my opinion was another failure i'm i do think that out of all the phases that have come out phase four is my least favorite so far i love spider-man no way home but that's i think the only movie that i've given a tupperware to in phase four so far shang chi shang chi yeah you're right shang chi i love those two black widow was not and i know jake you enjoy black widow i was not i'm not the biggest fan of black widow it's not I mean, yes, I, I love Yelena, but Yelena and Red Guardian are not enough to save that movie for me. I think it has its problems. And, um, and, and these Disney Plus shows, I'm starting to worry about them affecting the movie experience now. I'm really worried about this. Like, is it, I don't want this. I don't want the the quantity to take away from the quality of the movies. I'm really worried about this because Kevin Feige, you know, is out there, you know, on the red carpet and take doing interviews and talking about how like Sylvie and and Loki, they're the ones that started all this mess with the timeline, and yet they still have to have another movie. Jake, they had to make another movie where the multiverse is introduced in Spider-Man: No Way Home. Do you see what yeah, I'm saying it's here? Like, yeah, see- it's like it's redundant. It's like just because they introduced something in a Disney Plus series, they still have to kind of double down. Yes. Cement what happened in another movie. Just in case you didn't watch the, the the Disney Plus series, we also have to do this thing in a movie now because we understand that not everybody is going to have have watched that Disney Plus series. And he has to he has to get quotes out there saying that Loki and Sylvie started this, and that's basically him saying, "Hey, yeah, you do need to get Disney Plus, and you do need to watch this." And you know, and I know, like Greg said it on our Doctor Strange episode, like we want these shows to count, and it's like I did at first, and now I'm worried about the shows at all. 
And I know that I'm in a, I might be in a camp all by myself. I want to hear what you have to say, Stephanie. I just, all I'm saying is like, I might be in a camp here by myself. Jake, I feel like you're totally fully on board with still getting more Disney Plus shows. I, I want them, but I want them to be good. But I am worried about, I am worried about them counting if it's going to affect the movies going forward. It's a problem. What were you saying? I'm sorry. I was just going to ask, uh, go ahead, Jake. And then I want to hear from Stephanie. I think the best experiment so far might be the Falcon and the Winter Soldier stuff, where I think it's really cool that we saw that development as a TV show. And now, like, the grandeur of a new Captain America is deserving of a movie. And I think that might be the best example of this work. But then again, it's like the people that go into the next Captain America movie are like, wait, the last time I saw him, well, the last time they saw him uh, in the movie, he would have gotten the shield. So now he's Captain America. I guess it could work. I feel like there they might have struck fire, and that might be really cool. But yeah. I, I do agree. Like even there, it could get redundant. Like, are we going to have to do a like big recap for any you know all the people they assume didn't watch the Disney Plus show? Like, how schooled are, are the major audiences going to be on all that stuff? Yeah, and. Joe, I under, like, I've heard you talk about it before and you're like, yes, maybe this will get people to watch the Disney Plus stuff. Mm-hmm. And it, they're, you know, cause if they're not, they're not watching, they're not, they're not getting all the content. They're not, they're not, you know, and they're missing out on some good shows. But you're gonna have people that won't. And I, I just, and, and I just don't want it to affect these movies that I've come to love. You know, that, like the Marvel movies are like an event and I just don't want these shows to take away from, um, what I've loved about these movies. And I feel like phase four so far has been my least favorite. I'm hoping Taika can kind of pull everything together with Thor and Lo- Thor, Love and Thunder. I'm hoping that that's a great fucking movie, but phase four has just been a little rough for me. Um, to be, I just haven't had like, I just haven't loved phase four as much as I've loved the other phases. And yes, you can say like, you know, every other phase has had its problems. You know, you've had a Thor of the Dark World here. You've had, you know, an Avengers Age of Ultron there. You've had an Iron Man 2. But overall, I think that they were just so successful. And I don't know. We, (laughs) Stephanie, what were you saying? I apologize. No, 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 no. You're fine. For somebody who's not as familiar with the comics, but has felt like they have taken this ride through the MCU from the beginning. Phase four feels to me a lot like work. Um, it was easy to watch like WandaVision. It was easy to watch the Falcon and Winter Soldier. It was easy to watch um, Loki. It was kind of easy to watch the Hawkeye series because those are characters we are, I was already familiar with. Shows like Moon Knight and other shows like She-Hulk, all these shows that are coming out for characters that we have that people who aren't familiar with the comics don't already know I'm not sure if I need to watch Moon Knight, if I'm going to continue to watch these movies. I don't want to have to now be committed to all of these Disney Plus shows in order to enjoy the movies and, like you said, the events that they have come to be. Following movies is one thing, and there was a lot of movies to get us to Endgame. If it's going to be a lot of TV shows mixed in there, now we're dealing with timelines and the multiverse and who's messing with what and who's where and when. It's really honestly starting to feel like work and like research but not as like fun like it used to be i don't know if that's what they're aiming for but if i have to watch 14 shows before the next movie i don't know if 
that's going to draw me into the movies like just watching previous movies had done before, if that makes sense. Yeah. I'll go to as many Marvel movies that are released as possible to get to the next core, like Avengers or whatever it would be, film. But then I've got to watch this show and keep track of this. And like, it just feels like a lot of work to me or it's starting to feel like it's going to be work. And that's not appealing to me, if I'm being honest. Yeah, and I mean, even like with the Loki show, and they're introducing like all this, you know, the timelines and variants, and it's like we're all trying to put those pieces together to figure out how everything works, and it all goes back to like you know what the ancient one was telling, you know, um, you know, uh, Banner, uh, Professor Hulk, you know, uh, you know, and she, you know, she laid the groundwork for like different timelines and 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 things like that, and then all of a sudden we get to, you know. Some minor spoilers here for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness people, but we start getting into um, the multiverse and we start getting into a, incursions. It all starts to get really big and confusing. And some of the rules haven't been laid out and I just feel like it's a little it's getting a little big a little too big and a little messy and not as streamlined as it used to be. And that's what I'm worried about. I think it's probably going to be great for everybody that consumes every show and every movie and reads every article. But for, you know, casual audiences, I don't want to see more B plus cinema scores coming out of these movies that should be A's. Yeah, I, I feel like the MCU has always stood for a certain level of quality, you know, and, and that's one of the things that really kind of set it above the DC movies in a way is that there was always this certain high level of quality in the effects. And for the most part in the storytelling, yeah, they did have some misses. Um, the, 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 the subpar CGI is the, is the thing that when that crops up in the Disney plus shows, the first thing I always think of is, is this subpar CGI just because it's a Disney plus show? If this were a movie, would it look better? And that's the, the biggest worry I have with with them feeding so much content to Dis- into Disney Plus is are they going to let you know that that content meter drop a little bit and you know i mean coming from me i mean you know i'm i'm very good at finding the silver lining and if it's an, an ip that i already love i'm going to forgive it a lot but you know like like the 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 She-Hulk trailers that came out recently with some of the CGI we saw in that it was just like oh boy that looks like PlayStation graphics and some of those shots. (laughs) And I really hope that that shit's going to be cleaned up and, you know, rendered a lot smoother because man, if that's the level we're going to be getting moving forward, I I think they're going to be, you know, turning people away. When I saw the CGI for the She-Hulk, I was like, are they playing on our nostalgia for the Polar Express? Because those fucking, (laughs) (laughs) that CGI, she looks like she's in the Polar Express. Oh my God. The facial express. Anyway, we'll talk about She-Hulk later, guys. We will, we'll definitely be talking about She-Hulk, but I didn't, I, I didn't really want to go off on like this whole tangent right now, but I am, I am worried about this, but about i'm i'm worried about not just the cgi of it all i'm worried about the story of you know being there's an overarching story throughout the mcu and it all comes together we saw it happen in phase one uh once we got to phase three and it all culminated with endgame and it was beautiful it was a beautiful experience i don't want that to be tainted here for 
I don't want it to be – think of, I'm thinking long game here, people. I'm thinking phase four now with the introduction of Disney Plus, the same people that started off watching Iron Man and then made it all the way through all of those movies, making it to Endgame, and we all got the payoff because we'd spent time with all of those characters throughout the movies. I don't want those same fans by the time we get to the end of whatever the culmination of this – next iteration of phases is and we get to like the next movie that's the big end game movie I don't want those same fans that didn't watch these Disney Plus shows to be like what what I don't this is well, this is not Endgame. What's going on here? I don't know who this character is. I don't know. And then you've got you've got to have you, their friends have to tell them what's going on here and filling in the blanks. It sh- Stephanie, you're right. It shouldn't be homework. It shouldn't be that hard. And when you have to, when I feel like you are having to watch all these things to fucking get to the end goal of whatever this next end of this next few phases is going to be, if you haven't watched everything, you might not enjoy it like you enjoyed Endgame from just watching the movies. Do you see what I'm saying here about like the long game of this? Like now the long game is even harder to get to if you have to watch every Disney Plus series to get the same level of enjoyment that you did from just watching the movies all in in, in the first three phases. Does this make – am I making sense? It, it makes yes. total sense, man. It's one of the things that pissed me off about Solo. It, it, that's what it did to Star Wars. Like I felt like if you weren't watching the Clone Wars, then this final reveal is completely – like it's going to gobsmack you. Like I saw everyone turning to ask how the fuck that was even possible. And uh, that was on a way smaller scale than what's going on here. Yeah, you're right. You're right. You're absolutely right with that. I, uh, I didn't see it at the time and now that I, my eyes are wide open to this and some people listening are going to be like, I don't care. Give me all the Disney plus stuff. I love it. Um, but I'm just saying, I, I don't think that we cannot not say that it won't have some sort of an effect on people that aren't watching every last goddamn thing. I think it is. I, I think it is. I think it will end up eventually affecting these movies. Not to the point where I'm saying like people are going to stop going to Marvel movies. Not to the point where I'm saying that these movies aren't going to make money. But I am going to say that maybe expect a few more B plus fucking cinema scores. That's all I'm saying. So I don't know. That's that's. I guess it's our little our little Marvel rant. But man, yeah, man. I wish I loved Moon Knight. I just, I can't, I can't get there, man. I can't get there. And we didn't get enough Moon Knight for me, man. And what we got was just not, I mean, it was all this, you know, I think you can do this. I think you can explore his, you know, dissociative identity disorder and give us Moon Knight at the same time. I don't think that you have to just focus fully on, you know, that side of him, you know, the whole, you know, Spectre and Stephen Grant and and Jake Lockley of it all. I think you, you can still give us plenty of Moon Knight. You can you can appease both sides of the fandom here. Yeah, I just don't think the character was strong enough in the way it was presented to really enter the zeitgeist of pop culture like all the characters in Endgame did. Like by the time you get to Endgame, like your grandma knows who fucking Steve Rogers is and Tony Stark is and, and Thor and all the principal characters of that and yeah. Spider Man. Like I just can't imagine a scenario where in the next Endgame like movie 
there's that much weight on a character like Moon Knight. And I don't think there should be. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, let's move on into good <laughs> In closing, fuck Moon Knight. Oh, man. I just, I, I know, man. I'm coming. Jake, we're coming with the hot takes. <laughs> I think deep down, a lot of people have this take, too. They just don't want to say it out loud yet. Give them a few years. I don't blame. Them. I understand. I've been there, too. Yeah, yeah. You're in. De- you're. It's fine. It's fine. You're, you're in denial right now. You'll you'll you'll, you'll get there. You'll get there. Um, let's talk about uh, some stuff in Good Pup, Bad Pup this week uh, that we all watched. Um, uh, the Time Traveler's Wife. This is a the, wasn't this a movie? Yes. It was a book, right? I believe it was a well, book and then a movie. Yeah. Okay. Who was in the movie? Rachel McAdams. Rachel McAdams. Oh, I love her. And it's based off the same book? Yes. Okay. That's my understanding. I've never seen that movie. I just know it exists and that Rachel McAdams was in it. I think I did see the movie, Joe, and I don't remember it. <laughs> anyway, this is adapted by Stephen Moffat from the uh, beloved novel of the same name. The Time Traveler's Wife follows the spellbinding and intricately, intricately out of order love story between Claire and Henry and a marriage with a problem. Time travel. At six years old, Claire meets Henry, the future love of her life, and who, as a time traveler, is actually visiting from the future. Fourteen years later, when a beautiful redhead wanders into the library where Henry works, claiming not only to have known him all her life, but to be his future wife, a magical romance ensues that is as sprawling and complicated as Henry's attempts to explain his condition. Uh, Over six-hour-long episodes, uh, the genre-bending drama series expertly weaves themes of love, loss, marriage, and survival, and a story that defies the laws of logic and time. And it's got uh, Theo James from the Divergent series, and then Rose Leslie of uh, Game of Thrones in this one. And uh, yeah, this is a um, this is a kind of like a sci-fi romance show. With uh, yeah, it's it's bizarre. Um, yeah, so you've got Henry from the future who meets his future wife when she's six years old and uh then you've got uh and the story bounces all over through time throughout his lifetime and stuff like that but uh and then you've got her meeting him and it's his first time meeting her yet he's already met the future version of him's already met her from her past it's very confusing it's very confusing and uh, it's he basically uh just bounces throughout time um and uh <laughs> you uh i <laughs> i this is it's 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 i watched it i was i was i was following it you know but i don't know if and I didn't like hate it, hate it, but I don't, at the end of the day, it's just like, is this enough to keep me coming back every week? Is this something that I, that I really care about? Um, I can understand maybe just like watching this as like an hour and a half, two hour movie, you know, the Rachel McAdams joint, but, uh, <laughs> like it's a Spike Lee film. Spike Lee's, the, <laughs> Spike Lee's the time traveler's wife. No, but like, 
I can understand like watching two hours and being done with it. Like, oh, that was an interesting sci-fi romance. But like six episodes coming back every week and watching this love story full unfold over these six episodes and then bouncing all over time and shit. And I just, um, by the end of it, I was just kind of like, okay, I, I, you know, it was fine. Um, but I don't really care to, this is nothing that I'm going to continue to watch on a week to week basis. Um, I'll give it a, I'll give it a low taste that, um, Stephanie, what did you think about the time traveler's wife? It was so, it was awful. It fell all over the place, even though I knew what was going on. I'm going to give it a taste it. It was at points. It felt creepy because older him is going back to the younger version of her before she could like, you know, six year old her, like you said, And, like, he knows that they're going to get married. And I know he's not doing anything with her, like, inappropriate, but it still feels that way to me. There was the line. There was the line. She's, like, she's she's got her horse stall, and she's... And he's and and she's brushing the horse stall, and he says he tells her that you know yeah you're brushing your hair, your horse stall, and she says no I'm grooming, and I was just like yes you are grooming, <laughs> you are definitely grooming, but you're not yeah okay anyway go ahead Stephanie it was just it was kind of weird and then at one point he like he he's with her and like he, he's younger she's younger. And they're hooking up, and then an older version of him comes back to give his version of her. So, like, two of him are in the same place at the same time. And so I'm like, can infinite numbers of him be in the same place? Can there be, like, is it, like, Family Guy, where it could be, like, 30 of him? I hear a lot of shuffling on somebody's end. Somebody's moving around. I hear it, too. Sorry, that was me. That was me. Um, But is there, like, can infinite numbers of him just go back in time? I mean, he can't control where he goes, but... It was just weird, and I, it, it was odd because I'm not entirely sure. We were just talking about the rules. I think of time that travel. I think that I'm there sure is. The I think that there's going to be the Henry in the present, and only one of them can jump back to that specific moment in time. I don't know if multiple can overlap. I think he just goes back to that one time, and he can only go back to that one time once, or jump to that future time once. So he could only bump into like the present version of that Henry in that moment that's but I, I don't have anything to base that off of i'm just guessing right and does his interaction with like cause they're married at this like the, the thing starts and they're married and he's older so when he jumps back in time does that then alter her memory of that thing i don't think so i think like it's all i don't think so i don't think it changes anything Okay. I think it's kind of a Mobius loop on purpose is the way I took it. Yeah. Like it, you can't really figure out what the initial catalyst was. It's like this infinite circle. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to describe it because it's like the versions, like in each interaction, it's like one or the other of them knows more than the other of what's going on. And, and the way that then that person who knows more is then telling that stuff. And then the next time around, then that person knows that you know, it's, I think that's the best way to describe it is that it's, it is just kind of a Mobius loop. It just keeps going. There is no beginning or end to it. Yeah. 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 Uh, Stephanie, you, you give it a taste it. Yeah. Yeah. Will you be watching anymore? I think I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it a couple more episodes. Okay. Um, to see if I like it. It's not, terrible it's not 
No. It's not terrible. It's not terrible. I just, I, I you know, I, a taste it would warrant me giving it maybe one more episode, but a, a low taste. I just, I just don't see myself coming back to this one with, with shows like The Offer out there, and and um, you know, there's maybe another show that we we talk about later that I'm definitely going to be returning to, and there's just other things. I, I just don't see myself being like, oh fuck, man, the relationship between the time traveler and his wife what's going on um so yeah i don't jake what do you think man yeah i'm right there with stephanie it's it's a middle of the road taste it for me yeah i mean it's like you know the licorice pizza sci-fi time travel romance it it is a little bit weird (laughs) and a little bit icky um i thought the show the best part of the show was definitely uh rose leslie and the performance she brought to it i I was entertained by her charisma and just the idea of her already being in love with this guy and then seeing a version of the person she's in love with that she's never even met that she has a lot of faults with after the fact that she's already in love with the future version of him. I think that's an interesting and twisted idea on like a romance story. And I think I will give this one more episode to see if I like it more than the first one. Yeah, did you watch this with Michelle? I did. Yeah, that's why you're giving it another go. All right, all right, gotcha. She, I think she definitely liked it more than I did. There you go, there you go. This is a couple show. It's a couple show. Joe, did you watch it with your wife? I sure as shit did. Yeah, you, 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 you're coming back to this too, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, probably. <laughs> I see a trend. I see a trend. This, this is also one of those ones that, you know, had it not been on the list, I probably would never would have watched it. And so I went into it just very ambivalent and, and really enjoyed the first episode. It, uh, it's it's still just a middle of the road taste it for me, but I really like the mystery that this first episode sets up. That you know any part of him from the future can move back into the past or whatever. And there's one point where he you know he leaves his bathroom and then goes back in, and there's a giant pool of blood on the floor. And then at another point where he's talking to his you know the future version of him is talking to the younger version, and he says you know you've seen the blood, you know what's coming. And so that that mystery that it's setting up that is, is this guy going to be murdered at some point in the future? What's going on? And, and then also with the way that the episode ends and what you see in that alleyway, that part of it has me far more intrigued than than the love story version of it. Um, what's funny is I kept watching that first episode looking at the female league going, where do I know her from? And as soon as you said from Game of Thrones, I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> you where know I nothing, know her Joe from. Stark. <laughs> <laughs> My biggest uh, problem. Yeah, yeah okay. this is one that I'll, we'll probably at least give one more episode to. M- maybe more. It all depends on... on, all dep- on it all depends on your wife's enjoyment, right? Pretty much. Because <laughs> if she wants to cash out on it, I'll be like, hey, I got plenty of things on my list I could watch instead. <laughs> All right. Hey, guys, here's a uh, here's a little warning. Uh, don't let your significant other know about this show if you don't want to be stuck watching it. All right? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> correct, correct, correct. A, a real quick sidebar. I did not realize until watching this show that Made for Love had a second season. I saw a trailer for that before this show, and I was completely kind of blindsided by that. I'm very excited to watch a second season of Made for Love. Did I? Did we watch the first? I don't even remember if we did. 
I've watched the entire first season. We reviewed it on the show. I, okay. I liked it quite a lot. I don't remember if I, I just don't remember it. Like, I think I did, but I don't remember. I don't remember it. The finale I, had a lot of closure, so that I kind of just thought it was hmm. a one and done. I'm very curious to see where we pick up in season two. I, I can't wait to binge that. My biggest problem with this show, and I can't get past it, <laughs> it's, I guess it's a minor nitpick, is that this it's guy... It's a minor thing. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, <laughs> is that the guy, like, you know, he gives the opportunity to go through to into the future and go into the past and all this stuff, and he's not doing anything for, like, any financial gain, you know? He's not using this like it's a, you know, a sports almanac, and he's Biff. And then the other thing is, like, he's, you know, not doing it to, like, you know, stop world disasters from happening and things like that. He's doing this to get his dick wet. And I just am just not the biggest fan of that. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I mean, this guy could stop a lot of things from happening or he could, like, benefit off this for himself. He could could, uh, invest in Google or something, but instead he's just, you know... (laughs) Chasing this, chasing this g- young girl when she's six years old. What the fuck, man? I don't know. It's fucking. <laughs> it's wild that every time he time travels, he shows up naked. So it's like, how are you not on a list? <laughs> yeah, he's got to beat somebody up to get their clothes every time, like it's fucking Terminator. Yeah, I thought of Terminator as well. <laughs> Anyway, let's move on. Yeah, so uh, let's move on to the next one. Um, new movie. Uh, it actually came out a couple weeks ago, but it's called Crush. It's on Hulu. Uh, Paige is a high school artist who joins her school's track team just to get closer to Gabriella, the girl she has a crush on. Not knowing anything about track, her coach assigns her teammate, AJ, Gabriella's sister to train her. As Paige and AJ's relationship develops, Paige finds herself in a dilemma over whom she should be pursuing. Uh, it's a coming-of-age film directed by Sammy Cohen in her feature directorial debut and written by Kirsten King and Casey Rackham. And it stars Rowan Blanchard. Uh, yeah, she was the girl from Girl Meets World and uh, all grown up now. And Ali Cravalho in a story about a teen girl joining her high school track team to get close to her crush. Uh, producers Natasha Leone and Maya Rudolph. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, Stephanie, what did you think about Crush on Hulu? I thought it was very, it felt very paint by numbers. It was cute. I think, uh, you know, a 17-year-old, 16, 17-year-old Stephanie would have eaten this up and loved it. Um, I thought it was good. I thought the acting was great. I thought the, um, I really liked the friendship between the main character, um, her best friend, and his girlfriend, um, I thought a lot of their banter was fairly funny. Um, the principal, I can never remember that comedian's name. Um, I know she does stand up, but whoever played the principal, a little hokey. Oh, Michelle Buteau. Yes. Um, and I don't know if I pronounced that last name right, but yeah. Yeah. Okay. It was fine. I thought the stuff with the, with the gym teacher and, um, Megan Mullally was kind of, it was kind of funny. It was whatever, but it was, it was a little, riskier, you know, because we're in a different time, so it wouldn't have come out in the 90s when I was a teenager, but I liked it. I thought it was cute, and I'm going to give it a high taste it. Yeah. Um, I, there's this uh, other kind of, like, story going on throughout this where um, Rowan Blanchard's character of Paige, uh, she's wanting to get into art school, and there's, like, this kind of, like, um, graffiti artist, like a Banksy or something at their school that's, you know, 
drawing all this art on school ground. It's like a very punny art and uh, looks really cool. And uh, she's an artist. They all know she's an artist. So she gets blamed for it and she didn't do it. So her thing is she, she says, you know, I, she's not in like any extracurricular activity. So to get, so to not get like suspended, she joins the track team and then she has to find out who the real King pun is. That's the name of the artist. And throughout that, she gets close to Gabriella and then close to AJ, uh, Gabriella's sister. And they start to, you know, they start to, they start to connect. And, and, um, what I liked about this is that, it had more adult themes than just in like a PG 13 kind of team teen comedy. It was, it had rated R humor at times. Like kids are getting drunk and high and you know, you had that one couple that's like all over each other and shit the entire movie. (laughs) And I thought it was really well done. I think like, I, I, I love the fact that, you know, they came out with, uh, kind of like an R rated teen comedy romance with, um, two teen girls that, uh, are falling in love here. And, you know, um, I thought it was, I give this a Tupperware. I, I thought that this was, I thought that it was a lot of, it was a lot of fun. I thought it was funny. And, um, I'm glad that they're trying to reach out to not, you know, um, I'm, I'm glad that they're trying to reach out to like, uh, more of a, a gay audience with this kind of stuff. And, you know, I found myself enjoying it quite a bit. And, um, there's the, you know, there's like, like that moment where they look at each other and they start to have feelings. And I was like, Oh, that's so sweet. You know, it's like, it was really, it was really, uh, I thought it was really well done. Um, and, uh, yeah, I give it a Tupperware. I really enjoyed this. I thought the Megan Mullally was fucking hilarious. And then the, <laughs> I also enjoyed the, uh, the track coach as well. The, uh, Asif Mandvi plays Coach Murray and like the flirting, (laughs) the inappropriate flirting (laughs) that goes on between those two right in front of students, I thought was super fucking funny. But I enjoy this quite a bit. And I I do like um, uh, Rowan Blanchard. And it was nice to see her fucking, you know, do something a little bit more risky and, and adult than, you know, Girl Meets World. So... I enjoyed it quite a bit. So I give it a Tupperware. Joe, what did you think? Yeah, this was also a Tupperware for me. I absolutely adored this movie. Um, when I read the description of it before watching it, I was like, you know, on paper, it's like this is not something that I would ever entertain watching. And within the first 15 minutes of it, I'm pausing it and running into the next room and telling my wife, you are so missing out that you're not watching this with me. This movie is so fucking hilarious. She's, she's watching, it? she's watching the second episode of The Time Traveler's Wife. <laughs> <laughs> you, you could only hope. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, you carry on that one without me? Okay. <laughs> but what you had said about the adult humor that was in it, like, spot on. Like, this movie goes really hard with, with some of the raunchy jokes and stuff in it. And you're not going to really get anything new in terms of a plot. This is like a a storyline that we've seen over and over and over again in these kinds of movies. But we've never seen it presented this way with with these types of characters. And and I absolutely loved it. I mean, this movie, it it made me laugh. It made me tear up. I was I was so invested in in these characters. Um, I I, it was such a delightful surprise. I, I just loved this movie. And it's something that I absolutely see myself watching again in the future. 
Awesome. Yeah. What you, you think? Did you like Rowan Blanchard? Yes. Yeah. I, I loved. I loved both the female leads in this. I thought they were fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like they, there wasn't a single character in this where I was like, "Ugh, this person." Like I liked every character. Like her, um, her, her male best friend and his girlfriend that are both running for president and <laughs> yeah. both super supportive of each other. I thought that that was a really funny dynamic. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the the all the different other girls at the school. The, you know, they're trying to like, there's the one girl that's like, oh, she's really into horses. <laughs> and like the other girl that's like, oh, she's really witchy and she keeps trying to cast spells on me. And like, all of it was so funny. The king pun stuff, all that artwork was so great. The puns were really, really good. Yeah. Um, I could see a bunch it, of those like as t shirts that you can buy on Etsy, you know? Oh, w- without a doubt. That's <laughs> funny. I was actually thinking of that earlier this week. I was like, I would love to have a hat. With like some of the like like the let's taco about it, <laughs> like that would just be fantastic. Um, uh, uh, what was the? Oh, the when when she would look at her crush and like it would just be like pastel smoke, yes, like bursting into the background. I loved the way they did that. In the first time that she kind of looks at AJ and it happens, and it's like yeah, that was Loki and Sylvie <laughs> messing with the timelines. <laughs> it's this is a, this actually is a Marvel yeah, movie. Just came out and said that. Yeah, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> that was that was Kang the Conqueror, everybody. Um, yeah, no, yeah, I love that too. I got um, I got kind of like uh, I, I kind of had like that awe moment when it happened between her and AJ that first time. I was like, oh, that's beautiful. I loved it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The first moment where where um, uh, Paige gets on her skateboard. And, and AJ's kind of holding her hands to keep her balance on yeah. it. I was like, ooh, I see sparks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and watching this is like a 41-year-old dude. It's like, who'd have thought? But, I mean, it was I'm, such a delightful movie. Very much like a sorbet of a movie also. You know? I'm thinking of you, like, watching this in bed as you're, like, painting your toenails and you got the little cotton balls <laughs> between your toes. And you're like, ooh, I see a crush. <laughs> It was very much my vibe while I was watching it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Joe's reading an issue of fucking like Tiger Beat or whatever, whatever the teen girls are reading. I don't know what they're reading. <laughs> anyway, I know I'm like trying to get my wife to watch it, and she's like, "Yeah, yeah, a movie about teens, not interested." I'm like, "No, this is really delightful, and the humor is very rated R. Like, is yeah, very good." <laughs> that's, that's awesome. Your wife won't even watch it. <laughs> no, she straight up refused. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, Jake, what did you think about Crush? Yeah, I liked it quite a lot. I'm going to give it the highest of taste it. I thought the leads um, were both great. It was such a cute and charming movie. And yeah, I got I got sucked into the story too. I mean, it's a bit of a paint by numbers story, but kind of in a way we haven't seen. And I agree with you guys about the adult humor was very welcome. I, I think really the only thing keeping this from being a Tupperware for me is it could have used a little bit more of a visionary as far as like the, the production and the cinematography. A lot of times it was carried by the script and the performances 
but I thought it did feel very much like a made for TV movie. Like it felt like something I should be watching on TV. And I thought that was a little bit unfortunate about it. And I wish they could have upped the ante just on the, on the look and the feel of the movie because everything else was firing on all cylinders for me. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to, I'm not going to count that against it. It's, it's the, you know, feature directorial debut here, you know, of, of this director, but it didn't have like the, the, the directorial style or cinematography of like a love Simon, which I all, I loved that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll agree with that, but it, it didn't take away from my enjoyment at all. I, I, I loved it, uh, regardless. Yeah, it was very good. And I, yeah, I agree with all the stuff you guys said. I, I thought Megan Mullaney was hilarious. I, I thought that AJ actor just did a phenomenal job. Um, yeah, Ron Blanchard was great. It, this movie was a lot of fun. I on paper it doesn't seem like something that would suck me in as much as it did, but yeah, I was by the end I was fully invested. Like even in C plots, I like I like want to know which of them is going to become class president. Like I was fully invested in even just all the side plots in this. Yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's the crush. It's on Hulu. You can watch it now. It's been out a couple weeks, so yeah, watch the crush. Uh, Jake, I'm sure you're dying to take a break, aren't you, buddy? Oh, yeah, I, I'm okay either way. I figured you guys were going to cover men and I could hit mute and pee during that, so it doesn't matter to me. No, oh, that's the last thing on the list, Jake. Okay, okay. Well, good to know. <laughs> so, yeah, okay. We will, we will take, we will take a break and we'll be right back. And if you don't join the Pop Culture Leftovers Patreon, we will eat both of your arms and then both of your legs. Face right off your head. You will be this armless, legless, faceless thing, won't you? Rolling down the street like a turd in the wind. Head over to Patreon.com and join now for only six dollars a month. All right, hey, we are back, and uh, yeah, let's jump back into Good Pop, Bad Pop with. Uh, our next movie I want to talk about. Let me find. I just lost it. Jeez Louise! Oh my gosh! I, the the cat got on the on on the computer here, Jake, and just and just 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 fuck some shit up. Uh, the sadness. This is on Shutter, and uh, it's also uh, available if you have AMC Plus. They have a deal with Shutter, and you can watch all of Shutter's content on AMC Plus. That's how I watched it on the AMC Plus app. Uh, as Taiwan succumbs to a viral pandemic that transforms peaceful citizens into sadistic, bloodthirsty maniacs, a young couple must battle to be reunited before they, too, become infected. The Sadness is a Taiwanese horror film written and directed by Canadian filmmaker Rob Javaz in his feature film directorial debut it is heavily inspired by the crossed comic book series and stars Brant Zhu and regina as a taiwanese couple who attempt to reunite amidst a viral pandemic that turns people into homicidal maniacs and um yeah it's a uh, it is a uh it's it's modern day taiwan and uh medical experts and government officials um are um, at at odds over this uh, this flu like infection called the Alvin virus, which I I like to think it was you know I like to think about Dave Seville from the Chipmunks watching these reports on TV and yelling Alvin and <laughs> blaming blaming the Chipmunk anyway. Um, so basically, like uh, 
normal people are getting this uh, virus, and it's not like a zombie virus because they they still retain their like memories. They can talk, and but it 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 heightens their. Um, Joe, you might remember what it does because I can't like it, there's something that it does in the brain and like the most sadistic side of you and like the most sadistic things that you could possibly do and hurt people like that's that like that is like mixing with like your pleasure zone in your brain. So you get you get a you love it's like you love hurting people. It's fucked up. Yeah, it kind of makes people follow their most sadistic impulses. And, yeah, and it makes them very, very happy to do so. Like it's almost like a, like the people almost look like they've been influenced by the Joker toxin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their yeah. eyes kind of go black, and and um, they just go around killing people. They pick up weapons. Um, I mean, there's a lot of like really rapey dudes in this, and a lot of people like. It's fucking gory as shit. There's like a scene where like there's like an orgy of people fucking in blood in this. It's like really fucking really graphic and really dirty. And a lot, I mean, this is one of the goriest movies I've seen in a long time. I will admit, though, that I never was kind of it never grossed me out, though. I was never grossed out by this movie, which <laughs> I, <What? laughs> I was never grossed out by this movie. I'm grossed out by like the saw shit and the torture stuff, but I was never grossed out by the violence in this because it was just so over the top that I couldn't take it too seriously. If that makes any sense at all, that makes this sense. This was like a whole new level above Hostel and stuff for me. No, like I can't. I never even tried to watch Hostel, but like you know, with with Saw, like the way that those movies kind of went and kept going down, and I, I just I couldn't. This was just so over the top, and there was just so much of it that I could never take all the gore seriously. It, so it didn't bother me. I was surprised. I was thinking. To myself, oh, I've got to look away. I've got to look, and I never felt like that in this movie at all. So, yeah, um, Stephanie, I got to hear your thoughts because you, you you made a random comment. What did you tell me? What did you tell me in the in the during our break? I said I'm upset with you. <laughs> I just put a movie on the list. I put a movie on the list. That's all I did. I guess I didn't expect to see. A zombie man fucking the eye socket of an injured woman, I guess. I think things like that, I guess I wasn't prepared for. And so. they both enjoyed it. So why is that a problem? <laughs> it was consensual. No, she she wasn't dead yet. She was screaming, wasn't she? Uh, by the end of it, she loved it, is what he said. So oh, yeah, by the by end the of end. it, she was mad that he finished. <laughs> that's 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 what happened. And I know it's fucked up. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Yes, there is a man that fucks a woman's eye socket with his penis. So basically, his dick was tapping, tapping the front of her brain or something. It was, go ahead, go ahead, Stephanie. Yeah. I can't understand why you're mad at me. I'm kidding. It was. I think we just sold some shutter subscriptions, Jay. I agree. It was, it delivered. I, I don't even know. It took me forever to rate this thing because it delivered. <laughs> it was 
the, it's probably the most twisted thing I've seen in a, like, if not ever, then in a very long time. The, the ending was a bit of a surprise for me. And I'm, st- and I don't know if we're going to be getting, we're going to be talking about that. Um, if we're going to be spoiling it that way, but no, I would love to know. I don't want to spoil it for people. There. Okay. So during break, I'd like to ask a question, but I thought it was really, really good. I'm going to give it a high taste it. If you can handle gore and just, I mean, it's extreme gore. If you can handle that and just the twisted nature of almost every scene that involves one of these Alvin infected monsters or you know, zombies or whatever you would call them, then I think you'll enjoy it. I only reason I'm not giving it a Tupperware is just because I think it just felt like gratuitous at, at some points. Like it, I didn't need all of it. Um, but it, it, I don't need, it's, it's a movie. I don't even know. It's so much. It's so much. It's so twisted. Man, you think about, you know, Train to Busan with the zombies, you know, that, that movie coming out of Korea. Um, Taiwan was like, hold my beer train to Busan. You know? <laughs> Joe, what did you think about the sadness? Uh, dude, like, legit, this movie made me feel sick. Like, it was, it was too much for me. This, it was so bloody and and so gross that the, this is something I will never ever watch again. I don't I don't even know how to rate it because it's it's so not my genre. But I mean, <sighs> Joe's wife Joe's wife watched this <laughs> and held him in her arms. <laughs> <laughs> I was like watching this on my phone, night and I specifically played it. I'm like, I'm gonna watch this first thing Saturday morning so that I have a whole day's worth of activity before I go to sleep because I don't want any of this shit popping up in my dreams tonight. And so, yeah, I was showing her little bits like on my phone or like my kids would walk by and I'd like cover my phone. I'm like, you don't want to see what I'm watching. Like it it was, it was so fucked up. It, I mean, it, Oh God, for, for me, it's like a a low taste it boarding on toss it just because it's so not something that I would ever watch or ever want to watch again. And and I kind of hate that that a lot of the images from it are going to be burned in my mind, <laughs> probably for fucking ever. <laughs> but for horror, you know, I mean, that's kind of what they're going for, right? They want to elicit that sort of reaction in their viewers, and so in that regard, it was very successful. But this is just not something for me. It, it was it was too gross and bloody for for me to handle, and it, it did make me feel. Like like queasy at times, where I was like, I'm a fucking barf. <laughs> I almost need to watch this with like a trash can next to me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it starts off with a couple, you know, Jim and Cat, and they live together, and uh, you know, um, they have like an argument in the morning, and so the relationship is a little bit on the rocks. He drops her off at work and promises promises her that he'll make dinner that night, and so they get, you know, they he drops her off at work, and then he goes back home, and then. They're separated. So the rest of the movie, they're trying to make their way, but he's trying to make it, find her and make his way back to her. You know, he gets into like this, um, you know, fight with these people that are infected in this diner and then it take, goes into the street and then he goes back to his apartment and he has to fight off his neighbor and she's in the subway and she has to fight, you know, she has to make her way out of the subway as people are killing each other on the subway and she gets into a hospital and 
you know, just all this. She's got this fucking homicidal guy infected by the sadness who's like, you know, threatening her the entire time. And he's like one of the main kind of villains throughout this that's following her and this other girl that he ends up skull fucking later. And then it is just, it is, it is insane. I mean, it's, it's over the top gore, but I'm prepared for this stuff. I mean, I mean, I, there's a lot of stuff I used to watch when I was a kid. I used to watch a lot of these B horror movies. I remember watching this movie when I was a kid and this guy fucking, you know, parachutes into this island and like the indigenous people there like take this knife and cut his stomach open just start ripping out his guts and eating him while he's still alive and shit and so i've seen a lot of fucked up shit like this ever since i was like you know 13 14 and so i think a lot of it has prepared me for this moment it's all led up to this it's all led up to this jake (laughs) um so this was just so over the top and gratuitous that i didn't take it too seriously and i never was grossed out jake what did you think about the sadness yeah i liked the sadness quite a lot myself it was a it was a what'd you rate it ryan it's a tupperware for me dude i loved it it's a very high tasted for me. I actually, um, there was definitely parts of it that were very, very disgusting, but most of it, I actually was kind of laughing along with it. It was so over the top yeah. and so gratuitous that it, I was definitely cracking up in a few parts. I, I don't, I could never decide if that was intentional or not. If I was supposed to be like really like edge of my seat, tense suspense, or I was supposed to be kind of like <laughs> squeamish. Just, yeah, I, I just couldn't really decide if that was the point or not. But for me, I, I was cracking up at a lot of it. I what happened to the uh, Taiwan president? Yes. Was absolutely fucking hilarious to me. That was one of the most funny scenes uh, when he comes across the kids who were like hitting the guy with the baseball bat, and that whole sequence. Yeah, of I, I found pretty hilarious. Um, <laughs> the big guy yeah. that gets a, the big guy that's trying to protect the two girls, and he gets his nose bit off, and. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, that the, grossed me out so much. Dude, that was like when you bite into like a bacon cheeseburger and pull a piece <laughs> of bacon out of it. <laughs> uh, the, the it was so, Joe. It's just it. All it is is a fucking Carl's Jr. commercial, man. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah, kinda, kinda. <laughs> um, I, I the parts I didn't like were the real rapey stuff. That that part. I was definitely not laughing at the uh, the orgy scene. That that seems a little bit gratuitous and over the top for me. Uh, that happened to be the scene where Michelle walked in to see what I was watching. Of course, to, so. of course. Yeah. <laughs> Jake's just like I'm watching episode three of the Time Traveler's Wife. <laughs> Remember that blood on the floor from the first episode? Now we know why it's there. <laughs> yeah, who knew it was going to go this far? Um, I too had in my notes about the uh, eye socket fucking. I thought the funniest line of dialogue in the movie dealt with that when the guy was talking about the eye socket juice still drying on his dick. I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, I don't want to spoil the uh, ending of the movie, but I thought the ending was kind of weak, actually. I, I was looking forward to just one final wham-bam moment, and, um, yeah, I thought the I thought it did not stick the landing. I thought the ending could have been a lot better, and what could have made this a Tupperware for me? I don't know, guys. The sadness made me pretty happy. I'll say that much. I also never understood the name. I think that's just what they, yeah, I don't, there's like the moments where you do see the characters even, like, it's like the moment they start to, to, to fade, you see a tear come out of their eye. And that happens, 
Um, I think it happens multiple times if I'm correct. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? I do. Yes. I do. Some of the, it's like dried yeah. and green on some of the characters, the tear. Yeah. So like, I think it's like that moment, that last moment of like humanity leaves them and you see a single tear come down. I think that's why they're calling it the sadness. I, you know, I don't, I think they're trying to be clever with it there. Yeah, it, it, it was not bad at all. I mean, and there was some interesting, like, you know, metaphors to, like, the current things going on today with the pandemic and the media. And it was a lot more witty in that way than I ever expected it to be. So, uh, yeah, I, I was quite entertained. Yeah, I love this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I loved it. I loved it. It was fucked up. It was super fucked up, and that's why I fucking loved it. It was super fucked up. And, uh, yeah, of course, of course, I don't condone the actions. I don't like, you know, it's not like I, you know, like the actions in this movie that is like, oh, that's what's awesome about it. No, it's just like this thinking about, like, what would what would people be like? Like this is a different kind of virus. Like what if, it, if people just turned into homicidal fucking maniacs and gave into like every lust and all this stuff? It was just like, yeah, if you're gonna if you've got that premise, just fucking go with it, you know. And this director fucking delivered on that promise for like tenfold. So Jesus Christ, yeah, that's the the sadness. All right, Joe, don't Joe, we're done talking about it. Okay, it's over now. You can you can open your eyes. Slide my garbage can back away from me. Joe, Joe, had, Joe had his covers over his toes, and his wife were like, "Why are you doing that? You always have your toes out at night." He's like, "They can't get to me if, if my toes are covered." <laughs> there was so many scenes in this though where I'm just like flipping my phone upside down and just like turning my head to the side. And saying, <laughs> it's too much. I'm, I'm hitting that rewind button. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Slow mo. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, I want this next show. It, it's uh, it um, it actually uh, premiered uh, in Australia, and we just got it on Crackle. It's Les Norton. Uh, it's set in 1985 and follows the exploits of Les Norton, a country bloke from outback Queensland. On the run from a troubled past, he arrives in Sydney, where he lands a job as a bouncer at an illegal casino. While he is desperate to return home, he finds himself seduced by the city's illicit charms and is dragged into a web of underground crime. And, uh, yeah, it's adapted from a series of fiction books written by Australian author Robert G. Barrett and stars Alexander Bertrand as the protagonist Les Norton. We've also got David Wenham uh, as uh, Price Galise, the kingpin of the casino. And then Rebel Wilson is in this series. She plays Doreen, a brothel owner in the western suburbs. Um, I only got to watch the first episode, but what I did watch, I did enjoy. I think this is a charming show. I, I liked it quite a bit. Um I'll let you guys chime in here uh, and let me know your thoughts. I'll rate it here in a moment. But, uh, Joe, what did you think about Les Norton? Uh, I also only watched the first episode, but I really, really liked it. Yeah. Um, like, it, it's got a really good vibe about it. Uh, the main character, he's like the uh, the Aussie Alan Richson, I feel like. You know, Aussie like Alan Richson, yes. He, he's yeah, fucking totally. – he's huge. Oh, I know. Totally. And, you know, the whole time I was watching it, I was like, this could be a live-action Guy Gardner big jacked redhead dude you know like i don't know I, I really really liked it and what's funny is that i watched it for a while before it clicked to me that it was taking place in the 80s <laughs> but um 
Yeah, I really liked it. It's 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 um he's he's really getting himself into where you know he's just coming into town, just trying to lay low for a while, and ends up getting this job that just drags him down even deeper. And the the kind of more hardcore guy that he's paired up with in the first episode, the the exchanges between those two is cracking me up. Um, like the the fight scenes in it too. Like the way that this show starts off, it starts off with him. You know, he's like wearing this ill-fitting tux because he's just such a big, huge dude. And, you know, there's these bikers that are starting this fight in front of this bar that he's kind of or this, you know, club that that he's kind of doing the velvet rope in front of. And, man, when he steps into the fight, man, he kicks the shit out of those guys. Yeah. Um, the the for me, this first episode was a was a high taste. It the only thing I didn't like was the amount of commercials that were in it. I, I think I'm just spoiled. <laughs> it's uh, crackle. You got to get past crackle. it. It's crackle. You just got to get past it. And that's and, just and, crackle. And that's the only negative is that I'd be getting into it and they'd be like, oh, another fucking commercial break. And, you know, I'm just, yeah, I'm just so spoiled <laughs> on streaming services these days that don't have the commercials in. And, uh, but otherwise, like content wise, like I, I think the narration in some of it was like a little bit wonky, but but you know, not not bad. Um, I did like all the characters it was setting up. I think the first episode did a very good job of setting everything up, especially you know him as a character. And I would absolutely be down to watch more of this. I just wish it was on a service that didn't have the, the damn commercials. I agree. I'm jealous of the people that got to watch this on uh, in Australia that didn't get all the fucking. Crackle just interrupts episodes at the dumbest points too. It's just uh, like I have that, all that shit in my notes too. If we're talking about how bad Crackle, is. I know yeah, it's we, always we, so fucking jarring. We talked about it during the Nintendo doc as well. It's just I, it's Crackle's gonna crackle, Jay. I mean, no, I know <laughs> it's it's the it's the same two commercials like the the breast cancer medicine that may cause diarrhea and. I just like, oh my gosh, I can't take it. Yeah, I know. It's yeah, and, and sometimes they'll show you that commercial twice in a row. Yes, oh, that's, that's the worst. worst. Yeah, it's like, oh fuck. All right, fine, I'll fucking buy this shit if you stop fucking. I don't. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, I will risk the pneumonia. Give me the medicine. <laughs> yeah, I, I will shit my pants all day. <laughs> I can watch the show. I'll just fucking three. wear a diaper and watch Les Norton on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> what really endeared me to 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 the character of Les Norton, and I love this Alexander Bertrand, Joe. And I know you were probably watching this fan cast and this guy for like, and you, you did you fan cast him for Guy Gardner. I mean, I'm fan casting him for like, you know, what what Marvel project would I like to see this guy in? Like, you know, what what DC project would I like to see this guy in? I I, I like this guy. What really endeared me to his character in that first episode is like the scene where. You know, he rescues those uh, three uh, Vietnamese sex slaves from um, Rebel Wilson's character at the brothel and then, you know, dropping them off at the airport and and kind of like the interaction that they had there. I'm like, I like this guy. This is I like this guy. And I I like the scenes of him like walking around um, town and shit like that. And him just sticking out like a sore thumb. Everybody just looking at this <laughs> huge man with this fucking, you know, Alfred E. Newman red hair. And I, 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 and I love the fact that it's set in the eighties. I'm really digging it. Um, Stephanie, what did you watch Les Norton? I did. I what, saw the first episode. Yeah. What, what'd you think of all the commercials? Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. What'd you think? What'd you <laughs> There were too many commercials. I actually didn't care for it. I'm going to give it a low taste it. 
the the main the the actor the main character that plays Les Norton I thought actually that was the best part of the show. Mm-hmm. Um, Rebel Wilson, the character of Rebel Wilson is like the 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 Madame I guess of this brothel that where he rescues these these girls from. Just feels like over the top goofy. It almost feels like she's like a caricature of who they really wanted to play or who they really wanted the character to be like. So that pulled me out of it. I'm going to be honest with you, the, the, the commercials also pulled me out of it, right? Because I feel like I was getting into, I'm like, going to start liking a scene, then I've got to watch an ad. And so it, it, I was already kind of trying to get into it, and the commercials didn't help me get back into it once the commercial was over, if that makes any sense. I, it was just okay. okay. I mean, I think mm-hmm. I didn't, I think there was a lot of points where I think humor was intended, obviously. And I just didn't, I didn't find the humor in it, I don't think. And I hate to be like the sour apple. I didn't care for it. I'm going to live it a low taste it. And so you like, I, I'm shocked that you, you were angry that I made you watch the sadness, which you gave a high taste it. And this show has, there's literally nobody skull fucking anyone's eye sockets in this at all. I don't remember Les Norton doing that to anyone. And you give it a low taste. It. Stephanie, I'm shocked. I'm full surprises. <laughs> you, 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 you are. You are full of surprises. Oh man, you're an enigma wrapped in a riddle. Anyway, <laughs> Jake, what did you think about Les Norton? Yeah, I, I love Les Norton. I too watched the first episode. It, it's a very high tasted for me. Um, I echo all the stuff about Alexander Bertrand. He was just such a great lead. But I thought one of the strong points of this show was it had a really wonderful uh, bunch of side characters. I really liked a lot of the side characters. I thought, I guess it's his partner, the, the character. I thought that was a really fantastic character, and I'm really interested to see what's going on with him. I really love the rookie cop and what's going to happen with the relationship with her and uh, Les Norton moving on. I, I thought Rebel Wilson was great as that character. I, I thought she was a great villain. Um, I, too, was really endeared by uh, his interaction with the uh, sex slaves. I thought one of the funniest moments of the episode is when he comes back and they're taking all the selfies and you can just tell they're so goofy and you can kind of connect the dots that they have <laughs> smoked the weed that his landlord explicitly told him not to smoke. Yes. And I, I, I thought that was very charming. Um yeah, I, I like it's, it's one of those shows where this guy is doing a lot of stuff that isn't like good things or good traits, but he's such a endearing character. You kind of forgive him for it all. Right. Like, so um, I'm interested to know what's going on with his family back home and more about his past. And, you know, honestly, I hate to keep bringing this up, but if it wasn't for Crackle's damn fucking commercials, I, I would have already watched more episodes of this. Same. I actually I started the second episode and then um, I think it was like a, a commercial popped up and I was just like, I can't do this right now. I'm going to do something else. But I really want to get back to this one. I guess. um Rebel Wilson not only plays Doreen, the brothel owner, but she also plays her identical twin sister, Dolores, in this series. So we haven't even gotten that far in the show yet to see that character. But oh, um, nice. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like this quite a bit. I like I, I bet the books are, are very good. And uh, I think they did a good job here of adapting with the that story. Um, it's, you know, from from what I've seen, I've really enjoyed it. God damn it. I just wish I could watch it on anything but crackle. That's that is the biggest complaint that I have. And there's, I really loved the uh, the eighties aesthetic too. At first, I thought they were showing me stock footage, and then a couple seconds in, I realized that we're actually seeing like the characters like fuzzed out in this like nineteen eighties. Yeah, 
video way. And I thought that was really smart, like to not do the whole show like that, but to kind of have these little like scene changing montages where we see that 80s video quality. I thought did a really good job setting the mood and the, and the atmosphere for this show. Yeah. How many episodes is this? It's not very many, right? It's not a ton. Yeah, I do want to get back to this one, Les Norton. Stephanie, you're definitely not getting back to Les Norton. You want less of Les Norton. <laughs> a lot less of Les Norton. I want, Norton. I want less of less, I want more of Les Morton. <laughs> I want, <laughs> I want a ton of more ton, not less. <laughs> I really think we're going to see this guy, like his career blow up at some point too. He's, oh, he's so charismatic yeah. and, you know, he's, he's not somebody you're going to confuse with other people in a role. He's, he's very, he's, he's got a look. And what are they, what are they giving these Aussies in the water over there? We, ha- we got Hemsworth, who's fucking a mountain of a man. And then you got this Alexander Bertrand, who's like fucking, he's huge. <laughs> you're not wrong. I did. I did have to turn the subtitles on, though, for this show. Oh, I did, too. Same. Got <laughs> trouble listening to the Aussies, eh? Yeah, I, I could get, like, 80% of it, but I felt like I was, like, missing stuff. So after about three minutes, I had the subtitles on. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I I like Les Norton, though. Yeah. All right. I, I gave it a high taste. I can't remember if I gave my rating. Let's talk about The Baby on HBO Max. Oh, wow. Let's talk about the baby. Wow. Wow. What a weird episode this is. Uh, when 38 year old Natasha is unexpectedly landed with a baby, her life of doing what she wants when she wants dramatically implodes, controlling, manipulative, and with violent powers, the baby twists Natasha's life into a horror show. Where does it come from? What does it want? And what links will Natasha have to go to in order to get her life back? She doesn't want a baby. The baby wants her. Uh, it's a British horror comedy limited series created by Lucy Gamer and uh, Cyan Robbins Grace. And um, yeah, <laughs> wow, wow, this show. I'm through four episodes. Um, uh, this has been, a, I think, a, a couple weeks. I think they dropped three maybe the first week and then they dropped another one this past week. And then so I, I've, I'm I'm all caught up on this one. There's four episodes and um uh, Jake, I told you that, you know, there's like, you know, this episode two twist, and I think you really need to get to that episode two twist in order to like kind of see where the show is going. It doesn't stop there. Like there's more twists, like even in episode four, there's more twists. Um, but, uh, I want to hear, Jake, t- tell us a little bit about this show and what you thought about the baby. Yeah, the baby. Uh, the, the main character is this woman named Natasha. Uh, she finds out, is it her sister or a friend is going to be having a baby and it's going to kind of disconnect her from, from the life that she currently has. It's her sister. And, that's her sister. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that's her sister. And it seems like she's very much against her sister having a baby and what it's going to do to their relationship in the future, um, including like making like a, a little bit of a joke that may be rooted in truth that maybe she could still get an abortion, which I was like, oh, my gosh. Um, but, yeah, so then this character of all people. Well, I think we need to talk about like the very like there's a the first scene in this is like a woman running with the baby, right? 
Oh yeah, the cold open, the cold open. Yeah, you kind of right from the beginning find out that there's something more to this baby than it just being a baby. Like there's just with the music that happens and the fact that this woman falls off a cliff. Um, it's, it's a very she's crazy. being chased by two police officers and they corner her by the edge of this cliff and they're like, you know, put down the baby, put down the baby. She does put down the baby and. They're asking her to like come towards them and instead of coming towards them, she steps back and walks off the cliff and falls to her death. And that's when we get this wild scene of the baby going after her, getting ready to crawl off the cliff. The police officers run towards the cliff. A police officer grabs at the baby, grabs a foot and all we see is him holding the baby's sock. And so we're, we believe that the baby has fallen off the cliff down to the baby's death as well. And, and then that's when we jump into the whole story with like the sister and the baby and it catches us up with, <laughs> with, with what happens later. I'm sorry to cut you yeah, off, Jake. Oh, you're fine. But yeah, you find out that the baby does not die, that it is caught by this character that we know wants nothing to do with babies. And then it just gets completely off the rails bizarre from there. Uh, I didn't really love this show. I did watch the first two episodes. It's a middle-of-the-road taste-it for me. Um, I found all the characters to be pretty despicable. I really didn't like Natasha at all. And with the events of the second episode, I couldn't fucking stand the baby. So it's like I've never wanted a fucking baby to die in media more than this fucking kid. So (laughs) I don't know. I don't think I'm going to... I don't think I'm going to continue on with this show. Like a show that's making me root for infant death is probably a show that I, I'm not going to stick around for. I, I don't think that's where it's going. I, we're, I'm through four episodes. I love the show. I'm at a Tupperware with this one because, um, yeah, it's fucked up. It's a show where that, you know, we find out through, um, another character. Um, this, uh, Mrs. Eves, she has spent 50 years living in her car and following this baby around. Um, this baby has never aged and has basically been, um, kind of like, instead of like <laughs> the baby being adopted, the baby's adopting different mothers and all of the mothers has, their lives have ended tragically around the baby. And, um, so, she, you know, Natasha is going to be the next one to go. And so this woman is basically saying this baby's evil. We need to kill this baby. And I think what we're going to find out, Jake, is there's I think we're going to find I don't and I'm not spoiling anything because it hasn't been revealed. But I think there's a curse and I think they're going to have to figure out a way to break the curse. So I don't think that it's going to end with them (laughs) killing a baby. Um if I had to guess. That's unfortunate. If I had to guess. So, yeah. Yeah, Jake, Jake just wants to see them curb stomp a baby. But, uh. And the baby I, fucking makes a dog walk and walk to its fucking death. I was, I was out on this fucking baby. I, fuck this baby. Throw it in the sewers. So, I love the show. I'm in a Tupperware. Joe, what did you think about the baby? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I watched the first episode. When I got done with it, I, I didn't know what to think. Uh, like I, the the episode really left me stumped where I was like, I, I kind of love the premise to this and in, in the dark comedy aspect of it. But, but I, I didn't, I didn't like the main character and 
But man, hearing hearing that you're four episodes in and you really like it, I might go back and revisit it because there's a I big mean, like, there's a big twist in episode two, man. So and, and there's they're they're short episodes too, if I'm remembering correctly. So I mean, it isn't yeah. like a huge investment of time. And either. there's all, there's also a big twist at the end of episode four, and. And so, you know, I, I, these twists, the more that I keep seeing these twists happen, um, the more I like, and you know what? I, I kind of love Natasha. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna sit here and say that I don't. <laughs> I kind of love Natasha, you know? Yeah. So I, I think I'll go back in and, and at least watch the second episode and, and, and give it another shot because I was just in this weird space when I was done with the first episode. Cause when the show started, I watched a trailer for it first. And then watched it, and I was very excited about it. But by the end of it, I was very lukewarm. And I was like, God, I, I don't know if I want to continue this. I don't know if it's – I had a feeling that it was going to bum me out more than it was going to make me laugh in the, in the long run, if that makes any sense. So for me, it was just kind of a middle-of-the-road taste it. Um, I, I think I would go back to it, though, hearing that you like it so much. Um, I mean, even though I know you and I both got pretty dark senses of humor. So, so, so if you think, if you're saying it's more funny than, than depressing, then yeah, maybe I'll go back to it. I mean, even the, the font that they use for like the main title card, the baby, it reminds me of like, you know, the omen font, you know, they're trying to, well, and that's what mm, I kept thinking of while I was watching it. I was like, this is like a dark comedic take on the omen. Yeah. But now hearing that the baby doesn't age and it's been around for 50 years and doing this, I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah, it's... It, it, so it, I'm definitely there, more intrigued hearing more about it. There is a horror supernatural mystery, you know, in this, and, and I'm I'm in for the long run. I mean, I, I love the omen, you know, I'm a big fan of that movie, and, you know, that's not a comedy, but this is taking a little bit of that omen, you know, I, I, fucking The Omen's fantastic, Richard Donner directed, great movie, I just, yeah, so I, so I'm kind of, I'm kind of like seeing what they're doing here with this, and, and <laughs> the, the, it's fucked up, because like, there are, there, there, Mrs., you know, what's her name, Mrs. Eves, they're, she's trying to make the point that you need to kill this baby or it's going to kill you. And so they, there's discussions about killing this cute little baby and it's, and I don't think it's going to go that way. So I don't think it's as disturbing as, um, and it's supposed to be somewhat disturbing. Um, there's the, the baby's so evil. It takes this horrid shit in a diaper and she's changing the diaper and she's getting shit all over the (laughs) walls and shit on her face. And I'm just like, this baby's, this baby even takes evil shit shit um stephanie what did you think about the baby i thought it was okay i only watched the first episode and so i am curious enough especially after listening to everybody else's review to give it another episode or two um i think i actually took to the main character fairly early on because i know what it's like to be that friend and everybody's like having kids and like they, they're they, hanging out, but they're not really, you're not really. That's the, I'm so there with you, Stephanie. That's exactly yeah. why I love Natasha in this. Yes. Yeah. So I get her kind of not wanting to be attached to this kid in any way. Um, I want to see my, my main curiosity is to see kind of what's going on, what kind of supernatural thing is going on. Cause clearly something is odd. As, well, now I know, but something strange is happening. But I also want to see how if this changes her as a as a main character. Mm-hmm. I'm interested in that. Um, I thought it was decent. I'm going to give it a taste it. 
with room to change my rating, maybe at like a later time. I, I can see this show drawing me in and giving and having me give it a higher rating, maybe a few more episodes in. But it's decent. I think the concept is interesting and clever and unique. So. Um, yeah, I'm going to give it a taste at middle of the road. I really think that th- this is, they're going to people, there's going to be people like me that watch this and I'm the audience for this. Like, and you're going to, you're going to want to watch and binge this. Cause like the episodes, they're only 30 minutes a piece and it's easy to get through. And there is like this interesting mystery. And, you know, if you like the omen and if you like to see kind of like a black comedy of, you know, the omen, and uh, those elements play out in a series. I highly recommend The Baby. It's on HBO Max. So, yeah. Let's talk about... Uh, Joe, what did you rate it? I can't remember. It was a middle-of-the-road taste it for Middle-of-the-road. See, I'm the only one that loved this fucking thing. Got, watch, <laughs> watch, at least watch the second episode, you know. get and, and, and there's another big twist at the end of episode four, which I will not spoil. But um, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, Love, Death, and Robots Season 3 dropped on Netflix. I'm a huge fan of the first two seasons and all the different, this is like an anthology series. They take, um, you know, um, it's all computer generated animation and, um, it's, it's executive produced by Tim Miller and David Fincher, Tim Miller, who did the first Deadpool movie and, uh, David Fincher. Um, I mean, the fucking mind hunter. Um, I mean, David Fincher, an amazing director. Um, and we got, all the stories deal with either love, death, or robots. And, uh, each one is directed by, you know, a different director. And I know, you know, Fincher directed an episode. Tim Miller directed an episode in this. I think Fincher directed one of my favorite episodes of this, of this season. Tim Miller's episode I wasn't too high on, but this might be my favorite season overall as far as like the ones that I enjoyed. I think there was only two that I didn't absolutely love, but every other story I fucking loved throughout this. And the episode links range anywhere from like 22, 24 minutes down to even like six minutes. It just depends on what you're watching. I watched all nine episodes of season three today before we recorded in one sitting. It was that easy. You know, you had an 11 minute episode here, a 16 minute episode there. You could just fucking blast through these. And so, um, yeah, I watched all nine and I, I guess we can get into specific ones that you guys liked or didn't like, but I'm going to give it overall a Tupperware. This third installment of, of, uh, love, death and robots. It just continues to fucking, be amazing. I love adult animation like this. Like there is, I mean, I, I do believe that there is definitely a place, uh, for Pixar. I love Pixar. I love what they do. I love those movies. I like how, you know, they can bring out emotion and feelings when I watch them, but I also like really well done, you know, computer graphics animation that has adult themes. And, you know, I would love to see some of these ideas and stories either be brought about in a live action take or even in a full length movie, because I want more adult animation like this. I don't think it should be animation should be like, it only brings out the kids, you know, to go watch the Disney Pixar movie on the weekend. I would love to see fucking people get into adult animation like this, um, and see this kind of shit in the theater. There needs to be, that needs to be a thing. And I love what they're doing here. With Love, Death, and Robots. Um, Joe, uh, did you get to watch any of Love, Death, and Robots? I did. I watched all of season three, and 
dude, prior to this being on the list, I'd never watched an int- a single episode of this. Ooh. And so I watched almost all of season one earlier this week and then just jumped right to season three as, as soon as it came, just kind of stopped watching season one and went right to season three when it came out. Couldn't put it down, dude. I, I went from never having watched this series to being one of my favorite things I've ever watched on, on TV. It's, I, I love the concept of it that it's these short episodes. They're all very different, even in terms of the animation style. Um, it, it's it's so fucking rad, dude. <laughs> like I can't believe I slept on this show for so long. Um, uh, I love that we got another three robots episode in this one. I think that those characters are super fun. Um, the the bad traveling episode, I yes. think, is my favorite. Maybe that was the, the Fincher. That was the Fincher. Of what? Okay, dude, that one was fucking incredible. Yes, what an incredible story. And that was my favorite too, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Then, dude, dude, this show is amazing. I can't wait to 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 finish season one, and then it looked like season two is also a fairly short season. Um, I can't wait to get all of it watched eventually because w- what an incredible premise for a show. Um, I hope it keeps going because man, season three was very strong. Joe's talking about episode two. It's titled "Bad Traveling," and it takes place on a on almost like a. You know, you think about like a Pirates of the Caribbean pirate ship. It looks like a ship that you'd see in a Pirates of the Caribbean movie. And there's this huge, this huge creature gets on board and it looks like a giant crab. They call it the Thanapod. And it starts, you know, just laying waste to crew members and then makes its way inside the boat. And they send one guy down to, you know, check it out. And he goes down there and this Thanapod takes a dead corpse, like the upper half of this dead corpse and can communicate through it. So you see like this dead body and it starts talking and he strikes a deal with this Thanapod that, you know, the Thanapod is like, I need more meat. It's got a taste for humans now. And it wants to go to this, um, it was at the Faden islands, wants to go to the Faden islands. And so he's like, get me to the Faden islands. I want to feed. And this guy is like, okay, I'll strike a deal with you. Like, I'm the only one that can get you there a hundred percent. I'm the guy that can get you there. I will get you there and you will be fed, but you, you know, basically, you know, um, I'm off limits. And so I don't want to spoil any more, but it is just fucking the, the animation. I'd say the animation, every single story that we saw, um, this, this season was phenomenal. Even, even the last episode, which I thought was the Jabaro episode, which I thought like some of the faces look like it was coming like out of a PlayStation 3 game, but like the way the characters moved, it looks so human-like and I'm just having to yeah. tell myself like this is computer graphics, but what I'm watching here is absolutely amazing. Like the movements of these characters and then like, um, there's a six minute episode called night of the mini dead and you get to watch miniature versions of zombies through a zombie apocalypse. And it is the coolest, funniest thing. I, <laughs> I loved no, it's it. Like, it's like, like Sims. Yes. You, know, you get this like way up high top down and it's sped up. So even their voices, I love the way it started off 
with the couple showing up at the graveyard and then fucking and knocking over something and then yes. like that sets off a zombie apocalypse. Yes, man. I loved it. Um uh Kill Team Kill, which was like the US Special Forces fighting the that gigantic bear they called the honey badger. And yes, that one was really fun too. Oh my god, I was thinking like I would love to see this in live action. This is amazing. Stephanie, had you ever seen Love, Death and Robots before? Never. Never even heard of it. Okay. Did you watch any of season three? I did. I watched the first two episodes of season three. The only reason I didn't continue is because I wanted to make sure I got to other things on the list. But I think this is nothing short of brilliant, and I give it a total Tupperware. That's awesome. Yeah, it is amazing. I think it. there's something about their ability to take these intricate stories and deliver them in 15, 10, whatever minutes – and you feel like you've gotten a complete story. You're invested. Like, it's five minutes in. I'm already at the edge of my seat, especially the one you guys were just talking about on, like, the ship. It was it was excellent. It was super mature, like, elevated storylines. I loved everything about it. I can't wait to finish it. I think I'm just disappointed that I feel like I'm going to get through it fairly quickly. Um, but then I'll be able to go back and watch season one and season two. Yeah. But this was just nothing short of excellent. It's something it's, you know, I mean, we're on season three. Um, this is a, it's award winning, you know, so, um, yeah, they've won Emmys. And so hopefully, you know, this is not going to be like on the chopping block anytime soon for Netflix, which is something we've had to worry about in the past with Netflix. Hopefully this won't be, this is something to look forward to on Netflix, but you're so correct when you say that it goes through so quickly. And then, yeah, Jake. I mean, we've we've been huge fans of this series, you know, going back to season 1, we kicked it off talking about season 1. And remember in season 1 when it would be a different viewing experience for everybody on Netflix, they had the episodes kind of like I would watch the first episode, but the first episode for me might have been the fifth episode for you. They changed that. That's not the way they do it anymore, but that's how they used to do it. Yeah, they've even formatted the first season now, so you can't even, that experience can't happen anymore at all now. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting experiment. I think they were trying to figure out at that time, like, what episode were, was getting people hooked so that they would watch the next episode. You know? Yeah, it kind of tripped us up talking about it, I remember. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like talking about episode four and that being something different for everybody. Yeah, it was an experimental way to like, you know, drop episodes. What'd you think about season three, Jake? I loved it. I've watched the first five episodes. Um, I purposely stopped. I, I was just like, I could have easily just watched four more, but I mean, this show was the highest of Tupperwares for me. And it was like savoring a good piece of food. Like I just had to save one more bite to be able to eat later. Uh, I, I just couldn't do it. I couldn't pull the trigger on all nine for this. Um, yeah, my least favorite thing about this show is I'll probably never have a chance to see it in the theater because I would love to see like a two hour best of compilation theatrical release of this show just to see some of this animation up on the big screen mm-hmm. like it is so fucking gorgeous um even an original movie just made for for the screen would be awesome with this show but yeah i i'm right there with you guys my favorite episode of the first five was definitely bad traveling the uh, david fincher episode i mean very little to do with robots but just fucking amazing and the storytelling and the lighting and i I don't think i've ever seen anything quite like it um i also really liked episode five a lot too with the uh 
with the bear, I thought that was probably my second favorite one of the five I've seen so far. Um, a lot of people are drawing yeah. comparisons with uh, this episode and events that happen in the uh, Dark Tower series of books with the uh, Guardian of the Beam robot and that. Oh, being yeah. Very, I didn't being very that. similar to the character we see in here and if there's possibly an inspiration or connection there going on. Um, and, yeah, I couldn't help but think that either when I watched it. I, it really enhanced it and made it even more fucking cool. But, yeah, I can't wait to watch the final four episodes i kind of feel like maybe it's time to honestly revisit this whole thing i haven't watched season one or two more than when i watched them the first time and uh, joe i'm really excited for you because i i think season two may be the strongest season oh sweet (laughs) i can't fucking wait then because i've been absolutely blown away by what i've seen so far yeah, I mean, there's no weak season. It's not like saying no. the worst. Yeah, it's like, which of these $100 bills do you like or dislike the most? Like, at the end of the day, they're still $100 <laughs> bills. Um, Even if you don't yeah. like um, a story, usually the animation is beautiful enough to keep you invested in watching it. And each animation style is different. It's not like they've got, like, a specific house style. You know, it's it's different animators. That's- that's a great point, Brian. I think my least favorite episode of the five I watched was uh, the very pulse of the machine. Same was the was the third episode. It was just really heady, high concept science fiction that never really sucked me in like the other stories did. But to Brian's point, the animation was like this weird hybrid of hand drawn with the CGI kind of rotoscope stuff going on, and it was even though I was never engaged in the story, it was just gorgeous to look at. I was never I loved the animation in that one. I did too. I was never that was I didn't didn't love that one. It, you know, if I had to rate it, I'd give it a taste it. Um and I wasn't a huge fan of the ending for episode 6 Swarm. Um I didn't like how that ended to be quite honest with you, but it was still beautiful enough to keep me watching. But I did love um uh Mason's Rats was great with the the rats in the barn and then um, in vaulted halls entombed. You know, you had um, uh, Jai Courtney and uh, Joe Manganiello in, the, in that episode. And I loved that episode. And then for as weird as it was, I, I that Jabaro was super violent and and beautiful animation, Joe. That it la- was. Yeah. That- that was maybe the most striking one in terms of animation. Yes. The way they animated that siren and you know, that's in the, the trailer for it too, that you know, you see her head coming out of the water in the trailer and I, it, it, it was unreal. It took me a little while to figure out what was going on in that one. Yes, too, me too. I thought it was a brilliant concept. Yeah. That, you know, a, a siren, you know, that is, you know, like this spirit or monster, or whatever that, lures men into deep water so that they drowned comes up against a deaf warrior and and i i don't want to give anything away on how it goes but wow that that one really blew me away yeah that one was awesome the animation is just i couldn't like there's times where you're looking at it and you're just like how how are they able to do this these movements the way it looks like her um you know her outfit with the gold and the the jewels and stuff like that and the way that it looked when she moved it was just so fucking striking and amazing dude uh which episode was the tim miller one uh that was swarm oh okay yeah that one was fucking trippy i just didn't like, like the ending it was it was so weird um 
I, I really the the Mason's Rats one. I loved the ending on that one. Yeah, yes, me too. I loved <laughs> it. So good. I didn't see it coming. That's no. That's the in, in my head. That's the ending that I wanted. And then when it happened, I was like, yes. <laughs> oh man. Oh yeah, yeah. If you've never watched Love, Death, and Robots, please give it a shot. Please give it a shot. I wish I could tell you, like, uh, you know, oh, this is the this is the one that you need to watch that'll get you hooked. But I think. I think even if you start with season one and you just start watching it, I think you, I think you'll get hooked. And if you didn't like that story, you'll love the next one. And if you didn't, you know what I mean? It's just, you never know what you're going to get with this mixed bag, but it's, I love it. I love it so much. Stephanie, you got to finish this and then go back and watch season one and two. I think you'll love it. Yeah. I'm super excited to do that. Yeah. In season one, Sonny's edge and suits were probably my favorites. And those ones were also highly recommended by other people in the leftover army, so they yeah. weren't kidding. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we got, uh, hopefully this plays. <laughs> Here's the- <laughs> Firestarter. I can't, I can't hear it. Can't hear it. Yeah, it's because it's coming through YouTube. Um, Firestarter. Let's talk about Firestarter. This is the, it's the reboot of, um, the uh the movie where, where did the original movie come out 84 that sounds about right <laughs> jake's like sure i mean early 80s before <laughs> yeah i don't know i, I mean I, maybe i should have looked that up yeah Firestarter. Look at 84 84 on the nose man look at look at you, this guy. you win both showcases there we go both showcase prizes holy <laughs> shit i get the car and the barbecue set fucking yeah. anyway um yeah a couple desperately try to hide their daughter charlie from a shadowy federal agency that wants to harness her unprecedented gift for turning fire into a weapon of mass destruction her father taught her how to defuse her power but as charlie turns 11 the fire becomes harder and harder to control when a mysterious operative finally finds the family he tries to seize charlie once and for all but she has other plans instructed by keith thomas from a what has keith thomas done do we know afraid to i'm afraid to look i'm, I'm looking right now yeah. <laughs> keith thomas <laughs> what's keith thomas done in his life let's see what he, he's he accomplished more than me keith i, I give you that but. he directed the vigil in 2019 yeah, what's that? What's what's the vigil? Mm, that looks like to be his only thing. And arcane. Uh, Is that a short? That must be a short. I don't. It doesn't. Keith. Yeah. Whatever. You you don't have a resume here, buddy. Um. But uh, yeah, directed by Keith Thomas. Uh, from a screenplay by Scott Teams based on the novel of the same name by Stephen King. It is a remake of the, yeah, 1984, I got it in my notes, of the 1984 film adaptation of the same name. The film stars Zac Efron, Ryan Kiera Armstrong, Sidney Lemon, Kurtwood Smith, John Beasley, Michael Grias, uh, Gloria Rubin. Uh, produced by Jason Blum and Akiva Goldsman under their Blumhouse Productions. And, um, yeah, I, I went, I actually, I went to see, I saw this in the theater last week. I was like, I know it's on Peacock. You can watch it on Peacock. I, I don't want, I, I don't want the fucking, uh, 
I don't know if they do commercials for movies. I didn't want commercials. I didn't want to watch it at home. I just thought, you know, I got A-list. I'll just watch it in the theater uninterrupted. And uh, so I watched it in the theater. I'll get to what I thought about this one. I, you know, Jake, I, when I was a kid, I loved the 1984 Drew Barrymore movie. And then I watched it again as an adult. I think probably last time sometime in my 20s. And I was like, this isn't that good. But I loved it when I was a kid. I think it's because I was watching none of the kid fuck shit up. It's like, yeah, yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't hold up. No. It's not like fucking like Cujo or The Shining or, or even Carrie. Like as far as those like early, like half a dozen Stephen King movies, this is probably the worst. I think the girl though in this, she does look a lot like Drew Barrymore. I thought she did as a kid. I thought she looked yeah. a lot like Drew Barrymore. And, um, yeah, Drew Barrymore, great child actor, phenomenal child actor. But anyway, um, yeah, back to this kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jake, what did you think about Firestarter? Oh, dude, I hated this so much. I'm like seething <laughs> after watching this movie. This was a giant toss it for me. Um, I-, I thought Zach Efron actually did everything he could with a very terrible script and everyone around him not being able to act themselves out of a paper bag. Uh, I- it was very. Oh, he sucked too. I thought he was easily the best. Oh, he sucked he was too. The shiniest turd. He was but, he he was terrible too. I'm not even going to give him that. And I've seen him do much better, but he was fucking horrible in this. Honestly, I'll just concede. I have I have no like stake in this argument whatsoever, and it's not like I'm nominating this guy for an Oscar for this performance. So I will concede that he sucked too because at the end of the day, like I said, this movie is a fucking toss it. Uh, the acting really brings it fucking down. Uh, the screenplay is laughable. It's one of the worst adaptations of Stephen King anything I've ever seen. And I've seen the fucking lawnmower man. Um, just, I thought the one actor that was like the main villain actor was one of the worst main villain characters in any movie I've ever seen. Like it, you could, see her eyes reading the fucking cue cards and uh there's the scene where she acts with uh, kurtwood smith and it's really apparent just how fucking terrible she is uh, i thought the kid was awful i couldn't wait for this movie to get over it's, it's one of those movies that's only 90 minutes but feels like two and a half hours uh i thought the music was really cool the music but, like, is john carpenter and it's amazing but the music almost like amplifies how bad the movie is because there's these like this amazing fucking dramatic music layered on top of the least dramatic shit and performances you've ever seen. So it's like it really puts everything under a magnifying glass and makes it seem even more shitty. Um, I thought the main assassin character was done really bad in this version. Uh, that was really unfortunate. I really love that actor in uh, Rutherford Falls. I think he's fantastic, but he just did not pull off like the mini scene side of this character that is in the book and even done better kind of in the 1984 one. Um, yeah, this was really unfortunate. I was actually very excited for a Blumhouse remake of this story. Cause I, I really do love this story. It, it always kind of reminded me of like Carrie, the X-Men version. And uh, it's always been a favorite of mine. And uh, yeah, they just, two kind of subpar movies this one being even more fucking worse than the last one yeah it's it's a fucking toss it um for me it was terrible um the i think my favorite part is when zach efron's having a dream and he dreams that his baby's head's on fire and i was just like holy shit (laughs) holy shit that baby's head 
is on fire. That is <laughs> <laughs> holy shit. I think I said that out audibly out loud in the theater, Jake. Holy shit, that baby's head's on fire. I, I watched this on the cock, by the way. I, I pay for premium cock, so I, I didn't get commercials. <laughs> I, I, fuck, I, 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 fuck, I drove to a goddamn theater to watch this. I, I was like, yeah, gonna, and I was hoping it would enhance the experience. It, it did not. Um, but the music's awesome. John Carpenter fucking killed it. Um, I love how... When the mom dies, spoilers, um, how quickly her death is pushed aside. Like they, it's like there's no reaction from the daughter. There's like no like reaction from the husband played by Zach Raffron. It's like they care as much about her dying as we did the audience. Like nobody gave a fuck that she's dead. Um, the kid will go ahead with her powers and like do these fucked up things like she can't really control it she gets angry and at one point she fucking you know burns a cat up and this cat kind of like you know hisses at her and she fucking you know burns this cat up and then you got the cat just sitting there like half burnt up and crying and it's just like terrible and he's like oh you got to finish it now and so she fucking fillets the cat a little bit more until the cat's dead and then he gives her like this full house Danny Tanner talk afterwards like you, you know you need to control your powers you know not react and you know and then you know when you hurt everyone when you hurt others it, it hurts everyone that they love and like give, I'm just like this is so fucking bad and Zach Efron wasn't selling me on that shit um, god damn this movie's fucking terrible absolute toss it um yeah, I, I didn't think it was going to be good going in, but I was hoping it would be better. It just wasn't. It's an absolute toss. It, Stephanie, did you did you watch Firestarter? I did watch Firestarter, and I do not play pay for premium cock. <laughs> <laughs> That's been sitting in my head. Um, the you know, it's, I, when you said sitting in my head, I was thinking about that girl getting skull fucked by that guy's dick. <laughs> <laughs> but we don't we do know whose head it was sitting in <laughs> go ahead the premium cock is worth it you should get it i don't i don't have premium cock jake i love it i'm not paying them i'll do the commercials man if they uh you know what fuck it man i'll do the commercials if they want to try to sell me a swiffer wet jet i'll fucking I'll just I'll get I'll get on my phone for a few moments. Yeah, I watched the WWE pay per views and I, I just couldn't take the commercials in those anymore. I see. Anyway, Stephanie, go ahead. <laughs> um, I'm gonna give it a little taste. It I, it wasn't very good. I think for me, I actually didn't mind Zac Efron's performance. I I think it was the best of of a bad like like you know it was just. You know, it's not hard to elevate yourself amongst the other performances, and so I think he was just able to do that. Did he? Did he take off his shirt during this? Is that why you're saying this? Is that is that what happened here? <laughs> was there a shirtless Zac Efron scene, and now all of a sudden you're you're blinded to the bad acting of this fucking movie? <laughs> I don't think he took his shirt off. Although that may have bumped it to a taste. There, to be <laughs> yeah, there we go. The truth comes out. <laughs> just watch Baywatch. Then. 
I didn't I didn't care for the little girl and I didn't really care what happened to her. I thought watching her use her powers was cool. But that's about it. I wasn't invested in the in the people in the air quotes, the people coming to get her. That they didn't give me enough to be invested in who those people were, what they were doing. I, like the main assassin guy, I think Jake just said, like just it was all just not very good. And it was a short movie, and I oftentimes appreciate like a shorter runtime. But I think if they would have had maybe more better direction, not direction like from the director, but like the, the plot itself. Would have are, had are you talking direction. about Keith? Think, are you talking about Keith Thomas, the director? I'm not Keith. <laughs> <laughs> Who has a Grammy, by the way? I don't know if everybody has a Grammy. Really? Yeah. Go, go, Keith. <laughs> yeah, stick to music, buddy. <laughs> yeah, but it just was not very good. They tried to throw that old guy in there. I don't know what for, but I didn't care about him either. Oh, just, the, yeah, the old guy and his wife. Yeah, yeah. Who he almost murdered, as we find out. God, spoiler. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, that that just, baby's head was on fire, Stephanie. <laughs> <laughs> he could have carried it around like a torch and walked through caves. <laughs> <laughs> the movie felt really cheap too. Like every time we saw the main character using her firepowers, it, they kind of did the same effect where it was like they put like a fucking cone on her head and like had that on fire. Like you didn't actually very often see like, I feel like the, the 1984 movie did a better job at showing the fire effects than this movie did. Hmm. I'd have to go back and watch it. I haven't seen it in, in years. It just, just felt like fake fire, and it very visibly looked like fake fire. And you could tell there was some real like pyrotechnics going on in the original, at least. I feel about the fire, like the first Firestarter, the same way I feel about like the original It miniseries. Like I just, it'll never live up oh, to like what it yeah. was. I, I still uh, yeah. love that original It. Made, it's it terrible was. as an adult. I, I, you're 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 all nostalgia there. Jake, I just watched it like six months ago. It's 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 awful. The acting that they have in like the Chinese restaurant is laughable. It's so bad. It's so bad. I love it. It's so bad. It's so bad. It is so bad. I don't care. I don't care. I loved it when I was a kid. I thought it was incredible. It's ooh, it's spooky and scary. I loved it as a kid. It's so bad. Uh, and they got they got they got John Ritter in that one. They got uh, what's his name from uh, Night Court. Harry Anderson. Harry Anderson. Yeah. <laughs> Joe, what'd you think about Firestarter? Uh, it's it's a total toss it with a Tupperware soundtrack. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like score. You know, I yeah. mean. This score had no business being in this shitty of a movie. Um, the movie was absolutely forgettable. All the performances were blah. Um, yeah, th- this was it, this movie just sucked. <laughs> Come on, Joe, tell us how you really feel, man. It was, yeah, it's bad, man. It's bad. I know there's like people sticking up for Zac Efron in this one. I I think that he's better than this. I think he's better than this, and I think he I. I don't think uh, I thought it was I don't, and I don't blame him because I've seen him better than this. But I thought he was ter- absolutely terrible in this, and it was specifically like the scenes where he's talking to her one on one, and then at the end, um, you know, there's a scene where he's like in in trouble, and I just thought his acting was just so fucking phoned in and terrible. But um, yeah, I did think the effect of his eyes bleeding was pretty cool, but I knew. Yeah. <laughs> By the end of this movie, I was just, I was, 
is just, well, that's time of my life that I'm never going to get back. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> because, but, but man, what a great fucking score. John Carpenter really knocked it out of the park with that. Oh, time, time, time in your life that you'll never get back. Jake, I, I think that's a quote from an iTunes review of ours before. I think. Oh, that's, no. <laughs> does that, does that ring it. true? Does that ring true? <laughs> It does ring true. And I mean, I, it's hard, it's hard not to, uh, disagree. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> it's true. Uh, let's see here. Angeline. Angeline. This is, uh, this is on the cock as well, Jake. Angeline. Jake, Jake, look at you over there with your, with your fancy forks and your, your silverwares and your, <laughs> my premium cock. Your premium cock over there. <laughs> you got your tuxedo on and you got your, your VIP pass and you, you just, you're just living the life, drinking the champagne. <laughs> watching you, watching you while we're slumming it up with fucking like the regular cock. I just got, I got the average size cock over here. Oh man, Jake over there with the print. Anyway, that, yeah, they didn't go anywhere. And, um, Angeline is about LA's original billboard icon from the 80s who infiltrated pop culture and rose to fame when a series of billboards began to appear around LA featuring her signature curvy figure. Uh, it's based on a true story about a woman who calls herself Angeline. She's an American singer, actress, media personality, and model who came to prominence in 1984 after the appearance of a series of iconic billboards in and around Los Angeles, California, with only one word, Angeline, picturing her posing suggestively. These caught the attention of local media outlets, and soon she received several offers for film roles, magazine interviews, and television show appearances. The main trademark of her celebrity persona is a pink Corvette, her billboards have been featured in a number of movies and television series, including the opening credits of Moonlighting. It's the old uh, Sybil Shepherd Bruce Willis show for all you Gen Zs out there that have no idea what the fuck loved I'm talking that about. Show. I loved Moonlighting. Oh my god, Bruce Willis was fucking hysterical in that show. Yeah, I, I could not wait to see Blind Date just based on how much I loved Bruce Willis and Moonlighting when I was a kid. Oh, Bruce Willis was so good in Moonlighting. Uh, it's also been uh, – she's also been spoofed in uh, such shows as The Simpsons, Futurama, and BoJack Horseman. Uh, and I believe that this series is based on the 2017 article by Gary Baum from The Hollywood Reporter – uh, the mystery of L.A. billboard diva Angeline's real identity is finally solved. So, like, for years, like, so basically these – it wasn't promoting any product. I mean, it's not like there was, like, a vodka up there with her or cigarettes or, or something like that. It was just a billboard of a woman, Angeline, and that's it. So it's like – and they, these billboards just started popping up all over LA and getting people's attention. And she kind of like, it's like they were comparing it to like Paris Hilton or like some of the, like these Instagram stars that just get famous for like their pictures and stuff like that. And like, she's doing it old school on fucking billboards. And, um, um, I've gotten through three episodes. I remember when this article came out. Now, I'm sure that there's people listening that have heard of her for, like before. I had never heard of her before. And I remember when this article came out, I like, 
um, the whatever uh, the title of whatever article I read, I don't know if it was the specific article or if it came up like through Yahoo or something, but it caught my attention. And so I read about it. And so as I'm watching this series, I'm like, oh my God, this is about that article that you read years ago. And this is kind of just like deconstructing like how she came about. Like there's this mystery about who this woman was before, why the billboards started popping up. How did they pop up? How did she fund them? And this is going through that story. And so you'll hear other people's sides of the story too, that were involved in her life. And, and sometimes it's funny because they'll tell the story and that's not actually the way she remembers it. So she'll walk the story back with, and it, it's kind of like a Deadpool kind of, you know, uh, fourth wall breaking moment where she's like, that's not how it happened. And then she'll show you how it really happened. And, um, I mean, you got different people popping up in this series, like, uh, Martin Freeman plays a big role in the second episode. Um, I'm really, I'm really, I'm three episodes in. I think there's five or six. I think it's maybe six. I'm, I'm going to finish it. I'm really into it. I, I like it quite a bit. I'm going to high taste it. I, I'm curious what you guys think about this though. Um, there's, I don't know if you, if you guys got to episode three, it's really interesting. She has a meeting with Hugh Hefner and she talks and she gets into that. And I thought that that was super interesting how she handled Hugh Hefner. Um, Joe, what did you think about Angeline? Um, I watched the first episode. I really liked the way that the show is set up with the time jumps and, you know, kind of set up like a, like a documentary. Um, but man, I hate Angeline as a person. <laughs> and, uh, like, but, um, uh, is it, uh, Emma Rossum from Shameless that's playing her? Yeah. She absolutely disappears into the role. Um, I've watched a lot of Shameless and, and it really didn't take me out seeing, seeing her in the role because she does disappear into it so well. But man, even the sound of her voice was just grating on me. Um, but I think the way that this is set up, you know, it's, in that it's, you know, exposing her and that, you know, clearly that is not something that she ever wanted to happen. She only wanted people to know this, like, carefully manicured version of of her reality. And so I, I, I'm, I'm interested to watch more, but I just – I detest her so much <laughs> as, like, a lead <laughs> character that it, it's, it's, it's hard for me to get back into – but I also feel like I kind of want to get the dirt on this yeah. as well. And I like the way they have it set up. I loved the way they did the transitions in the first episode, um, specifically in the bar when she's describing it as, you know, the band wasn't much to look at, but that's OK because nobody was looking. And it's showing like a mostly empty bar. Nobody's really looking at him. And then the camera's panning from left to right. And then there's a person in the foreground that takes up enough of the frame to where as it goes past that person and it's switching to the singer's point of view. And he's saying that the band was really, you know, they were rocking and the crowd was really enjoying it. Then the crowd shifts as it goes past that person in the foreground. And it's now a packed bar with everybody really enjoying it. It had lots of little um, changes in it like that that I thought were really, really interesting work you know, with the cameras. Um, so, you know, performances and the way it's laid out, the only thing that's holding me back is Angeline as a person. <laughs> let me, let me, let me, I'm going to get into this whole thing with 
the way that a lot of people, and I'm not saying you, Joe, and there, I have my moments as well where I'm watching something and it's not a likable character. And, and I don't think she's meant to be likable. But I think in this instant, it's, it's the mystery of this character and wanting to figure out her mindset and why she is this way that keeps me watching. And I'm going to compare it to the same reason that we watch documentaries and movies about serial killers. I don't like serial killers are not likable. You know, I don't like fucking Ted Bundy. I don't like, you know, um, uh, Charles Manson and, and, um, uh, what's his name? The fucking guy that ate the people, Dahmer. I, I don't like them, but I'm fascinated. And I think a lot of people are fascinated by true crime and serial killers and like why people do what they do. And so when I'm going into this, knowing it's based on a true story, I don't have to like Angeline, but I am fascinated with why she is the way that she is the same way that a lot of people, myself included, are fascinated with shows like Mindhunter that try to get into the brain of a serial killer. Why is this person so self-absorbed? Why is this person here in this show wanting to be a human Barbie? What may, why, why do people care that she's not famous, but she's made herself famous this way? And it's this deconstructing of like how this all happened, how she made this happen. And it's kind of, kind of, Mind blowing, and it's actually kind of um, she's the first one to do it. It's kind of she's a pioneer doing this thing, being famous for not being famous, for not doing anything really. I mean, now we're looking at you know, uh, people are like, why is Paris Hilton famous and stuff? And it's like, it's I'm, I'm I think it's fascinating. So, in this case, just I, I can kind of let like the likable character thing slide because I'm so fascinated by the motivation of like, why would a person do this? Mm-hmm. Does that make any sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I completely follow you. Okay. All right. Um, Stephanie, what did you think about Angeline? I could not stay awake through this thing. Oh, come on. I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I'm a toss it. I, I have to, if I can't stay awake, I just can't. That means there's nothing that's, I, it was, I just wasn't into it. I'm not interested enough in, I th- I will say this. I didn't know until you informed me that it was based off of a true story because I was curious. It felt like it could, it felt like it could have been, um, knowing that it was, I mean, I guess makes the story a little bit more interesting, but the episode didn't hold me and I could not keep my eyes open and I just wasn't, I couldn't, I just wasn't into it. I can't, I'm, I'm like, yeah. the, the, I thought the actress, um, uh, was fine. Who played the main character? I think it was fine. I loved. I was, and I initially was intrigued. I'm stumbling over my words. I was initially was intrigued because it the the first the title year when the show first starts is '82, and that's the year I was born. So I was like, yes, '82, give me all the '80s greatness. I didn't feel that a lot. I didn't feel a lot of that. And I don't even know if they were aiming for that, but I was kind of hoping to feel overly '80s and what was what was kind of given to the audience. I didn't feel that. I wasn't invested in the story at all, and I just couldn't do it. Once I was grateful when it was over, the first episode. I sound so, I'm such a I'm such a cloud storm, and you guys loved it. I'm gonna. I I will agree with one thing that you said. You are a cloud storm, and <laughs> <laughs> so yes. 
<laughs> I feel like I'm on an island of my own with this one. Uh, Jake, what do you think? I'm in a Tupperware this show. I, I watched the first two episodes. Um, yeah, I think the performance is just so good. Yeah, Amy Rossum does such a great job with this character. Um, I, I, I'm the, the discussion about the unlikable character is really fascinating to me. For this, it's like the true story definitely helps. And it's almost like she's aware of the aura she's putting out. Like it's an almost on purpose thing, which I find endlessly fascinating because there's moments where you can see through the performance where kind of the real Angeline may slip out a little bit out of the facade. And I, I'm just endlessly fascinated by that. Like I agree with Joe that the goo goo gaga thing is just so over the top and so annoying, but I'm not so much annoyed at it as I am kind of laughing and intrigued by it. And like scenes where she's getting mad about the power being out and she kind of drops the goo goo gaga and just straight up angrily yells and there's a scene where she gets some bad news while she's in her bubble bath. And you can kind of see that two seconds of actual real emotion kind of slip out from the performance. And I'm just like, I love the hazy way of storytelling that this show does too, where it's never quite clear on what year it was or when it was or how it happened and seeing things repeat times, like Brian said, like walking it back and seeing it. So yeah. Never We've got unreliable up. narrators with different stories. Yeah. I, and I think that works really well with this show because the real life person has so much mystique behind them anyway and uh yeah i I love that it's only five episodes um i'm kind of really getting into all the real life drama going on behind the scenes with how the uh, real life angeline is taking all of this and what her thoughts about it are um she's already preparing to make her own version of this show with her own money and i'm very fascinated by that um yeah this show is is fucking batshit crazy i love it yeah man uh what do you think about martin freeman showing up in episode two as mr mr wallach yeah i I thought he he was great as always i can't think of a time where he's ever been been bad Mm -hmm. but yeah yeah i this this is fucking great this is a reason to go premium cock you guys have to watch commercials when you watch this yeah i i had commercials I was yeah. fine with the commercials, uh, no. Jake. You were Joe, fine with what? Joe, you didn't have commercials? No. Look at you. How, whose premium cock are you getting <laughs> <laughs> Whose premium cock are you jumping on, Joe? <laughs> Some kind soul. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. I would never borrow someone's premium cock i find that a little bit questionable <laughs> i'll take somebody's uh i'll take somebody's fucking seconds on their premium cock i don't care i'm always down for, for premium ride. cock yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that's the quote of the episode stephanie i want to i actually i oh my god what's the timestamp on that one jake remember this one hour and 23 minutes i got you Cause I'm going to go back and that's going to be like, like as soon as the episode starts, that's what you're going to hear <laughs> is Stephanie saying that. And then it's, then you're going to hear the pop culture leftovers theme song. <laughs> I love it. I can't wait. I'm going to be checking. I'm excited. 
<laughs> okay, Jesse Spano. Okay. Um, anyway, <laughs> I love, yeah, I really like this show a lot. I really like this show a lot. So, um, high taste it for me and I'm addicted. I'm going to continue. I wanted to finish it, but I had to watch so many, uh, so much other stuff and. I'm I'm right there with you. I'm, yeah, I didn't even know if I had time to watch a second episode, but I just had to. Yeah. Um, how many things do we have left to talk about? Because this is gonna. Yeah. Can we break real quick? I, that's what I was trying to do for you, Jake. I was looking well, I at how many things you. we had to talk about, and then I was gonna offer a break, but you just had to steal my break thunder. Because <laughs> that's what you do, little break boy, Jake. Little break, Jake. Jakey Breaky is what they called you in school. They used to, they used to, <laughs> the first time we've done this. They used to tease Jake in school and call him Breaky Jakey. Jakey Breaky, Breaky Jakey. How did it take 400 plus episodes to be called Breaky Jakey? I've called you, I've called him Jake Breaks before, but I've never called you Breaky Jakey. I think that this is the first time I've called you Breaky Jakey. This is good. Do you like Breaky Jakey or Jakey Breaky? I don't know. I think I like Breaky Jakey. Okay, I'm going to go with Jakey Breaky then. (laughs) (laughs) How did I not see that coming? (laughs) (laughs) Brian, like, distracted me with his left hand and distracted me with the right there. (laughs) You you don't always get your way when you got premium cock, do you, Jake? (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, let's take a little break for Jake, a little Jakey Breaky. We'll be right back. Hey, how are you? First, I want you to know that I sound like Arnold Schwarzenegger. And when I'm not impregnating my housekeeper, I like to buy t-shirts on popcultureleftovers.com. Or you can buy a PCL mug or stickers or even a skateboard deck. You can even buy a PCL bath mat. Listen to this. Imagine getting out of your shower if you have your balls out or your vagina and they're fully exposed and you're hovering just mere feet over the PCL majestic logo. Hovering like a chopper. And just like a chopper, you should get to popcultureleftovers.com and click on the thread this link or... You can head directly over to popcultureleftovers.threadless.com and buy a shirt. Come on, do it now. Do it. Buy a shirt. I'm here. I'm right here. Hey, welcome back. Uh, more good pop, bad pop coming straight into your dick hole here, Jake. We've got more. We, we just, we just watched, we just watched the everything. On uh, on the streaming services this week, everything. We just, I didn't let anything go this week, did I? I mean, you didn't put Chip and Dale on the list. I you bet your <laughs> fucking ass I didn't. Oh, Jake, you found you found time to watch that fucking thing, didn't you, Jake? I did. I I I I went out of my way to not put it on the list. Go go ahead and talk about go ahead and talk about it, Jake. I know you want to. No, I mean, I don't even need to. I, I really enjoyed it. I'm a big fan of uh, Akiva Schaefer, the guy that directed the movie. He's one of the members of Lonely Island. He directed Popstar, one of my all-time favorite movies, uh, Hot Rod as well, a lot of the real famous Lonely Island shorts. And, yeah, it was just kind of a 
a little bit of a Who Framed Roger Rabbit meets Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Um, it didn't have the strongest plot by any means, but the movie was held together very well by just a lot of strange and wacky cameos and just making fun of the state of animation in different eras from, you know, the Disney afternoon stuff to even, you know, name dropping Polar Express and making fun of like a lot of the effects used in that movie. And, uh, yeah, I, I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a very high taste for me. Um, you know, I wanted it to be a Tupperware, but it just didn't really have the drawing kind of plot to really e- elevate it to the next level. But yeah, I thought the animation was brilliant. There's definitely lots to laugh at. And, uh, man, it's hard not to watch it and feel some nostalgia for, uh, for some animation that you hadn't thought of for a very long time. I mean, they even had some, uh, like our crumb stuff living and breathing in this world. And I thought that was really cool. Did the other uh, Rescue Rangers show up? Like, uh, was it was it Ratchet and Monterey Jack and Zipper? All, yes, all the Rescue Rangers do do show up at one point. What was her name? Was uh, her name Ratchet? Uh, Gadget. Gadget. Um, Zipper is actually voiced by Dennis Hayes, the uh, guy that does the Allstate commercials and, you know, the president from 24. Uh, Zipper never spoke in the actual cartoon, so he only speaks offset in this <laughs> very deep voice. It's very hilarious. Hmm. Yeah, I, I've dug my feet into the ground. I'm not watching Ship and Dale. <laughs> Dude, I've been there. I, I, I get the same way with certain movies and, and things, and I understand. But I, I couldn't look away. If it was made by any other filmmaker, I, I could be there as well. But I, I like the original property. I love the creators that they tapped to do this. Mm. Um, yeah, I thought Mulaney and uh, Sandberg were fantastic as Chip and Dale. And it was extra hilarious when they uh, slipped back into their original voices when they would get so angry. I uh, I love the original show, and the Nintendo video game was fucking awesome yeah it makes an appearance in the uh, movie as well oh i love that fucking nintendo game i used to play the shit out of that and you could two players jake you could play both chip and dale at the same time with your friends you could have your friends spend the night and you both could play <laughs> chip and dale and run around zipper could help you and it was amazing i love that game dude yeah i don't know what it was about those disney afternoon capcom nintendo games but they were all fucking. oh the ducktales one yeah Every single one of them. Wasn't uh, Tailspin? Tailspin was a lot of fucking fun, too. Darkwing Duck was fucking incredible. Oh, Darkwing I, Duck was fun. They really... Those games were we, killing it. Uh, we did get dangerous, didn't we, Jake, back in the day? <laughs> very much. <laughs> yeah, we did. I remember the Chippendale game made me question friendships because you were only as good as your uh, second player in that game. Uh, it was very much like Cuphead in that way. And, uh, boy, if your buddy sucked, it would really make it more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I, I lost some friends. <laughs> I'm sorry. It wasn't that. Stephanie didn't laugh. You didn't like that one. She didn't care. <laughs> Stephanie's like, oh, I, a, I don't know. It's eighties a- Transformers action in that Chippendale movie too. Oh, now you're trying. Now you're trying to. Now you're trying to get me to watch this fucking thing, aren't you? No, I don't want you to watch it. I want you to miss out on eighties Transformer action. All right. All right. Anyway. Oh, and I'm also, I'm also, fuck you. I'll watch the clip. I'll find the clip. <laughs> I'm also happy I talked to you this week, Jake. You told me uh, in a Facebook message that uh, you'd started listening to Fly on the Wall, the David Spade uh, and Dana Carvey podcast. 
Oh yeah, I love it so much. It, it's like my favorite thing right now. I think I only have like four episodes left, and I've listened to the entire catalog. Um, yeah, I'm just a huge fan of SNL and in both Spade and Carby's eras, and just the fucking stories that they tell from behind the scenes about yeah. Warren Michaels and all the different stuff going on, like I, stuff that I'd never even considered. And it's such a great mix of people too. They have people on that were before their eras and also after their eras. Mm-hmm. Lorraine Newman. They had Lorraine Newman yeah. on talking about Gilda Radner. Uh, that was so great hearing yeah. about them eating breakfast and the conversations that they would have and everything. Uh-huh. Lorraine, Lorraine was fantastic. Oh, I love it. I love it when cast members that were on that, uh, on those, or, you know, the 75 season, when they talk about Bill Murray and they all call him Billy. I love that. <laughs> I love it when they call him Billy. It's just like, you know, you, you hear that, you know, Dan Aykroyd will always call him Billy and Lorraine's calling him Billy. And I'm just like, oh my God, they know Bill Murray. <laughs> Yeah, it's endlessly fascinating hearing about the process of making the show and honestly how little has changed in that process besides obviously like computers and technology from, you know, the 70s till now. Like it seems like the timeline of when sketches are due and the read-throughs and the dinners and everything is exactly the same as it was when they first started. So it's it's really yeah. bizarre. They talk a lot about how if you could make it on SNL, you feel like you could pretty much do anything because it's yeah. such a grueling schedule. I, I, the, uh, once you get, I can't wait for you to get to the Jim Downey episode. Like one of the, you know, one of the premier writers for SNL for, for many years. Uh, he was there from the beginning. And I can't wait for you to get to that one. It is Jim Downey. I'll, pro- I'll probably be there in two days. I think I, I have Drew Barrymore, Mike Myers, Jim Downey, and Dennis Miller left. There you go. Done. Yeah. The Drew one's great. The Drew one's fantastic. Um, Jim Downey is probably my favorite episode so far. And uh, I think Tim Meadows might be my favorite. I, Tim was good. He was, he was so funny. And just Tim like, was good. That era is probably the era I watched the most of. Oh, that was our, that was prime time for us, dude. That was, that was us. We were watching that, those, those guys. Absolutely. God, just hearing about Dana Carvey talking about like him and John Lovitz going out dancing with David Bowie and, and just hearing the stories about how most people that get cast on SNL are nobody. They have, you know, very little money in their pocket. And it's like such a rocket ship. You, I mean, even now, honestly, like who the fuck was Kate McKinnon and Pete Davidson before mm-hmm. they were on SNL? They were fucking nobody. They were like, you know, improv performers. And just how quickly that show like rockets your lifestyle and changes you and who you're hobnobbing with. It's just, it's endlessly fascinating. Well, they talk about the show never ends. They talk about this this story in a couple episodes. They bring it up again on the Jim Downey episode, but the Chris Farley, you know, him being such a huge fan of John Belushi, he found a pair of John Belushi's pants and wardrobe and he would wear those underneath his pants and sketches just because he wanted a piece of Belushi with him. And it's just it's fascinating to hear all the Farley stuff, man. They, they really get into a lot of Farley stuff. Oh, the Jim Downey episode, they get into a lot, and we'll talk about it. I'll talk about that stuff. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that because Norm MacDonald has a, um, a comedy special coming out on Netflix at the end of this month that he secretly recorded. And they're dropping it on Netflix. And I'm so stoked for that. Me too. Yeah, and me too. Me too. You know, this is before his passing. And so they talk, but, but David Spade talks about his, his memorial and getting up on stage and giving a speech. And Jim Downey talks about Jim Downey 
was the guy who was writing for Norm on Update. And so you get all that story on the Fly in the Wall podcast. Uh, we'll, we'll, t- we'll save that for when we talk about Norm's special. But let's move on to uh, this uh, um fucking show on Apple TV Plus called Now and Then. Um, Now and Then is a multi-layered thriller that explores the differences between youthful aspirations and the reality of adulthood when the lives of a group of college best friends are forever changed after a celebratory weekend ends up with one of them dead. Now, 20 years later, the remaining five are actually reluctantly reunited by a threat that puts their seemingly perfect world at risk. And um, a lot of the cast I've never heard before. Um, Rosie Perez is in this. She plays the detective that's kind of like, um, you know, trying to figure out like what what exactly happened here. So you have like this this young group of of um, you know twenty somethings that uh, get together. Uh, they're celebrating at the beach, and all of a sudden we see one of the you know friends on the beach and and it looks like he's dying and so um don't i had a hard time following some of this stuff that was going on um and maybe you guys can clear it up for me but they it looks like they're driving him to the hospital and then they fucking go on into a a head-on collision with another car correct yes yeah what happened to the other people in the other car they we don't really know but yeah Okay, so it was just a one person in that other car, and she died in the crash. And then the guy that dies on the beach, their friend that dies on the beach, was one of the guys trying to drown him? Yes. Okay. I think they were, like, just aggressively playing from alcohol, though. I was thinking it was, like, the one guy who ends up with the one of the girls, and he was actively maybe trying to kill him because of... Maybe his feelings for the other girl, because like one of the I don't know I had a hard time following with like who the younger characters were now that they're adults, even though they would yeah, flash same. to their faces, I would still have a hard time figuring out, you know, like okay, so now we we're look I'm looking at this older actor who's playing one of these twenty somethings now in their you know late thirties or forties now. Um which one, which, which young person was this? Cause I, I can't put it together. I forgot. They showed their face. I, I'm forgetting. I had a hard I, time. I agree. With- I agree. It was to the, it was ridiculous to a point where they reveal like who the blackmailer is. And I, I was like, who? Yeah, exactly. Who is, who's, who is this person? And then they, <laughs> and then they had to show us in a flashback scene. And I'm like, oh, okay. I still don't have a really good feel for this character at all, but okay. Um, I'm going to give it a taste it with a, I probably won't go back to it because there's other things that are like this. This is, you know, it's kind of like, um, it's not, I know what you did last summer. It's like, I know what you did 20 summers ago. So <laughs> yeah, I, I guess there's a, a, a tape out there of like what really happened and, you know, who was all involved in this guy's death and they got rid of the tape unbeknownst to them. One of the, people kept the tape and is now threatening them that they'll release the tape to the authorities if they don't pay a million dollars a piece. And I've just seen so many stories like this and it just didn't have enough to keep me invested. I don't think it's terrible. And I think some people will watch this and enjoy it, but it's not enough. It's not such an original concept that I think that I have to come back to it and like figure out like, 
you know, what's going to happen to these people. I, it's fine. It's a taste it for me. So yeah. Um, Stephanie, what'd you think about now and then? I didn't, I don't have Apple, so I didn't get a chance to watch it, but is it, I was just going to ask, is it horror? Stephanie watched a Stephanie watched a documentary about now and later the the candy. <laughs> I, I would classify it more as thriller. It's a thriller. Okay. They call it a multi layered thriller. So it's not just like one layer. There's multiple layers in this Stephanie. It's like an onion. Yeah, like me. They, you are an enigma wrapped in a riddle. <laughs> uh, Joe, you got. Jake's over there. You know Jake has Apple TV. You know Joe does because he's got the. They both got the premium cock. So you know know they got the Apple TV. I did watch the first episode of this, and I thought it was incredibly forgettable. Um, To me, it was very reminiscent of I know what you did last summer, just with with a few key differences. You know, one of their friends dies the night of, and it's a longer period of time. And there's not but a guy with a hook hand following him around everywhere. <laughs> not yet. I'm still, we, we can still hold out. That's the true. Hand. There could be a hook hand guy. <laughs> and also, you know, with the, the, the twist that, you know, there's these tapes that, that the lead detective is, is now going through, but, um, otherwise, I <laughs> they put they, they really put the boring. tape. It's the Pam and Tommy tape. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just a, it's a tape of Pamela Anderson blowing Tommy Lee on a boat. <laughs> I thought this was pretty forgettable. Otherwise, I had the same issues that you did with, between the flashbacks in the past and then the present day stuff. I was having trouble connecting which characters were which. Um, I thought the soundtrack for this was great. That was my favorite part of it was the music that was in this. Uh, this takes place in Miami. And so it's got lots of Latin music in it that, you know, I otherwise don't hear very often. And, and I thought that, that, that it was fucking excellent, <laughs> but I don't see myself going back and, and, and watching any more of this. Um, just knowing that the reputation that Apple TV plus has though, I wouldn't be surprised if this turns out to be to be very good, and I, you know, I would have just needed to give it, um, you know, more of a chance. But it's like, dude, I watched. I know what you did last summer. I watched the TV series that came out. I think it was like last year of it also. And it's like, I just don't need to see another storyline that's more or less that that same deal. Um, so for me, it was a low taste. It. All right, Jake. What did you think about now and then? Yeah, I didn't like it at all. It was a toss it for me. Um, yeah, been there, done that, seen this story a million times. I mean, it wasn't original when I know what you did last summer did it the first time, you know, and they just kind of added a new twist to it. Like you, you've seen this setup so many times. There wasn't really anything new to the table. Uh, I agree with confusion about what the characters looked like 20 years prior. Um, I thought, I guess on a positive note, I thought the most interesting thing was Rosie Perez's character kind of getting to see her first case and then her in the present day on the same case was kind of fascinating, but still not enough of a draw to make me want to come back and watch the second episode. Um, I I thought the cliffhanger was actually really weird in the first episode, too. Like, I was like, at first I thought maybe they were saying Rosie Perez was the killer. and I I was, too. I was too. I was like, wouldn't that be interesting if she, no, not the killer, but the one that was blackmailing them. Yeah. Yes. The black. Like, she, oh, I, I, I solved the case and now I'm going to blackmail you out of this because you fucking ruined my career on the, you know, being a detective. 
yeah, I wrote that same fan fiction before I kind of realized that that's not what happened at all. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. This is maybe the weakest first episode of anything I've ever seen on Apple TV+. Plus. I was actually surprised that's where this was. Hmm. Yeah, I, it's not enough to bring me back. I don't think it's as bad as you thought. And I... I, I you know, I, I think it's, it, it might be intriguing enough for other people. I just didn't see any originality in it at all. So, yeah. Let's talk about Night Sky on Amazon Prime. Uh, even though the story takes place beyond space and time, Night Sky follows Irene and Franklin York, a couple who years ago found a chamber buried in their backyard that leads to a strange, abandoned uh, planet they have never seen before. Since then, they've kept their secret, a closely guarded secret, but when an enigmatic young man enters their life, the York's peaceful existence is abruptly turned upside down. Furthermore, the puzzling chamber that the group believed they were familiar with turns out far more than they could have ever expected. Uh, Night Sky is the creation of Holden Miller's first scripted television series. However, this show is overseen by Daniel C. Connolly, who has previously worked on Longmire, Into the Badlands, and The Sun. This one stars J.K. Simmons as Franklin York and Sissy Spacek as Irene York. And yeah, this is fucking, it's a, it's a older couple. They live in, you know, the Midwest. They live in Illinois. They happen to have a shed that has a this kind of like you know you open like doorway that you hall that you walk down and go through a door and it like takes you like transports you somehow to a uh to like this chamber where you are looking out at, at you're on another planet looking at another galaxy it is it is and they just sit there and they watch it together. Some, he reads a book and she looks at the sky or whatever. And they've been doing this for years. It's like their secret. Um, we also find out that they've, it, it, doing this might have been giving them some, some health, prolonged health issues. You know, Sissy Spacek's character has some health issues and, and she's not getting any better. And her doctor is like, you know, is there anything you're, that you're doing in your life that you're not telling me? And it's probably some exposure she's had to like this, you know, this, this, uh, otherworldly chamber that they're going into. It's a wild, weird premise. And then like, I don't know how many episodes you guys, you guys, I said use guys, how, <laughs> I don't know how many episodes you guys watch, but uh, you know, I, yeah, whatever. Um, I don't know why I turned into Joe Pesci there. Anyway, um, I'm going to start stabbing somebody in the neck here, uh, with a pen. Um, <laughs> I won't let this go, will I, Joe? I just keep going down. All right. <laughs> anyway, uh, I don't know how many episodes you guys watched, but I, I did watch the second episode, and there is a connection. I don't know exactly what the connection is, but there is a connection with a family in Argentina. So I don't know if they also have access to this chamber or another chamber um that takes them to this other planet with this view but uh i'm through two episodes and 
I'm super intrigued and I love JK Simmons and Sissy Spacek and you'll get flashbacks of them when they're younger, how they met. And I'm super intrigued by this. I hope it, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm in a worry. Does it stick the landing is, but I'm intrigued. It's just, it's a, a, a bizarre premise. Joe, what did you think about? I'll give my rating here in a moment, but Joe, what did you think about night sky? I really loved this first episode and, and this is one that I'm planning on watching more of. Um, I, I, because I was so enamored with love, death and robots. That's why I didn't watch the second episode of this. Cause I wanted to go back and watch all of season three of that. But this is one that, that after I finished it, I was, I was pretty blown away. Um, the performances of JK Simmons and Sissy Spacek are so intriguing and and I'm also very worried about them too. So for the fact that they were able to do that much work in just one episode and get me so connected to these characters, um, I thought was pretty good. And also just the the just the whole concept of this. I I want to know like how did they find this initial chamber? Um, like I really hope they they get into more of that backstory just because I I think that's so intriguing. But that's a great point. Like a flashback of them first finding the chamber. Yeah, would be, yeah. yeah. Would be like doing some work in the yard and like have that moment where you're digging with the shovel and then clunk and you hit something. Think about think about this, this, Joe. What if they find access to that chamber before you know the space race and man even landed on the moon? Oh shit! I hadn't even considered that. Right? Oh my god! <laughs> so yeah, I mean this this series has a lot of promise um, because you know the premise to this is just really really great, and I, I just can't imagine how awesome it would be to be able to go through something like this and then sit and look at a view like that. I would be absolutely sissy SpaceX character where I would be wanting to just go and do this every night and just sit there and just watch out this big window and just stare at it at the I don't know, because personally, I find space to be just the most fascinating thing going on here. And, and it blows my mind that more people aren't <laughs> aren't totally stoked about it because that is like the mystery of all mysteries above our heads every night. And so many people are so focused on just looking ahead or looking down or just whatever they got going on on this planet that they don't look at this giant the mystery of all mysteries that's up over our heads and and to me that's what this show is is delving into this mystery and that's really what what sissy spacex character going along in this she's like you know i was chosen for this like what what are you trying to show me why why am i here for this and then you know with the twist at the end that she's gonna step through the door and then she finds this other person there that's never been there before And, and didn't her husband say they've done they've gone there like over 800 times or something like that he says he rattles off some number earlier in the episode that they've you know gone there many 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 times and for them to now just once see a different person there i'm really intrigued on what's going to happen with that um man i hate their nosy neighbor <laughs> oh god yes uh, oh he's so annoying yeah you can even tell that his wife is like patiently annoyed with him but um, yeah, th- this show is great. The first episode for me was a high taste. It, I'm absolutely hooked on it, and really excited to see where it's going to go. Yeah, I'm. I'm definitely. I'm in a high taste as well. Um, with this one, it's uh, it's just got such an. I, I'm I'm definitely finishing it. Like this is one that you know, two episodes in, I've got to know more. I've got to know more. I've got to know more about like this chamber. Second episode opened up a little bit more. Um, I feel like 
other people have access to these, you know, space chambers or whatever the fuck we want to call them. It is, it is, uh, super intriguing. Um, Jake, what did you think about Night Sky? Yeah, I'm going to give it a high taste as well. Um, I was really sucked into it. It has a very intriguing plot. Um, the performances by J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek are just out of this fucking world. Um, I was surprised at how emotional this show got me. Like, it, you know, it really kind of just made me think about things that I didn't expect to be thinking about while watching this show. I mean, if you really let this show kind of get into your brain, it can really fill you with some existential dread. Like, it's it's really out there. And there's just a lot of depressing stuff, like a lot of themes just about what getting older means and mortality and like the scene where Sissy Spacek visits her friend that owned the bridal store I found to be really depressing. Um, just their relationship is so sweet, but like at the point that we jump into the story, it's just such a, a sad moment for their relationship because you're just not really sure like how long it's going to continue the way it is. And the choice that Tissy Spacek makes at the end of the episode, I really just kind of filled me with sadness. But I mean, these aren't negative things. I was just really impressed at like how emotional and drawn into the, the subtext of the plot that I got with this show. And uh, yeah, it was a real, uh, real wham dinger of a uh, cliffhanger. And uh, I'm excited to see more of this. You would, I, w- I was thinking it was more of a humdinger. You're, you're leaning towards wham. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh, um, Joe, wham or hum in the ding in 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 the dinger of it all, Joe. You know, I think this is my first exposure to the wham dinger. Um, mm. You know, old hand of the hum dinger. Okay. Uh, okay, so two hums, right, Joe? You're going with hum. I'll go with hum. Okay, Stephanie. I mean, this could be a tie or. Or, or, or it could be pretty much almost a unanimous humdinger. Is it hum or whamdinger? Is Night Sky a hum, a humwinger or, or a whamdinger? <laughs> it's a hum, hum. It's a humdinger. Jake, you're the, you're the lone whamdinger. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I realized that the correct terminology is hum, but it was stronger than that for me. It, did, it didn't feel like enough. I upgraded the hum to a wham. Holy shit, Jake, you know what? You have revolutionized the dinger. <laughs> <laughs> I've heard that before. <laughs> uh, Stephanie's going to be like, Brian, I didn't watch Night Sky. I watched The Sadness again. I hate you. <laughs> you owe me another apology. <laughs> Stephanie's like, speaking of wham dingers, The Sadness. Um, no. Go <laughs> Jake, I just I had to have fun with the wham dinger. Is it is it okay? I'm, that, I'm not. I'm not offended. All right, I had to have some fun with the wham dinger. Just never I, heard. I, of- as soon as I said it, I like smacked myself. <laughs> in the head. So I appreciate. I appreciate it. It was like you saw the open wound. You quickly quickly grabbed the salt, and I I, I deserved it. It was. <laughs> <laughs> You make me come off like an asshole. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't think that's what happened there. I think it is, and I like it. Um, okay, okay. If you, if, I would say I did not deserve that. That that would be me. I did not deserve that verbal beating, Brian. And this is not what I signed up. For. Brian's a part of bully culture. <laughs> be a star, Brian. <laughs> 
Oh, man. I can't wait for our next iTunes review to read. Five stars. This show's a real wham dinger. <laughs> Jake, we're dinging all the whams. Dude, the fucking t-shirts print themselves. When we're, when we're fucking Scrooge McDuck swimming in that wham dinger money, then you fucking poke fun then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Stephanie, Night Sky. What did you think about Night Sky? I really liked it. Um, I was, I found myself really attached to the couple. I think, unlike Joe, um, space is probably the most frightening concept to me on the planet. People who want to be astronauts, there's like a level of bravery there that I can't, cause space is just so dangerous because we don't know. There's a lot we don't know. So, the, the, the every time he had said how many times they had gone up and he had said like I'm, I'm in the very beginning of the first episode I made it through I think I made it through the second episode he says to her like I think I'm done with this I'm thinking my first thought was like who knows what it's doing to you you don't know what it is you don't know what it's doing to you when we we find out that she's fairly sick and will need likely need a, a full-time caregiver that her um um instead of her husband um but I found myself really like just endeared to this couple. I agree. The neighbor was a total dick. It's just ridiculous. Spying on them. It was just weird. Um, and then I kind of felt bad too. The he, when the, um, when the make, when the husband meets his granddaughter for like cake or pie or whatever at the restaurant and he can't tell her, although he had to, I don't know, I'm running through the whole episode, but he suggested to the wife maybe telling her and she said, no, we can't tell anybody. Um, yeah, I, I just really enjoyed it. I'm curious to see exactly what this thing is, this portal is. Yeah, or and do we ever get answers? That's true. And, like, who this guy is and how he found it and how he wound up inside. All of these things I'm very curious about. And I think the setup for a lot of those questions was done really well. Um, I'm gonna finish. I'm gonna see this through for sure because I, oh, I yeah. thoroughly enjoyed it. High tasted. High tasted. Yeah, we're all very high tasted. I think. I think. I think what keeps it from being an absolute Tupperware, I guess, is the fact that we don't know where this is going. We love the characters. We love the concept, but I do think there is like that. We. And I hate saying the fear of the unknown. The fear of the unknown. I, I hate saying that because I am super intrigued, and it's something I'm going to keep watching. Jake, I think we need to work on our rating system too. I think we need to have wham dingers and humdingers. <laughs> we need to work that into like our new rating system. I'll change the theme song. Everything, Jake. I think we're starting from square one. Yeah, we can change the toss it to like a flop a doodle. <laughs> a flop a doodle. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'm getting... <sighs> Brian. I got to be honest with you. I know you liked it, but this is a total flop a doodle for me. <laughs> <laughs> Firestarter was one of the biggest flop a doodles I've seen all year. Oh. Yeah, yeah. Oh man, uh, I'm gonna give it a high, high humdinger. <laughs> <laughs> Whamdinger party. Yeah. Ooh, ooh. Okay. Anyway, I'm done. Anyway. So yeah, I think people should be watching Night Sky. Uh, this is on Amazon Prime. Uh, fantastic caster. And yes, the neighbor is a complete dick. So Byron. Yeah. Joe, I'm telling you, dude, you got to get back to out of range, dude. No, I'm going to because those first two episodes were, were really, really intriguing. And that was, 
like what we were just saying with this one, are they going to stick the landing? Where is it going? Yeah. And to hear you say that, yeah, they stuck. Oh, yeah. Yeah, on, on on outer range, then it's like, oh, I'm jumping back in, baby. Yeah. <laughs> because that was the only thing I was worried about. Am I going to invest several hours of my time for an eventual suck fest ending? Doesn't sound like it, so I'm on board. Oh, man. When you said that, I had that John Wick meme in my head. I, I'm thinking I'm back. I was just like, <laughs> yeah, Joe's back on the outer range. Um, hatching on Hulu. Uh, this was actually in theaters. I wanted to go see it in the theater. Uh, I did miss out on the theatrical viewing of Hatching, but I, I uh, no, it's not on Hulu. It was they had it. There was tons of media sites that had it listed on Hulu, coming out on May sixth, and didn't drop on Hulu. I'm like, what the fuck? So it dropped on VOD on the seventeenth, and so I rented this one. Uh, Tinya, uh, is it Tinya? Tinya is a 12 year old gymnast who's desperate to please her image obsessed mother. After finding a wounded bird in the woods, she brings, um, ah, this, this synopsis is already fucking up the story. They're saying after finding a wounded bird in the woods, she brings its strange egg home, nestles it in her bed and nurtures it until it hatches. The creature that emerges soon becomes her closest friend and a living nightmare, plunging Tina into a twisted reality uh, that her mom refuses to see. It's a Finnish hor- body horror film directed by Hannah Burholm, written by Ilya Rautsi and starring Sira Salinia, Sofia Haikila, Yanni Valenin, Rhino Norden, and Saya Lentonen. Um, all their names sound like a drug that needs to be prescribed here in the States. I'm sorry. I just... <laughs> <laughs> Do not take Lintonin if you, I, I don't know. Okay, anyway. Um, that is not how the story goes at all. Um, the bird breaks into the house, if I remember correctly. That's when the bird gets wounded. And it, well, the bird's like crashing into shit in the house and the family's trying to catch it. And then the girl throws like uh, a blanket over it and has it in the blanket. And that's when the mother who like they come off as like she tries. They come off, try to come off like this family that's perfect. They get like this image. She She's on social media and like posting videos of her and her family and how perfect they are. And her 12 year old gymnast daughter and the life that they have. And it's all kind of bullshit, you know, and. Anyway, then we see this mother take the blanket from the daughter and then snap the neck of the bird. They Then she tells her to put it in the trash. And then isn't it like the next day or something like that? She opens up the trash and the bird's gone and finds it out in the woods and then... Right? She, find she actually she finds an egg in the woods. I thought they just alluded to the connection of the original bird that got its neck snapped and the egg. It's never really like defined. You don't ever see that. The bird disappears, but you don't ever see it again. You, you just go straight no, to the you, egg. You see the bird yeah, out in the woods. She okay. finds it out in the woods and then she fucking starches it. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. My apologies. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then she finds the egg, brings the egg home, and then starts to basically take care of the egg. You can she it's almost like she can hear like a heartbeat in the egg, and the egg itself gets bigger. It grows until the point and she puts it inside the belly of a stuffed bear. 
this big stuffed bear and every time she checks on it it's bigger to the point where like it's huge at one point like like this 12 year old girl could actually fit inside the egg it's that big right it it, it gets pretty damn big oh yeah yeah yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, it's very large yeah and so th- this thing ends up hatching and it's like what we see is one of the most frightening fucking things I've ever seen. <laughs> Am I wrong here? <laughs> no. It's like, it's like this, it's almost got like a human-like body, but it has feathers on its arms and legs, but they're kind of like sparse. It's not like it's fully feathered. It's like, feathers here and there and then you can see like skin under it and it's very gaunt looking and lanky and the face of a a beak of a bird and oh my god it is just there's a point in it though where she's like crying and the tears drop into the egg and I think that's a big part of the story as well yeah I think that is involved um we find out vague (laughs) Yeah, um, we find out that the mother and the family's not as perfect. The, the mother really pushes the daughter into gymnastics, um, a little too much. I don't think the daughter wants to, is, wants to be in gymnastics as much as her mother wants her to be this, you know, Olympic level gymnast. And then we find out that the mother is having a, a side relationship, a sexual relationship with this guy named, uh, Taro, I believe. Yeah, Taro. And, um, I, I don't know. I'll open it up for discussion because this was a bizarre as fuck movie. I want to hear what you guys thought about. This movie was bizarre as fuck. I, I want to know what you guys thought about it. Joe, what did you think about Hatching? I don't know if I've ever said what the fuck so many times while watching a movie. Like, this, this movie was fucking out there, dude. And, yeah, that that practical effect they had on that bird monster thingy was, it was so gross, but it was like so hard to tear your eyes away from at the same time. Yeah. And then as the movie goes on, the transformation that it goes through, you know, looking more and more like the girl was fucking equally gross. Um, I hated the mom in this with a burning passion. And like, I was pleasantly surprised with the way the movie ended because I kind of wanted it to go a different way but when it ended the way it did I was kind of happy with it because I I think this whole movie is like a a metaphor for you know a little girl growing up you know thinking that her mother is one way and then coming to the realization that no her mother is actually a real piece of shit and coinciding with her hitting puberty and it's like going from like an innocent little girl who loves her mother to like a, a you know, like a, a young woman who sees her, their mother for what it is and then hates her. Like, I, that's kind of how I straightened this movie out in my mind when it was all said and done. But that could have just been a defense mechanism for my brain trying to cope with what the fuck I just saw. What are you rating it? I'm curious. 
Oh, shit. I've been struggling with the rating on this one because it's not something that I ever want to watch again. But, but you I, can't take I your eyes it, off it and you have to exactly, finish it once it, you start it. Was it was a very interesting movie. So for me, it's 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 a oh, fuck. What is it? I'm struggling between a taste it and a high taste. I almost feel crazy saying this thing's a high taste it. I think it's a high taste it for me. Okay. I don't know if I'd ever really want to watch it again, but damn, was it a weird, unique movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm at a taste it. I can't give it a high taste it, but it, it's a taste it with a once you start it, you can't stop. You know, it's like, it's like a bag of Lay's potato chips. It's like, it's so fucking bizarre, man. Like it is so out there. Um, Stephanie, what'd you think about hatching? Man, this thing was weird. Uh, <laughs> so weird. I, I, I think the, I didn't really take any notes on this one. I think the only thing I put was like, looks low budget with respectable effort. And I'm not even sure what I mean, what I meant when I thought that because it, it, it comes across as a bit low budget, but like doing the most with the tools you're given. Yeah. The bird is so weird looking. Mm-hmm. And I'm not quite sure what has really taken place. Like with the original bird, then the bird that slowly turns into the young girl. I'm not entirely sure what happens at the end either. Like, I don't know what they're alluding to. I feel like they're kind of leaving it up for interpretation. I could be wrong. Um, I agree. The mother is like, fucking, she's garbage. She's trash. And like, the, so was the little brother, little shit. Oh, fuck that. He, he reminded me of like a little Rick Moranis kid. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just, I'm not even sure what to think. I don't think I could ever watch it again, but I'm glad that. I watched it that one time, so I know mm-hmm. that things like that exist. I don't know. It's weird. I'm going to give it a taste it. Yeah. Because I am i just don't know how to digest this film at all. Do you, do you want to hear my one note on this, Stephanie? What? <laughs> Tina's cuck dad. <laughs> I, I, I wanted to talk about that, too. <laughs> I'm literally re- I'm reading it off my screen. That's my that's my one note here. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, what'd you think about hatching? I didn't like it very much. It was a low tasted for me. Uh, I agree that I, it was like a train wreck. Like you couldn't fucking look away. Like I I wasn't able to finish this movie, and I had to fucking finish this movie. Like even though I wasn't enjoying it, I, I had to see how this thing plays out. Um, yeah. I, Man, I thought the creature design was the best part of this movie, honestly, just to touch on that first. Um, I thought it was very, like, Jim Henson-esque. Like, it looked like it was, like, from the fucking Labyrinth movie or Dark Crystal or something. And I thought that was really cool. I In today's day and age, uh, with all the CGI stuff going on, I think creature design has gotten really lazy. And I will give movie the movie a thumbs up on that. The creature design was not lazy whatsoever. And the, the evolution was frightening and scary. And I thought that part was really well done. Um, but yeah, I just, I know the characters are supposed to be completely unlikable and that definitely worked, but the movie did make me feel kind of stupid while watching it. Like there was this giant metaphor cloud hanging over it that I just couldn't quite like penetrate or understand. And so I could never really get into it on that kind of level. Um, I, I think I did like the ending quite a lot though. It was, 
I didn't see it coming and it was so bizarre and over the top. And, um, just thinking about what happens next is almost the most fun part about this movie. But, um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't really care for it all that much. We, uh, I think we also need to mention that this bird like creature isn't friendly and, uh, <laughs> goes around not only it goes around attacking people and killing things. So yeah, it's uh, not, yeah, it only it only eats vomited things. Yeah, it's it is as well. right, right. <laughs> so there's a scene where the little girl is uh, chewing up some bird seed and has to puke it up for. Her. So yeah, very yeah. thoughtful. And yeah, I did one of the most hilarious scenes to me was also the uh, the cuck father when he was told about what was what was going on behind the scenes with his wife and just how accepting and whatever he was about he already that. knew yeah yeah jesus he he knew and he's just like oh you know you 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 that's your mom <laughs> so it's like oh fuck your mother is very strong will yes sometimes it's easy to, to be married to somebody who knows exactly what they want. Tarot is a good man. And I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. Oh, my God. conversation with an 11-year-old. Oh, boy. Uh, yeah, I think it's definitely something worth watching. Whether you enjoy it, it remains to be seen. But I don't think once you start, you can stop. It's just, it ke- I kept my attention. I by the Rotten Tomatoes score when I looked it up. Uh, I know. Doesn't it have a, a well? Critics didn't they give rate it pretty highly? Yes, a ninety-one. I'm not shocked by that. Critics love this shit, man. Yeah, I guess you're right. Audience is sixty-one, yeah. so that make that does make sense. Yeah. All right, Joe. I think Joe. Did you get a chance to see Men in the theater? I did. Saw it uh, earlier. Yeah, uh, me and you. Uh, is this your first Alex Garland film? It is. Okay. In the aftermath of a personal tragedy, Harper retreats alone to the beautiful English countryside, hoping to find a place to heal. However, someone or something from the surrounding woods appears to be stalking her. What begins as simmering dread soon becomes a fully formed nightmare inhabited by her darkest memories and fears. It's a, like I said, it's a horror film uh, written and directed by Alex Garland. You know, he did Annihilation. He did Ex Machina. He did the Hulu effects series devs uh and it follows a widowed young woman played by jesse buckley from taboo who goes on a solo holiday in the english countryside but what becomes disturbed by men in the community all the men in the community are portrayed by one actor rory kinnear um and um joe i gotta hear your thoughts on this movie um, so the cinematography in this was outstanding. Um, all the different shots that, that he picked out, like so many different ones, like shots of the woods, um, shots from like inside that church. It was just lots of really, really pretty stuff to look at in terms of the cinematography. In terms of the plot of this movie, I, I, I have no idea what the fuck happened in this movie. Um, when I walked out of the theater, I went and saw this at a Marcus theater and there's this one dude who works there who I see all the time. Like I walk out and he's like standing there with his broom and his dustpan ready to go and how was the movie? And like, I just straight up told him, I was like, I don't know what the fuck I just saw. It was the weirdest shit ever, dude. (laughs) 
um, I totally didn't get what was going on in 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 the the third act of this movie. Um, everything leading up to it, I was really really entertained and engrossed by, but I just didn't understand the ending of this movie at all. So I really don't know how I feel about it. It's a very nice looking, confusing movie to me. Um, it makes it really really hard to rate because. Like in terms of the way this movie looks, it was like an absolute Tupperware. But I was like so confused by – like just left this movie like, like – I, I felt like I didn't get any resolution at all. Like I didn't really know I, – I don't know. Like did, did this movie confuse you or am I just kind of dumb? On You're not thing? dumb. I have in my notes here, I'm too stupid to understand this movie. <laughs> Then, then, yeah, we're we're both together on the stupid count. Because I was, uh, <laughs> I, you know, uh, Connor Petrie over at CRPWrites.com messaged me this week. He got to see, you know, an early critic screening of this on Monday. And I was like, I'm seeing it on Thursday. And he's like, I loved it. He's like, I loved it. And I, um, he's like, you know, he's like, if you didn't like this movie, you might want to tell me on the podcast to go ahead and skip this part. So Connor, go ahead and skip this part, buddy. Um, <laughs> I didn't like it cause I didn't understand it. I was totally invested in the first two acts like you were Joe. And then the third act, I had no idea what the fuck happened. Like, and there's like, I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of meaning behind all of this stuff that's happening. Like, I mean, this woman has gone through a personal tragedy. She watched as, you know, um, the man that she loved falls to his death and then, and, and, and she gets away and goes to this beautiful cottage in the countryside and she's trying to get over, you know, what has happened, this tragedy. And then, you know, all these men in the community are, you know, I mean, it gets, it gets, there's that scene where she's like walking around in the woods and then all of a sudden we see like this naked man standing by like this, you know, this shack. And then later on in the movie, she's like back at the cottage and the naked man is outside fucking picking apples out of the tree. And the, here's this guy and he's got his wham dinger hanging out. And we're just like, what, what is going on here? She ends up calling the police and I don't know. And then every man in this movie, except for like her, you know, the guy who plays her, um, was it her husband? Um, that we see in flashback scenes is played by this Rory Kinnear. So they all have the face. And there's even a little boy in this that has Rory Kinnear's face. They kind of like do some, you know, CG and, and, um, and, and that was weird. Yeah, it was weird. Looking, I'm like, is this a tiny little man <laughs> or is this like a boy with it's like a boy. That illness that makes you look weirdly old? <laughs> and I think a lot of these I'm confused by that character. A lot of these men were doing things like that. I guess were, were they supposed to be exaggerations of like some of the things that that men do? Is that what it what it was like? Maybe I, I don't. <laughs> and then the whole like the scene at the end, the whole pregnant Russian nesting doll situation at the end was. What was that? I have what no idea. For? I don't fucking know. I'm dude. too stupid to understand this movie. So if you watch this movie and you loved it, and I love Alex Garland, but this is my least favorite Alex Garland movie. 
if you watch this movie and you loved it, it's because you are smart. <laughs> you understand it because I have no idea what the fuck I just watched. And you yeah, know, I'm, I mean, I'm going to have to look, read an article or two yeah, to, I w- to try and mm-hmm. have somebody else make sense of that third act for me. And then maybe I can come around if they explain it. I, hopefully I'll have like a, Oh yeah. moment, you know, yeah. but I certainly didn't get there on my own, but uh-huh. God damn, if it didn't look good. I had to the first two acts of this movie were just great. I I agree. I had to come on this podcast without looking up what, you know, like looking up. I wanted to as well. Yeah. I I wanted to just come into this just with my own understanding. It was so fresh in my mind. I mean, because at this point, I I just saw it like nine hours ago. Because listen, man, I don't think that everybody watching this is going to get it. I think, you know, there's going to be plenty of people like me and you, Joe, that just like watch this. And what did I watch? Like, I don't understand what I just watched. And after I read an article that can kind of explain to me, like, what this movie, maybe I will have an appreciation for it. But you know what? That's not my problem. I, it's not my problem that I'm too stupid going into the movie to understand it. It's just the concept and, 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 and the way everything plays out. It's so bizarre, Joe. That I have no idea what the fuck I just watched. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Same experience. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we should definitely read those articles, Joe, and maybe we'll think differently, but it still doesn't, doesn't help my experience of going in and watching this in the theater. And it doesn't help your experience of being like, oh, I can't wait to watch another Alex Garland movie, which I, Ex Machina and Annihilation, I think are fantastic. And this is my least favorite, sadly. Ooh, so. IndieWire.com has an article that says, Men Ending Explained, Alex Garland Breaks Down Final Scene. Okay. I'll be reading that later. Yeah, send that to me, dude. Send that to me. I will fucking read that. But I've got to give this one a very low taste it. Yeah, see, it's a taste it for me just because I, I, I love that first half of the movie. And I, I was mm. absolutely the, – the shots that he picked out and included in this movie, like I just loved seeing that on the big screen. I'm, I'm so glad that I saw this in the theater. Had you not put this on the list, I don't know if I ever would have watched it. Because mm-hmm. I was to the point where I'd seen the trailer in the theater so many times I was like – fuck this movie. Like, I don't even want to see the trailer anymore. And so midweek when you were like, oh, I'm adding men, I was like, son of a bitch. Okay, I'll go see it. I'm sorry. I'm a big Alex Garland fan. Like, uh, fan. <laughs> I, I went to, even when he went to C2E2, you know, I think it was 2019, I went to his uh, devs panel. I'm a big fan and I was just, uh, I was let down by this one. It just was not what I was expecting from him and I don't know. Devs has been on my list too. I forgot that he did that. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right, let's jump into the uh, pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. All right. Toxic Avenger. This comes from uh, Bloody Disgusting. Toxic Avenger remake rated R for strong gore and brief graphic nudity. You've got my attention now. You've got my attention, Toxic Avenger Reboot. Jake, that, <laughs> that, uh, that's a beautiful title to this article. I'm, I'm telling you, Jake, that, what do you think, Jake? 
Yeah, that's great news. I, I You can't do this movie any other way, in my opinion. It's just not the kind of thing. And they've tried. They have toned down Toxic Avenger in the past, and it just didn't work. Yeah, uh, this goes on to say the Toxic Avenger is coming back to life with a brand new movie from Legendary with Macon Blair from uh, I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore and Green Room directing the fresh take on the trauma classic. Loved Green Room. Great movie. Who's seen Green Room? Anybody seen Green Room? I have not. I, have not. I want to, I, though. I've heard it has a legendary Patrick Stewart performance. Oh, Anton. I have seen it. You have seen it? I have, yes. What, did you like Green Room? I did like it. it. It was hard to watch at parts. I believe if I remember it correctly, there was some violence in there. Oh, yeah. But it, but it was it was good. It was good. Yeah. Anton Yelkin is in that movie. Um, he's fantastic. I Patrick Stewart is 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 the villain. It is definitely yeah. Highly recommend Green Room. I um I don't know. Did I see that in the theater? I don't. I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or not. Um, a trauma movie just isn't a trauma movie unless it's rated R. And the good news here is that Blair's The Toxic Avenger is definitely rated R. Um, yeah, uh, it's got a cast of Elijah Wood. Julia Davis, Taylor Page, Kevin Bacon, Peter Dinklage, and Jacob Tremblay. And uh, it's uh, being called a contemporary reimagining. Yeah, a contemporary reimagining of Troma Entertainment's successful 1984 low-budget action comedy hit, The Toxic Avenger, is steeped in environmental themes and subverts the superhero genre and the vein of Deadpool when a struggling everyman is pushed into a vat of toxic waste he is transformed into a mutant freak who must go from shunned outcast to underdog hero as he races to save his son, his friends, and his community from the forces of corruption and greed. And so, yeah, uh, it's good news, man. Jake, I, I, now we know we're getting the violence, the gore. Are they going to bring he's a gonna, He's going to rip some arms off. Some heads are going to get rolled over by cars. Cars. Oh, <laughs> God. When they smash those heads like they're fucking watermelons. It's beautiful. Um, <laughs> do you think – are they still going to go the comedy route with it? I think they will. I mean with this cast, you would imagine. I mean Jacob Tremblay come from you know Good Boys and then you know Dinklage has done comedy. And, of course, we know Kevin Bacon can do it. So yeah, um, I don't know. Uh, Elijah Wood too. I, I'm intrigued. It's got my who's attention play, now. Who's playing Melvin? I think who's that's. I think it's Dinklage, right? Oh really? Okay, that's interesting. Go on to IMDb. I don't know. I should have brought up the old one. God damn it! Yeah, look at you over there. I'm trying to. Toxic Avenger Kevin Bacon. Do they have casting? They don't have any names for the casting. They've only got Macon Blair as Dennis. Peter Dinklage is Winston. Winston? He's playing uh, er er Ernie Hudson's character in Ghostbusters? (laughs) (laughs) Crossover. Sony Ghostbusters movies. He's playing a pack of cigarettes? What the fuck is... He's not that small. I'm sorry, that was terrible. Look at you. You guys are like, I can't believe Ryan said that. Anyway. No, I was still trying to look up information. <laughs> Jake's like, uh, number one, Brian, it wasn't that funny. Number two, I'm still trying to look up that information. You're like that that kid, that, that meme of that kid on the keyboard typing with the thumbs up. Um, 
Yeah. Okay, Peter Dinklage is the Toxic Avenger who is named Winston in this movie. Am I wrong? Wasn't he named Melvin in the original? He was Melvin, dude. Okay, okay, okay. I thought maybe I was having some kind of fucking Mandela effect or something. No, he's his name was totally Melvin. Okay. Mm. All right. Stephanie, I get the feeling you've never watched Toxic Avenger. I have never seen it. No. Joe, are you in that camp too? I have seen it. Mm. But it was like in the early 90s. Like I remember I was a kid when I watched it on like Cinemax or HBO or something. Yeah. Joe, are you losing your voice there, buddy? Yeah, I, I think I need to clear my throat or something. All right. There we go. <laughs> Is that better? I was, I was like, oh, we're losing Joe. He's fading. Anyway, Joe's over there smoking a pack of Winston's. <laughs> Still getting over this cold, so it's been hellish. News from I'm I'm excited about that news though. It's 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 I I still gotta watch it, Jake. But that's 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 good stuff. That's good stuff. Oh yeah, I, if you said PG thirteen, I would already like just kind of yeah not be excited. Yeah, fuck that. News from ComingSoon.net: An animated version of the Fox sitcom Married with Children is in the works at Sony Pictures Television, according to the Hollywood uh, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, report notes are the core cast of the original series, including Ed O'Neill, Katie Segal, Christina Applegate, and David Faustino, have all been signed on to reprise their roles in voiceover form. Uh, Alex Carter, a writer and executive producer on Family Guy, is set to serve as showrunner on the series, which the report notes will be taken to potential buyers in the near future. So, yeah, we're getting uh, um, uh, Married with Children's coming back. The original Married with Children was created by Michael G. Moy and Ron Leavitt and ran from 1987 to 1997 on Fox. The series is considered by many to be the first raunchy sitcom to air on a regular television network. With the show focusing on the Bundy family, a group that has no problem bad-mouthing or cracking jokes with one another. Despite derision from critics, Married with Children became one of the longest-running sitcoms in television history, running 11 seasons and 259 episodes. I'm, I've been doing a watch of this, a rewatch, um, and I'm in season six right now. I started season six, and um, – I have my thoughts on this. Like, I have my thoughts on this. I don't... Jake, can you get away with the stuff that they got away with back then? Today? I don't think you can. And I think the the fact that they made the decision to go animated rather than a, like, live action, where are they now, almost leads me to believe that they're not even going to be doing the same form of comedy. Uh, especially knowing the people behind the scenes and the stuff they were responsible for. I feel like they're going to, they're going to utilize animation and it's going to be almost a different genre of comedy than the original. I, I, I'm going to have to wait and see how this plays out, but I'm not on paper too excited about it. I, and here's the thing, you know, and I know, you know, like I saw some of the, so I, I posted this on, uh, this article on the Facebook page and, um, you know, one of our listeners, Michael Cannon said, like, I think that they can get away with this, you know, like, you know, shows like big mouth and I think he named off big mouth and they do comedy, uh, you know, raunchy comedy and stuff. And, and I get that. Yes. Big mouth does do raunchy comedy. We still get raunchy comedy, but here's the, the biggest thing about 
Married with Children versus a show like Big Mouth is that in Big Mouth, you always have other characters that are kind of like the voice or a moral backbone that kind of like, you know, anchor how you really should feel about what another character is saying or doing or their actions. There's always like a, a moral compass with those shows and like, so if like a character is like misogynistic or sexist, there's always another character that's telling you like why it's bad. So you still get the misogynistic sexist jokes or whatever jokes you're getting, but there's always like a moral kind of lesson that you learn in those, in that show. And they're able to get away with that kind of stuff. Married with children didn't do that. Al was just sexist and a pig and there was no lesson to be hurt, to be had in that show. You just followed bad people every episode, but they made him so much like a cartoon character that it was funny back in the day. And, you know, the, the character of Al is like, they basically pulled like the sexist traits from like Archie Bunker from all in the family and, um, the whole, like not wanting to have sex with your wife stuff. Like, that was basically pulled. I think it was pulled from Mr. Roper on three's company. Cause he would do that a lot on three's company, not want to have sex with his wife and blah, blah, blah. And they made, they took those two things together and they made Al Bundy. And I mean, even if you look at Al Bundy's initials, they're the same as Archie Bunker. So I think a lot of it was pulled from all in the family and, and three's company. Um, I just, do you see what I'm saying? Like, I don't like back then, like, you know, Al had a, a like a, a sexist man's group called no ma'am. And like, there was no moral lesson to be had from those episodes. That's just how it was. And I don't think that you can do that exact same comedy today. And if they do try it, they're going to have a moral compass, you know, like a, a another character that they introduce that will be exposed to the Bundys that'll kind of be like the, the moral anchor, the moral compass of the show. I don't know. That's just my thoughts. I, I really don't see them being able to do the same, the same show now today. I think it, it'll be like, you know, kind of like the way, you know, the Brady Bunch, what they did, the, with the new Brady Bunch movies and like how all the other characters reacted to the way, the way that they acted. We'll have a character, like a more contemporary character of today reacting to the Bundys in this show. That would, am I making sense? Oh yeah, totally. Like that they're living in this box and everyone else realizes like how outdated their values are. Yeah. They're, they're still, they're still stuck in that like universe. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. Yeah. That, that seems very much. And that, that goes back to what I was saying that I, I think they're really trying for a different type of comedy here. And that's just not really, I don't know. I mean, it could be good, but just not too excited for it. Yeah. Stephanie, did you watch Mary with children? I did as a kid. I did. Yeah. And I enjoyed it. Yeah. You look, um, what, what do you think about this news? I don't know. My first initial thought when I saw the posting was that it's just unnecessary um, because I feel like it's kind of gone down as a classic 80s, early 90s sitcom at this point. So whatever you do won't be able to even pay it enough homage to to show the respect it deserves as a reboot of any kind. My thought was that doing it anime, and I did think they would never be able to get away with what they got away with then now. 
But then I was wondering, I thought maybe that's the reason they decided to go animated because you can push the envelope a little bit further now when something's animated than you can when it's not. So that would be, that was my first thought is that if they wanted to try to stay true to some of the comedy or the type of comedy that um, we're used to from the show from when it's original airing is to go animated. Do I think, I don't even think the show should be done in the first place. But if you're trying to get back to some semblance of that comedy, I don't know if you could do it without being animated. Um, because I feel like that's the only way to push the envelope nowadays with comedy is to make something animated. At one time, they, well, they were, at one time, they were talking about doing a, um, um, and we reported it on our show. We talked about it, Jake. They were going to have David Faustino come back and it was going to be a new married with children. And of course, like, you know, Al would make appearances and so would Peggy and, and stuff like that. But it'd be a new married with children with David Faustino's character of Bud being like the head of the family. Looks like nothing's going to happen with that and they're going to do this animated route instead. So, Joe, what are your thoughts on all this animated Married with Children business? <laughs> um, I, man, I don't know what is going on with my throat now. Um, I had the same thoughts as Stephanie in that I think they're doing the animation route so that they can get away with more. Um, I remember Bill Burr saying on his Monday morning podcast, he was talking about um, some of the stuff that they'd come up with in the writer's room for Ephes for Family in that he would be surprised that they could get away with it. And they pretty much told him it's animation. So it's 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 not as big of a deal, you know, if, if you take these big hard swings in it, because it's not, you know, real people on the screen saying these lines. Um, and, I, and also, I think that it allows them to to maybe carry a little bit more of that same, like, you know, cause they can still animate those characters at whatever age they want and still have that original cast voice them. Do you know what I mean? So they're not constrained to doing this. Oh, we have to age them up into the future. Um, I don't, that's just kind of speculation. Um, no, that's a, that's, it, a, that's a good observation. I, I thought the same thing, you know, it, it, you can have them look like their characters back in the nineties, just animated. Exactly. But, um, I, I, it does feel like you, you're definitely not going to be able to get away with the same sort of humor. I think maybe even in animation, unless you do that route, like what Jake was saying, or, or you know, like, w- w- like with it being like the the Brady Bunch movie, where is like, okay, they're still acting the way they did then, even though this movie coming out in the '90s, everybody knows nobody acts like that anymore, and so they kind of make that part of the gag. Um, that could almost work because then you can have the characters, you know, going really hard and saying like really terrible, awful stuff that you cannot get away with saying in 2022. Um, I don't know. I'll, I'll give it a shot. You know, I, I would, I was always like a casual fan of married with children. Like if it was on, I would watch it, but it wasn't something that I, you know, like went out of my way to watch or watched whole seasons of or anything. And so it's been quite a time or quite a while since I watched it. Um, but yeah, I do remember, man. You, sometimes you watch some of those shows that are back then. And you hear some of the jokes they make, and in the sensibilities of you know this day and age, you hear some of that stuff, and it's like, wow, I can't believe that was on network television. Oh, dude, yeah, I'm, I'm like, I'm in season six right now, and like, I'm just like, how? Oh my god, this shit would not fly today. If you, <laughs> if you think it would fly today, go back and watch it. 
go back and watch it. It would not fly today. I, I promise you. Watch the episode where Peggy um, has a male dancing partner that she goes out with because Al won't go dancing with her. Watch that episode and then tell me that they could do this shit today. And I'm not saying that that, was, that episode was acceptable back then. And it sure as fuck isn't acceptable now. So I, I, I don't, I don't see them being able to pull this off, um, the way that they did back in the nineties. So my vote is like, no, they're not going to, it's going it, to, they're going to come with it with a different approach. So, um, let's move on into Marvel news. news all right i guess hey i guess we'll start off marvel news talking about the she-hulk trailer that dropped um yeah we got a she-hulk trailer um it's i guess you know yeah cg i'm not gonna sit here and say the cgi was good it wasn't it was not good and i think i think it i think it needs a lot of touch-ups before they actually put this out in august i'm not gonna sit here and try to sugarcoat it it looked it it looked bad it did uh, the 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 Hulk looked fine, and but I, I thought I thought uh, Jennifer Walters, um, Tatiana Maslany's She Hulk just did not look good. They need they they have time to fix this, and they they really need to to do that before they they put this out there, and because I think it is distracting. It's not that it's like you know just not you know not good you know i've seen some cg that looks looks bad but like this is bad so bad that like the 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 way her face moves it's distracting and it's gonna it's it'll be distracting watching it it'll take some time to even try to get used to i don't know are we all in agreement there or were any of you it was it was fucking terrible yeah it, it, it makes me toss the trailer like it was so distracting like even though Tatiana Masolani brought it and thematically this sounds like it could be a really fun show it like it really rests on the laurels of the special effects and I, I think not only does the CGI not look good but I think the base concept design isn't the best either like I, I think it's really unfortunate that they went with a way more slimmer version of She-Hulk and they didn't they didn't give her the muscle that I was expecting yeah. so I think on top of sloppy CGI in the first place I think the actual base model wasn't that good to begin with either and if they can't nail that then ugh so yeah hopefully um you know, obviously they've seen people's comments about this and they've got a little bit of time. Hopefully there's enough time to make it not so distractingly bad. I mean, the first time I watched the trailer, it was hard for me to follow what was going on because I was so distracted by the CG that I had to watch it multiple times before I could actually pick up like, you know, okay, this is what's going on here. Blah, blah, blah. Stephanie, go ahead. Um, yeah, no, you know, what's troubling to me is like it is it's bad the cgi is bad why put it out with such shitty cgi in the first place like there's an i don't even know what i want to say but like there's something about not there's people that work for marvel and by by you know by obviously work for disney that 
would be able to see that before it goes out. I don't. Here's the thing. I don't want to have to then to have to see the feedback to fix it. Fix it before you show it. It just. I don't know if there's an arrogance there or if there's just a rush to get the trailer out. But like, that's just disappointing when I see stuff like that. It's just because it doesn't need to be that bad. Well, and it's. It makes you wonder. Like, okay. do they have any plans on fixing this? If they're showing us this trailer, why couldn't have they at least done the work on the trailer and made it look the way that they wanted the final product to look? Right. You know, if you know what I mean, like at least mm-hmm. make the trailer yeah. trailer watchable so that it's not so goddamn distracting with like yeah. her fucking Polar Express expressions. <laughs> 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 and wasn't this released for like a like a like a Disney thing where they were like trying to show future content for like potential adverti- advertisers? I'm not sure about that. Okay, I I neither read it or or you might be right. Somewhere. You might be right. And so I I think that's why it was it was rushed out. Um, I'd also read some posts about the VFX artists that were working on it kept getting notes from executives to make her slimmer and smaller. So when they started out, they did have a much muscly or a much more, you know, muscle defined She-Hulk. But then, you know, notes from executives kept telling them to to make a make her smaller. Why do they have to make much of a bummer? Well, it's like, okay, are we selling Barbies here or are we fucking selling the character of She-Hulk? Yeah, I mean, did they learn nothing from like Encanto? Like they they kind of had the same thing going on there, where they were being told to make Luisa smaller and smaller, and they they fought back and they did not do that, and that's the highest selling toy from the movie. So I it's it's unfortunate that that's I, I hadn't read that they were actually getting pressure to make her her slimmer and smaller, and that's I should have seen that coming. That's very disappointing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we're all in agreement with the CGI. Any other big takeaways from the trailer? I, I, I have one that I want to talk about. Um, I don't think it's a blood transfusion, like, you know, in the comics. I think that there is something in the, something in, in, in their blood, in that family blood, that when they're exposed to these gamma rays, that, that this is what happens to them. And we know when Hulk did his snap in Endgame that it was gamma rays and that he's like, you know, so that ripple from the, from the, the snap, like everybody was exposed to gamma rays and he said that's why he's like, I can survive this. I was made for this. It's gamma rays. And so I think when he did the snap and it performed the ripple, I think like she was affected. At that point, there's something in their family DNA that reacts to gamma this way. And so, um, I don't think it's gonna, I don't think we're gonna find out that it's a blood transfusion. I think that it has something to do with the, with the Hulk snap and the gamma rays that were sent off there and, and something with their family DNA. I'm fine with that too. I've commented on previous episodes that I thought that was something that needed to be modern updated. I always thought the blood transfusion was of an era and wouldn't really fly today. So I'm also, uh, did you guys have any other takeaways? I mean, yeah, we've got, it looks like they're going to have some fun cameos of some lesser known Marvel characters like Frogman. Um, it looks like, uh, Titania, her, 
is going to be, uh, you know, her, her, uh, adversary is going to be in the series. I still 100%, th- you know, believe the, the, the rumors that Daredevil is going to show up in this, even though he's New York based and this is happening in LA. I think that Matt Murdoch being a lawyer, her being a lawyer, I think he'll show up. Um, and of course, sense. I agree. And we saw Abomination in uh, Shang-Chi and we saw, you know, the portal that Wong opened and it had like the, the, the red prison cube. Um, we didn't know what it was that now we know that it's kind of like a, like a red prison cube. Um, so we know, so, and we do know that Wong is showing up in this series. Like that's been confirmed. So probably going to figure out like what, why Wong has been working with Abomination, you know, uh, with the cage fights and Shang-Chi. And, uh, I still think it has something to do with like a Dark Avengers, you know, I think, uh, you know, with, um, what's her name? Is it Valeria? Um, Julia Louis-Dreyfus's character who's like recruiting, you know, John Walker and Yelena Belova. I think they're also getting together Abomination on that team. So, um, that might come into play. Maybe we'll get a Dark Avengers series going on uh, in the future. Um, I don't know. Any other takeaways? I was really surprised um, at how much Marvel was touting how many people watched this trailer on their social media. I saw a lot of that this week. I saw it on Twitter and Facebook where they were uh, – exclaiming that people really like her when she's angry and thanks to our incredible fans for smashing 78 million She-Hulk trailer views in 24 hours. I was like, I don't think that they realize what that means. Like that, that wasn't the takeaway I got from so many people watching this. I, I thought it was one of those things where it was going around how bad it looked that everyone had to check out how bad it looked. And I, if I was Marvel Studios, I wouldn't be touting these uh, trailer view numbers. They, they got to try to put seem- a- they got to put a positive spin on it, Jake. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate. Like, you know, in the Sonic situation, I, I did appreciate how, like, forthcoming the animators were and telling us what the next step of the process was going to be. And I feel like even if Marvel does bite the bullet and decide they need to do a lot of upgrading on the CGI, I don't think we're even going to know if that did or didn't happen until we literally see the final product on the TV. I don't think they'll ever be that open with the audience. We would like to thank everyone for proving that people can't look away from a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just like, I don't think you know what that means, Marvel Studios. I wouldn't be promoting that. Do we know when this series takes place? Because it's very confusing. I got this from Screen Rant, and they said with just a brief trailer, She-Hulk has already proved to be a tricky point in the MCU timeline, especially considering Hulk being in his smart Hulk form, the complete lack of scars on his arm, and also She-Hulk's role as a superhero. Currently, there are two possibilities as to when exactly the show is set. One is that it happens before Avengers Endgame, as in a story set during the five-year window in which Earth had lost half of its population after Thanos' Avengers Infinity War snap, which would explain the smart Hulk form and the lack of signs of injury on Hulk's arm. The other is that it takes place after Endgame, which would explain why She-Hulk had not been mentioned yet. Both of those, however, create plot holes for the MCU timeline, and it does not seem to exist uh, a specific point in time in which She-Hulk series can happen without at least something not making sense. I'm not 
I don't know. Are you sold on those explanations? Do you think that this is taking place before Avengers Endgame? That's why we don't see the scars on Hulk's arm? I'm not sure. I'm not even completely sure that, that it's all going to take place during a certain timeline. We've we've heard reports in the past about flashback sequences in this show as well. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if we're kind of moving a little bit all over here. The arm thing is interesting. When we see Banner in the post credit scene in Shang-Chi... Which I don't know. Do we know when that takes place? The post credit scene in Shang-Chi? No, not at all. I don't. Um, when we see Banner in that, Bruce has something around his arm. He's got one arm in a sling, and on his other arm, he's got like a device, and it has a green light on it, a green glowing light. And... To me, it kind of looked like it could be maybe one of the cuffs that we saw. And this is minor spoilers for Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. But that cuff that Doctor... The cuffs... And and no, it's in the trailer. The cuffs that Doctor Strange was wearing um, with the green light that that took away his magic is like a power dampener. And so maybe, maybe hypothetically Wong who we know is showing up in the series, maybe Wong at one time gave Banner one of these power-dampening cuffs that maybe Strange brings back or something. And, you know, putting that cuff on the Hulk might force him to be Banner. And then that might give him the chance, like, in his human form to now heal. Because, like, trying to to I don't know trying to heal or do anything while he's the Hulk it seems but like that wouldn't be possible like his skin's too tough or like you you if you're a doctor you can't do anything with that you know what I mean and so yeah now that he's back in his human form again like he can he can get the medical attention that that we can perform on him like if you take him to Wakanda and put him in one of those machines in Wakanda they've got those machines that you know, heal people and shit and blah, blah, blah. Maybe even take away the scars. You know, sure, he can take away the scars. Maybe we find out he took a trip to Wakanda and got the, the you know, the, the got that taken care of. Um, I have no idea. I'm, I'm just trying to, to, you know, trying to figure this out because it, it, it's odd that we see him. There's no scars like he had. Like after that snap, that, that snap really fucked up that arm. So Yeah, I, I think it's going to be taking place in that five years in between Infinity War and Endgame. You do. Uh, at you least do. with those scenes that we saw the Hulk and you can see his arm. I think those scenes are for sure taking place there. Because it, it just seems like with that post credit scene in Shang-Chi that it's saying in current day MCU, you know, Banner's arm is still fucked up. And that also then if he's not going to be the Hulk, that clears the way for She-Hulk to then come in and fill that role in the team if need be yeah i i I really don't know i guess we're gonna have to wait to to watch the show it's just it does create some mcu plot lines if it is happening then because there's no mention of her at all in like what is she doing during endgame then yeah why didn't she show up for the final battle yeah i mean he's talking to her about you know like you know what it means to be a superhero and all this stuff and yet she's nowhere to be found and think it might be helpful to have another hulk 
<laughs> well, considering the first Hulk didn't even really take do anything in that final fight either. So my theory is like when we see Banner in Shang-Chi, he's got the dampener on. He just hasn't the arm hasn't healed yet. And so sometime between that post credit scene and Shang-Chi, the arm heals up and this is still taking place like in the 2024 timeline. But I don't know. We'll find out. Yeah, it goes to show the strength of the MCU that, you know, across so many different stories and, and so much that's been thrown our way, they have lots of different avenues to where they could tackle that. Mm-hmm. We just got to hope that they do it in a way that doesn't create a plot hole or leave us scratching our heads and, you know, leave that low hanging fruit that everybody can latch onto and say, well, why, well, you know, why wasn't she there or, or why this or why that? It's, you know, come up with good enough writing to, to keep that from happening. Taika Waititi had some interesting quotes about Thor Love and Thunder. I got this from AP News. He said, um, Thor is just trying to figure out his purpose, trying to figure out exactly who he is and why he's a hero or whether he should be a hero. I guess you could call it a midlife crisis. Um, and then he goes on to say, and in my he says it's the craziest film he's ever made. He said it's a, it's a great, really fun, weird little group of heroes, a new team for Thor and Korg, Valkyrie, and the Mighty Thor. And he said, in my humble opinion, we probably have the best villain that Marvel's ever had in Christian Bale. What do you think? It's all. What do you think? What do you think? It's just a director touting his movie here, or or, or does he really feel that way? I think Taika always just kind of embellishes up almost every interview he's ever done. So it's hard to not believe he's just doing more of that here. I mean, I'm sure he doesn't think it's a bad villain, but I've never heard Taika do anything but promote his material to the nth degree in all these press interviews. I mean, and, and it's not it's not like I don't think anybody here can say, you know, Christian Bale is just a terrible actor. No. I don't think that's the, I don't, you know, but yeah, he's also, you know, yeah, he made a movie with this guy. Of course he went. Yeah. I don't, yeah, I think he's, I, you know, what do you think, Joe? Is he being company man or do you think, do you think, I mean, I have hopes that he's going to be a great villain. I really do. I hope. I think it's a bit of both. I, I can't see Christian Bale not being amazing in a performance. I mean, the guy's, you know, he can bring so much intensity to a role. And, you know, yeah, Taika is probably, you know, doing what he does. And so I could easily see this being a bit of both. Um, you know, I've said in the past that I'm really worried about what they're going to do with the look of, of Gore just because I, I love the depiction in the comics so much. But, you know, I mean, maybe I can get past that if, if, if the performance that Christian Bale, you know, brings to the screen is as good as Tyke is making it seem. So I've got very high hopes for this movie. That Jason Aaron run is is one of my favorite Marvel properties, and I loved Ragnarok so much. So I, I've got a lot of high hopes for this movie, and it's uh, going for the rest of the year. It's probably the thing I'm most looking forward to seeing. Stephanie, are you looking forward to Thor: Love and Thunder? Um, not particularly. I'll definitely go see it when it comes out, but um, I haven't really been blown away by any Thor movie so far. Really? Um, not even Ragnarok? 
it's I think it's the best out of the Thor movies, but it didn't blow me away. But it was it was just the best. You are a hard lady to please, Stephanie Chapman. <laughs> oh my God, Stephanie! You, I, I mean, they threw everything. Uh, they threw everything at us in that movie. Jeff Goldblum and the kitchen sink, and you're still just—it's just not enough for you. What's your favorite? What's your favorite Marvel movie? Ooh, good one. I'm gonna say Infinity War, probably Infinity War or I, the first Iron Man. Okay, both great choices. Thank you. I still think you're insane about Thor Ragnarok, though. <laughs> I hope this is the one that gets you, though, Stephanie. I really do. I hope so too, because I want to be I want to be on the Thor train with other people, because I know people love Ragnarok. Um, and although I enjoyed it, I didn't it didn't blow me away. So I want this to be I want this to be that Thor movie for me. I, I hope it is. I hope it is too. Super talented. So you have cemented. You not getting invited to the Thor Love and Thunder episode that we do. <laughs> Stephanie, I don't want you to worry. You're not going to be getting a call. Okay. <laughs> no, that would be Jake. Do you think, do you think Stephanie would be a good addition on that one? Yeah, I kind of felt the opposite. It made me want to invite her more. That's why I'm asking the question, Jake. Yeah. Invite yeah, me. I, invite me. <laughs> I mean, I'm curious either way, like either this is the one that won her over yeah. and it's fascinating or she's the lone hater. And I, I, I'm always a champion of the lone hater. Stephanie, you just I mean, if you can make it for that episode, you're invited. I would love to. I All would right. love to. Yeah, Stephanie's and I hope I love on. it. Stephanie. Oh, man, this is going to be. I hope you don't. I, th- th- I think <laughs> I, you know, raising the question like, she, you know, raising the question of like, you know, now, now, after she didn't like, you know, she wasn't even the biggest fan of Ragnarok, Jake. Like, how can we not have her on the episode to know what she thought about this one? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the only reason to listen to the fucking episode. It doesn't. <laughs> At least she's not completely batshit crazy. At least she's not sitting here like, no, Dark World is my favorite Thor movie. Yeah. Like <laughs> Christopher Eccleston. There's no way Christian Bale could be. She's bad. like, I've got a mural of yeah. the ether on my wall. <laughs> I, yeah. Brian, I'm a huge Eccleston Malekith fan. You have no idea. <laughs> Eccleston doesn't get nearly enough credit. You know, he's up there as like a Joker level villain in this movie. I, mm-hmm. I don't understand why people don't see it. Yeah. No, no, Stephanie, I got to have you on the Thor episode if you can make it. We got to find out. I would love if, to. Yeah. We got to find out. You know, yeah. Yeah. That's why people are going to be tuning in. They don't want to listen to like, you know, me and Jake and maybe, you know, four other chuckle fucks talk about the movie. They want to hear what, what they're going to be like. <laughs> Be like, what does Stephanie think? I gotta know. And Stephanie, you're gonna be the last one I call. So, so like, if we go down the line and it's like Tupperware, 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 we're gonna get to you. It's gonna be like a reality show where it's like, oh my god, you know what I mean? We could have a Tupperware party, or but then I throw in a low taste. Yeah, Stephanie with the fucking monkey wrench. Yes. <laughs> Stephanie with a humdinger. Okay. <laughs> and I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, let's see here. According, listen to this. According to Daniel RPK, am I am I alone here? I didn't know this is a rumor. Daniel RPK is saying Lena Hetty is going to be in Thor: Love and Thunder. 
Oh shit! Hey, I, didn't know, I didn't know about that at all. Yeah, who is she going to be playing? Maybe she's going to be in like the dramatization with uh, Matt Damon. Hmm. Maybe it's just like a cameo in that yeah. way, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. So yeah, keep Maybe another god in Olympus. Yeah. Oh, she'll be like the, she'll be like the drama Hella. I like that, Joe. Oh, that's good. I like the drama Hella one though too. <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. Either way, it'd be nice to see her. It'd be nice to see her. Yeah, Selena Hetty's rumored. Um, oh shit! I didn't send this to you guys. Uh, did you guys get a chance to see the new picture um, for Thor: Love and Thunder that came out? That has you see uh, Mighty Thor and um, King Valkyrie, and they're sitting on. Oh, I did see this. Yep, I've seen that too. Stephanie, have you seen it? If you haven't, I'm going to send it in chat. Yeah, can you send it? I, I did. It. I send it. I sent it in the chat. Oh, got it. Oh, I have seen this. Okay, okay. In being on top of things. That's. She <laughs> <laughs> surprised herself. <laughs> um. Yeah. This. Uh, New, and this is from comicbook.com. Uh, comic A new Thor Love and Thunder photo confirms major Black Panther 2 connection. In the pic, you see, you know, King Valkyrie and Mighty Thor. They're sitting in these Asgardian looking thrones. And below them is another character we've seen, we've never seen in the MCU uh, before. But uh, it's Bast, uh, the god worshipped by Wakandans in Black Panther. Confirming earlier rumors, the character would appear thanks to a portrayal by Akosha Sabet. In Ryan Coogler's initial film, the goddess never appeared in the flesh, only in a vision during an opening exposition dump explaining the country and its traditions. The character was also referenced in Moon Knight as a member of the Egyptian uh, Ennead. What do they call that? What do they call that thing? The Ennead? Yes. The, the group of eight or whatever. I can't remember. Though Bass never appeared in Moon Knight, the show's head writer, Jeremy Slater, previously told us that he thought those gods could appear in the flick as a cameo role. So, yeah, basically, it looks like we're getting Bast in this movie. Do you think that do you think that Bast is going to be part of the I don't know. Do you think Bast could be killed by Gore? Well, oh, I, I could see, see it. it. Oh, I, I, could I would go it. the other way, Jake. I, I would say that they wouldn't do that outside of a Black Panther movie because, I mean, she's so important to the Black Panther mythology. Yeah, but that just villainizes Gore so much more. I think we're like, going to see it, Gore kill plenty of gods in this, Jake. I do think that this is a meeting with Valkyrie and Mighty Thor and what gods are left and like what they should do about this. And there might be opposing views at this meeting and stuff like that, but I don't, I think we're going to get to see plenty of gods killed. I don't know if they're going to like go for the killing, you know, um, a black, uh, black Panther Wakandan God in this when we still have so much to do with the black Panther franchise going forward. So, yeah, I see that logic as well. I just, I think it could really be the heavy drama if this is one of the gods you kill off. Hmm. I can see it going either way. Well, with as much goodwill as, you know, Black Panther fans have, you know, amongst the MCU, that would be a pretty shocking one. Yeah, but it's like we've already lost the King of Wakanda. It's like taking out the... 
taking out their one of their gods in a Thor movie, I don't see it. I just I, I mean, if that were to happen, if if they were to lose one of their gods, I would more see that actually happening in a Black Panther movie. I just. But what the fuck do I know? They're fucking Loki and Sylvie are fucking up the timeline in a show that not everybody watched. Who the fuck knows anymore? I don't know. What the fuck do I know? What the fuck do I know? Uh, I think I, it's an interesting connection, though. It's an, and it's cool that we're going to get to see the character in live action. How much are we going to get to see of her? I don't know. Um, speaking of Black Panther, it looks like in the sequel, if we are to believe rumors... Specifically, this rumor from Great Phase 15 on Twitter, we will see Killmonger in the sequel, and he's clearly dead. I don't know what this means. <laughs> so maybe it's a scene of his funeral, or we might see him in the Jalaya, which is that um, the afterlife plane, the purple afterlife plane that we see in the Black Panther movie. Um he might be there. I mean, he, he took, you know, from the, from the heart shaped herb, he was a black Panther. He could be, um, we could see like his spirit in the, in the Jalaya. Um, so, but we, the rumor is that we are getting Killmonger in the movie. And there was also a rumor. Um, and I'm hearing it's not true. There was also a rumor that Riri Williams, a.k.a. Ironheart, was going to be the daughter of Killmonger. And I'm hearing that is not true. Oh, thank God. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just let her character stand on its own without really... It'd be great if just her intellect and and her, her smarts is what got her to Wakanda. Not, you know, you don't need to make up a family connection for her. Yeah, I'm Riri Skywalker. Thank you. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Um, This is from Screen Rant. Uh, It's a rumor being circulated around the Guardians of the Galaxy. Director James Gunn frequent Twitter interactions. Have you guys seen this? His Twitter his Twitter interactions with Alf. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, Stephanie. uh, Stephanie, are you are you a fan of Alf? I love Alf. What's your What's your favorite Alf episode? Do you remember? Do you remember? Oh my god! I know there's so many. There's so many Alf episodes. I don't. I'm still a fan of the Alf episode where he. I think he dreams that he's on Gilligan's Island, and all the like most of the characters from Gilligan's Island are, are interacting with with Alf. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, James Gunn has been having interactions uh, with Alf. On Twitter, and a lot of people are um, thinking that we might see an ALF cameo in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. <laughs> I I don't think – I don't think it could happen. I mean, it, it, ALF already exists in Guardians of the Galaxy as the character ALF on um, – I think it's on – Quill's one of Quill's cassette players. There are stickers on it, and there's Alf stickers on it. So I don't see a fictional character being a real character in the movie. I oh agree. shit! Yeah, I'd never noticed those stickers before. Yeah, there's some Alf. There's Alf stickers, and then Jake, you remember 
the Alf cards, the Boolia baseball, uh, the Boolia baseball cards. Oh yeah, of course. There's a Boolia baseball card on there, and I I was a huge fan of the Alf cards. I I collected them until I could get all in each pack. I think it came with one Boolia baseball card, which is like that's what on Alf's planet of Melmac they called baseball, and they were like they had artwork on it. And different players. There was an, even an Alf card, you know, the Gordon Shumway card. And, um, yes, that's Alf's real name on Melmac. Anyway, people are so impressed with my fucking Alf knowledge. Like, <laughs> Jake, like right now, women are just like, they're fighting back. Like, oh my God. Oh, you're making me quiver with all your Melmac and Alf talk. <laughs> yeah. Instant pause on the podcast. Just immediately masturbate. Actually, yeah. you know, you know, like, you remember when, uh, Sir Alec Guinness was uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi and he heard the screams of like a million voices. I heard the fucking, I've heard a million voices vaginas drying up when I was talking about <laughs> Alf. <laughs> and, I agree with you, though. If yeah. Alf makes an appearance, it's going to be within the pop culture context of what the show's already established. We're not flying to Melmac for a quick, like, Alf wave cameo. Right. I, if he shows up, it's going to be like Quill is watching a, a tape on a VHS or something. I would like to see Howard the Duck hang out with Alf, though, Jake. I'm not going to lie. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. <laughs> I think a cameo similar to the Howard the Duck one would be appropriate if we're going to see Alf, though. That's the only if we're going to see him see him. That's the I don't, only I don't want to see, see Alf in a in a trap. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm thinking. Sorry, I was thinking the at the end of Endgame at the battle when you see like power. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I want to see Alf getting snapped. <laughs> <laughs> I want to see Willie holding him like you know, fucking like Iron Man holding you know Peter. And Alf saying, "You, know, I don't want to go, Willie." You know, and then like. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, anyone. Marvel, uh, this is from comingsoon.net. Marvel Studios can now feature Stan Lee's likeness in future projects. Uh, nearly four years after he passed away at the age of 95, beloved Marvel icon Stan Lee is officially making his way back to Marvel Studios. According to the Hollywood Reporter, the Blockbuster Studios acquired the licensing rights to use Lee's name, likeness, voice, and signature in future Marvel Cinematic Universe projects through a 20-year deal with Stanley Universe. Um, it is uh, it really ensures that basically what they can use is archive footage, ar- archive recordings of his voice. Um, they can use his signature. Th- I think a lot of people that read this thought that they could just fucking bring him back to life and use CG to bring Stan. That's not, that's not what's happening here at all. Like it's, they can use archival footage and, uh, and other things. So Stanley, if he wants to pop up as a cameo in the Marvel cinematic universe, we could see maybe like, you know, a, some archival footage of him like on a talk show like on a screen or something or we could see a picture of him um they could use his voice as like an intro for marvel projects kind of like how um you know the disney channel would use walt disney even after he passed and use like some of his stuff for some of their newer stuff and and um 
it's not like they're bringing a dead icon back to life using VFX. Yes. That's not what's happening here. I have no problem with this, and I love the fact that you know Stanley's you know estate gets some more money, and that they can keep his memory alive in in a, in, in certain ways. So I don't think this is disrespectful at all. Yeah, what do you think, Jake? Yeah, I'm mixed on this. I, I guess I just have to kind of wait and see, like, what they plan on doing. Um, but, yeah, I, I like the idea. Yeah, you definitely present it in the best of lights, like showing showing footage, using voice clips. Um, I, I guess I, too, leaned into I was worried that they were going to do CGI Stanley appearances in future Marvel movies. They can't which do really it. It's not part not of the deal. Of. It is not part of the deal. That is not part of this deal. They can't do that. that, That's good news. uh, Remember what when um, um, uh, Tarkin when they brought back Peter Cushing had been dead um, in that in in Rogue One was it Rogue One that they brought Tarkin back? Yeah, yeah, or Polar Express Tarkin. They can't do that. That's not part of the Stanley deal. That's good news. Then I, I definitely think more fondly upon this than than I did before. So I, I too was confused by this news. I, I thought the same thing. I thought they were doing this so they could continue doing the 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 cameos. But if they do it just using the archival footage and stuff like that, that's that's actually pretty tasteful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or if you know they just want to make a documentary about him or something like that. But I I totally thought that this was they were gonna you know General Tarkin him, and it's like ugh. Mm-mm. No, they can't. That's not part of the deal at all. Um, so they they have access to images, existing videos, and audio recordings. That's it. Um, this does not include video games or VR experiences. Um, they can uh, use him in Disney theme parks, experiences, and merchandising. So I know he shows up on the Guardians of the Galaxy ride. That was pre-death, so that's still there. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't see a problem. Stephanie, do you have any thoughts on this? Or did, did, did you see this, this deal in the news this week? Or is this the first you're hearing of I, it? No, I saw it. I didn't read it, and so I wasn't entirely sure what the details were. But that, what you're explaining, makes sense. Mm. Um, I would like to see if... It plays out. I think I may have an opinion on as to whether, how it's used. If they're using archival footage and films and things like that, then I just hope it's not overkill. I hope it doesn't feel placed in movies just for the sake. I hope it adds to the story, or it's a, or it's um, you know, since they're not going to be like true cameos like we're used to because mm. he's now passed, that it genuinely feels like they're doing it to add to the film or to whatever scene it is, and not just in every film just to make sure that he's there. Kind of like we got used to with the cameos because I feel like that era has ended, unfortunately. Let, let me, let me, let me throw this out at you. I, I really like the way that Deadpool two did it. You had the scene of them all parachuting. And I think there's a scene where Domino is parachuting into a city and then there's a building with a brick wall. And then you see graffiti art of Stan Lee. And this is post his death. And I had, I don't think anyone had a problem with that. I thought it was very respectful. And I think like that's the kind of stuff that we'll probably see here. Maybe like 
take some um, audio recording that he had. And like, you know, if there's a crowd scene, all of a sudden, like, instead of hearing like the Wilhelm scream, we hear like, you know, a, a recording of Stanley's voice, you know, like they did that with Don Rickles in Toy Story 4. They took existing audio that he had and they still were able to have Mr. Potato Head say some shit in that movie. So, and I didn't think that that was any disrespect to Don Rickles or the Rickles estate or whatever. And I think they could do the exact same thing here. They're not going to Tarkin this shit. Man, that's great news. Um, okay. I think this is the final. Yeah. Final thing. We're going to wrap this fucker up. I'm ready to get out of here too, guys. Um, (laughs) (laughs) news from the playlist, uh, daredevil, a Marvel plus Disney series from covert affairs creators is in the works. Anybody watch covert affairs? No, no. Stephanie's like wearing a covert affairs t-shirt right now. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we're, no, they didn't. They didn't list Charlie Cox as Daredevil, but we know it's going to happen. So yeah, uh, Corman and Ord the uh, co-created the USA Network series Covert Affairs. So they're yeah, they're doing the Daredevil series. Um, I'm excited. I'm happy. We're getting a Daredevil series. I just after Moon Knight, and I don't want them to fucking pussy this shit down. I want it to. That's a step back, right? I agree. I agree. And I've kind of said if you're going to do watered-down version of what you did before, I'd rather they just go full force the other way and do kind of the swashbuckling Mark Wade thing. Yeah. Oh, sorry, Jake. uh, I'm just saying if we have to have more Daredevil, and that's the choices, it's either watered-down Netflix version or brand new kind of concept. I'd rather do the brand new concept. I want. I'm reportedly saying that it's it's a continuation of the Netflix stuff, and if that's true, and it's going to have the same level, you know, of violence that was in Moon Knight, then it's really going to suffer by comparison. By you know, just like you said, Jake, it's going to be very watered down because that Netflix stuff was the 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 violence in that was absolutely brutal. It's not only the violence, Joe. There was fucking in that show. Yeah, the it, it was it was for sure TVMA content. And they they don't do that on Disney Plus. And so I don't know how you do a continuation of of the Netflix stuff. I hadn't considered that the the swashbuckling uh, Mark Wade type style. That would be pretty cool to see if they could switch gears and make that work. No, no, don't you try to fucking no, fuck that. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it works in the comics. I love it when a new creator comes in there and they can fucking you know. I mean, because Daredevil had just been on such a fucking just a just a dark path for a long time. He needed a Mark. You needed a Mark Wade to come in there and lighten his character up a bit. And I love that Mark Wade, but. If you got the same actor playing it and it's coming off the heels of the Netflix series that everybody loved and then they turn it into this very light kind of I I I it doesn't that one that wouldn't work for me here. I'm sorry. I I can't I think it's a little that. bit what Taika Waititi did with Thor 3 after after the first two. I mean, obviously those movies weren't like violent and full of sex, but like you know, just the way it feels is a completely different thing, and it's the same actor. It's bait and switch for me at this point with Daredevil, though. For me, it is. 
Let's see where they left the character off at the end of season three, though. Also, I mean, he's done with the red suit. You know, he it's it's like he's trying to, you know, tone himself back. So, I mean, maybe maybe they can somehow make it work. But I still this is me grasping at a silver lining because I just feel like no matter what, it's going to suffer from comparison because. Yeah. That Netflix stuff was just so hard in the paint on the TVMA rating. You're going to hear me toss that fucking show and saying, man, I miss that Netflix shit, dude. <laughs> I'm <laughs> probably just being honest. Stephanie, did you watch Daredevil? I did not. Um, but I remember hearing a lot about it when it was on. Is, is it being, is the, is the Disney plus version being released soon? It's, uh, the, uh, the, we're probably looking at it. You know, maybe uh, hopefully starting to film sometime next year, and we'll probably get this in 2024 sometime. Um, but you can still watch the first three seasons on uh, Disney Plus. They do have them on Disney Plus if you want to watch the Netflix stuff. And I, I would yeah, highly recommend violence and sex. Sign me up. Violence and sex. I'm, I'm <laughs> Daredevil's fucking man. Daredevil's out there fucking, and I don't want them to neuter my fucking. You know, I, I I like a good wham dinger of a daredevil, and that gave me a wham dinger of a daredevil. <laughs> that's what I want. I want I want him using his wham dinger. That, yeah, that I, first season <laughs> of Daredevil is also arguably the best thing that Netflix did. So good. So good. That fir- first season and the third season were just fucking just stellar, fucking amazing. Yep. Yeah, and in the Defenders show was pretty much like Daredevil season two point five. Yeah, it, that honestly that could have gone away. I I didn't need it. Um skip past all the Iron Fist stuff, but <laughs> the Daredevil stuff and it's pretty good. Daredevil's incredible. So, yeah, Jake, I'm glad that you can, you know, kind of you know, try to make chicken soup out of chicken shit with that but i cannot do it sir yeah, I, I mean it's all hopeful dreaming i my gut tells me it's going to be watered down netflix daredevil yeah oh god yes me too i don't trust i don't trust i don't trust feige or disney to to do it justice and and man it watching again watching logan this week i'm just like man is this is this the last time i'm ever gonna see fucking wolverine fucking slicing through people you know, cutting limbs off, watching those blades go through people's heads. Am I never going to get an R-rated Wolverine ever again? Just this one time, and that's what I got to go back to all the time. And, watch. and I'll gladly watch Logan again and again and again. James Mangold killed it with that movie, and it's just it's perfect, perfect. Uh, I mean, how many iterations of of that character do we have to go through before we even got that movie? Though I know, and. and before we and and that was the movie that everybody's like, oh my god, they got they got him right. Finally, at the end, I just don't want it. the guy's got fucking adamantium claws. He's got knives on his hands, and you're not letting him cut anybody up unless it's a robot. <laughs> yeah, come on, get the. And if we do see him cut somebody, it's like we don't see like this blood and gore and shit before. The guy's got knives for hands. He's got, he's got, he's got a total, he's got Ginsu blades coming out of his fucking arms. We should see. (laughs) Come on. Bloody level like the sadness, right? (laughs) (laughs) 
fingering eye holes with his claws. (laughs) Anyway, that's all I got, guys. That is all we got. Yeah, we're getting a Daredevil show. We'll see. Yeah, I'd love to say I'm excited for it, but and you know, I just don't want to see a. I don't want to see a watered down Kingpin or watered down Matt Murdock Daredevil. I want. I want super gore and violence, and I want I want a daredevil that fucks. I want a daredevil that gets out. He's a man of the town. He goes out there and he fucks a little bit. You know what I mean? I'm daredevil. I'm gonna go get my dick wet tonight. You know I want. That's the daredevil I want. That's the daredevil I want. I'm gonna bury this dick in some strange. Anyway, not Doctor Strange, <laughs> but I wouldn't be opposed. Anyway. That's all I got this week. Hey, Jake, I had a fantastic time this week. Yeah, this was a fun episode. Um, I was really worried coming back after a break, but yeah, this was a, this was a lot of fun. I don't know if the break did us good or what, but but something. Stephanie, did you have fun tonight? Might have been all Stephanie. Uh, you know, and I'll take the credit. And I had a great time. <laughs> I'm telling you, I don't think I don't think there's an episode that Stephanie's on that I don't have a good time. You're, you're like that. You, seriously, you're, you're like that fucking uh, Brett Michaels poison song. Nothing but a good time. <laughs> you know what I mean? I <laughs> don't get better than this. And, yeah, yeah. You, That's a good song. Remember when you said Let, <laughs> let's rock and roll that one time? Right, right now you're fucking you're you're making true on that promise. It happened. It, it happened. happened. It foreshadowing. <laughs> what did she? What did she say? What did she say at the beginning of this one? Let's get this party started. Oh, let's get this party started. <laughs> You're just, you're just you're a little PCI hype man over there, aren't you? You're like Flava Flav. Yeah, I'm like, mm-ch, mm-ch. I got like, the lights going and everything. <laughs> Portable fucking rave machine. Oh god, it's Stephanie walks in a room and all you all you see is a like 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 all this fog come in and then <laughs> <laughs> got a fog machine strapped to her back Joe thank you man how can people find more Joe Stark in their life if they do want that in their life <laughs> <laughs> you can check out my podcast Starkcast it's a long form conversation shows uh, most recent episode just dropped today actually had Stephanie on uh, so you can also find me on Twitter at the Tubby Ninja. I'm listening. I'm gonna listen. I'm listening the shit out of that episode because that fucking that that the last time you had her on was fucking one of the funniest and best episodes of. It was the best episode of Stark Cast ever put out, Joe. Oh, well, thank you. Stephanie's a fantastic guest, and and I had an awesome time talking with her last night as well. <laughs> Stephanie, I'm saying I'm saying this. I've I've been on Joe's show before, and you are the best guest he's ever had on. Thank you. That's so sweet. And it's it's a it's almost criminal for me to to rate guests that he's had on because most of them are personal friends of mine. So. <laughs> I think they're all good. Just think Stephanie's a little bit better. And myself included in that group. <laughs> um, yeah, Stephanie, your episode was fantastic. I can't wait to listen to that episode. So I will Thanks. be, I'll be listening to that fucker tomorrow. Um, anyway, I'm getting really weird and loopy here at the end of this one. Yeah. Thanks, Jake, for the acknowledgement there. <laughs> Jake's like, yeah, no denying that one. Yeah, I see it, Brian. I, there's no coverage. Yeah. <laughs>
Yep, right. You're absolutely. You're like my. You're like my depressing Ed McMahon in that moment. <laughs> oh God. Yes, sir. I'll take. I'll take it. <laughs> you may have won one million dollars. You're really fucking weird at the end of this one, Brian. Yes. <laughs> Uncomfortable. Oh boy. All right, guys. Uh, Jake. Until next week. We're putting a lid on it. Yeah, thanks, Jake. All right, see you next week. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. We don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. It's a trap. Gonna toss it, gonna taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Clean and race it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover, counterculture, pushover. Pop culture. Leftover. And with the uncool kids. What's to say's already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the shaft and we're the shaft crap, even though we're the shit. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps, dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toxic, good and Do we love it? Hey, let's make it clean, erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over counterculture, pushover, pop culture, leftovers. And with the uncool kids, what's to say's already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it, let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture, carry over, counterculture, pushover, pop culture. Leftover, and with the uncool kids, what's to say has already been said. Leftover, pretty sure only talent is the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. We'll see. God, put that bird out of its misery. Christ. I know, I know. Jesus Christ, I feel like I'm in the the hatching movie. <laughs> oh no. God, are you in a bird sanctuary? <laughs> Jesus Christ. I can't even hear him. I'm probably just so used to him. You guys, seriously, Joe, 
Stephanie, can you hear that shit? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not denying it, but I've got <laughs> headphones plugged, plugged in my ear. Like, you, you can hear my outside better than I can right now. When I was in, I'd sit in government class in high school right by one of the windows and I'd sit there. And... <laughs> the teacher would go around and like just start shutting windows and I'd just keep doing it. 